Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. First of all, I want to thank everyone, everyone who's ever been with us, who's ever joined us, who's ever anything with us over the past few years. It's always a thrill. It's always a privilege. It is one of the best parts of my week, one of the best parts of my day, one of the best parts of my year, one of the best parts of my existence. And speaking of the best of the best of the best, I see I've been joined by Mr. James Coburn, my co-host. How are you doing, Jim? Uh, pretty good. Best of the best of the best of the best, sir. <laughs> Uh, I assume it's got to be at least something of a sad occasion in 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 Raider Nation, though I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah. Um, fortunately, Kenny Saber uh, is uh, you know on a little jet boat in the sky, you know, doing his thing. So yeah, um, uh, he, you know, as I said before, you know, I got a chance to, you know, when I was about ten years old and didn't even know who Kenny Saber was. Got a chance to go on a fishing trip uh, with him and a couple other people for Red Snapper and uh, and Perdido Key in uh, Florida, and uh, he was just a cool guy. He was the thing is, is I know a lot of people say he's this crazy guy, which again I, we're on a fishing trip, so I mean, <laughs> craziest thing that could happen is a bunch of people drinking beer and that's about it. But I mean, he was just a guy that you know was kind of a good old boy. He was a good type guy, um, but just the coolest guy. Uh, and I'm a Raider fan because of him, because I wasn't a really NFL fan. I was a college fan, obviously, you know, being in Alabama um, and Florida. But I wasn't, you know, a football NFL fan. I mean, so and he was like, "Well, I should be a Raider fan." And I'm like, "All right, so <laughs> there you go," <laughs> you know. I became a Raider fan because of Kenny Saylor. And, uh, you know, again, at the time, I didn't know who he was. So it's like, all right, well, fine, whatever. You know, I'll be a Raider fan. And then, you, <laughs> you know, you look, at his, you look at the career he had and everything else like that. And the, and the funny part of the story is, you know, about a couple years later, I was at a little party function thing, and Joe Namath was at this party, and I was about Ooh. 11 or 12 years old at the party. <laughs> and, uh, he ran into me, and he was like, you know, son, you need to be a Jet fan. I said, well, no, I'm, I'm a Raiders fan. And he goes, oh, you're a Raiders fan? Why are you a Raiders fan? And I said, because Katie Saber said I should be a Raiders fan. And Joe Dan was like, oh, he, he got you. <laughs> so, so the funny thing is, is you know, you never know. If I hadn't gone on that, that fishing trip uh, with Katie Saber, I might have been a Jet fan. Well, then you yeah. owe Kitty Stabler a dying uh, debt of gratitude. Though I know it's been a little bit rough being a Raiders fan. Trust me, my friend. It could be worse. Oh, it could be so much worse. It uh, be- it's pretty rough. But, yeah, I mean, he uh, – you know, the, the, thing about, the thing about him is he obviously has a lot of stories, but, I mean, everybody in that sort of Foley, Alabama, uh, South Alabama area, everybody knows who Kitty Stabler is. He used to own a house on Odell Island. Uh, which is a 
which is basically this island uh, near Orange Beach, uh, Alabama. Unfortunately, he lost the house. He lost a bunch of his, the end of his life is pretty bad, obviously. Yeah, you know, yeah. A lot of people, um, you know, it's kind of the thing where a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, I'm, I had this great life. It's going to end well. It doesn't always end well, guys. I mean, you know, he owed the IRS tons of money, had lots of health problems in his, in his older ages. But uh, the bottom line is, is yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty sad to lose a guy like that. He's obviously a guy that uh, touched a bunch of people. Uh, in terms of his career on and off Hello, the field. Yes, he touched many people on and off the field, <laughs> indeed. Um, and, of course, as was, as was pointed out, they overlapped one year, I mean, Namath and Stabler, and I can only imagine it was a legendary year, 1964, uh, in and around Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Both guys enjoyed Absolutely. life. They didn't like each Yeah, they didn't they, the feeling was they didn't like each other. <laughs> they were they were they were rivals. I mean, Stabler yeah. came in like, you know, okay, Joe Namath, right, right, right. You know, legend, smegend. I'm here now, you know. And I mean, this is an era of guys waiting their turn. If you were an underclassman, forget a freshman. If you were a sophomore, you didn't make any noise. You were silent. You were seen and not heard in those days. You had to be a mm-hmm. super superstar to touch a football in practice, practically as a sophomore in those days. First of all, let me remind you, there was no scholarship limits, kids, or at least no 85-man scholarship. I mean, teams would routinely dress 100 dudes for, or plus, 100 dudes plus for home games. They would dress 90-something for, for road games in those days. You could have 120-some dudes on scholarship in 1964, and you'd have another 20, 30 guys walking on. Teams, some Alabama in those days might have a Daryl K. Royals, Texas. You might see 150, 160 dudes on the practice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they had a lot of people. I mean, again, Alabama is the program that told Bo Jackson that you're going to be sitting your freshman year. That's partially yep. why he went to Auburn. Was yep. he's like, no, I want to play right away. I don't want to sit, you because know? they basically they basically said you're not playing your first year. Sorry, that's just not how. The roll. It's not how we yeah. roll. No, they didn't. That's not. They may roll time, but they didn't let freshmen roll. If you're a freshman, you get to watch them other people roll. In those days, I don't care who you are. I see Donovan James has joined us as well. Isaiah. Yes. Yeah. So we're remembering the snake who has now slithered off to that great bar stool in the sky. This is also in the same month that uh, the assassin was gone, July twenty. 20- Seven this month, but he died in 2010. Uh, um, what's his name? The guy I talked to you guys on Twitter earlier this week. The nickname the assassin. You know about Jack Tate? Oh, oh, you mean Jack Tate? <laughs> you know about Jack Tate? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, obviously. So this is a bad month for Raiders fans. Well, you might say that. I guess you might say that. Uh, they. As we pointed out earlier, it was a very different game and in those days, and it took a lot more out of you. I mean, guys, if you could walk and you played 10 years, you could, you know, and you could walk 20 years after you played, that was a, you were a big winner in those days. They, they, the medical science wasn't anything like now today. The, the treatment in those days, the, head, the um, head injury protocol in 1975 was smelling salt, kids. Hey, take away for this. That was the head injury protocol in 1975. 
Hey, you look a little woozy. Smell these. Get back out there. So, yeah, very different era. And Is he in the Hall of Fame? No. We just had a whole huge debate about this. Uh, you must not have been on Twitter earlier today when I was engaging with some young lady who ended up blocking me for some reason. And I was, I never, was, un- I was never unpleasant. I was never abusive. I just let her know he was a very, very good player. And, but he wasn't even the best, one of the top five quarterbacks of his era. He was a fun player to watch. He was clutch. That's one thing he certainly was. The snake was clutch. He played his best in big games. But, but by, the, by the numbers, guys like John Brody were better. I mean, guys like Roman Gabriel were better. I mean, there's, there's lots of guys who, 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 who weren't on his who teams not, were not as good as the team he was on. And it's sort of like the argument people use with Terry Bradshaw. Well, Terry Bradshaw has four Super Bowl rings, but let's be honest, Terry Bradshaw was by no means the best quarterback that's true. in the era. That's true, but a lot of this is more so the legend's more important than the fact. Right. Correct. <laughs> yeah, he was a true. He, he can give us facts. He can tell us all the facts you want about how Terry Bradshaw wasn't really that great, how Joe Namath really wasn't that great. And you leave him alone. We just lost Stable. You leave Namath alone. No more <laughs> right. taking away his Hall of Fame status. Uh, again, <laughs> they were part of an era. They had a lot of. Legend, as you will, developed a lot of. A lot of there was a know, lot of legends. Bonafides, yeah, Bonafides because of that. And, and, and the they term, got into the term, guys like and guys like Namath and 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 Stabler helped to invent what people now call swagger. Those guys helped to invent swagger. These guys were in the lab, you know, putting on Old Spice and romancing ladies and wearing furs, helping to invent swagger as we now know it today. Hey, um, it's Rory in the line. I believe yes, so. I am. How are you doing, fellas? Doing extremely well. Roy, first of all, my condolences uh, on the loss of Kenneth J. Stabler. Uh, it's, you know, it sucks, but uh, I, I unluckily never got to meet the, sta- uh, meet the snake. My best uh, celebrity uh, Raiders run-in was meeting Cliff Branch at a Walmart once. But uh, <laughs> beyond that, you know, I don't have anything as cool as going on a fishing trip. But, you know, the thing is, you know, even though uh, you lose Stable this month, you still get to celebrate Al Davis's birthday on the 4th, which is always a plus. But, uh, you know, it is what it is, and generations come and go. And, uh, you know, it's just time for uh, more Raiders to step up and take that mantle and run with it, you know. True. And and one last thing. I want to throw a bone. If you really want to make an argument for someone getting in the hall amongst the Raiders who are not in, the guy to get behind is Cliff Branch, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. That's the guy to get behind. If you're, I mean, I'm, I'm a Pittsburgh fan, and I love Swan. But if you snack Swan and Branch's careers up together, Branch had the better career. He just didn't have two amazing, legendary, anyone who saw it remember for the rest of their life, Super Bowls like, like Swan did. Swan won a Super Bowl, I won't say single-handedly, but he was the deciding factor. Despite the fact that Dallas had built their whole defense, not their whole defense, because they were worried about the run, too, but their, the passing portion of the defense was built around stopping Swan from gashing them deep, and Swan still gashed them deep. You know, three catches, two touchdowns, 100 and whatever many yards, and, you know, basically it was a walk-off. You know, <laughs> like, you know. Uh, and so people remember that. Voters remember that. The, the NFL isn't as number-obsessed as baseball. There are certain numbers we look for generally, Generally, you know, in running backs, we want you to usually get to about 10,000 yards. With quarterbacks, we want you, when the old days, the number was 25,000. Now the number, 25,000 wouldn't even get you sniffed at nowadays. Nowadays, you know, we're probably looking for you to get somewhere closer to 40,000 uh, by the time you wrap it up. 
we're looking for about a two to one nowadays, at least a two to one. Usually, I guess nowadays more like a, more like a three to one touchdown interception ratio, or maybe 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 higher now as the rules slant more and more offense. But uh, in the old days, as long as you were a little bit to the good on touchdowns interceptions, usually had a good shot. And then a few guys, you know, Namath amongst them. Uh, in fact, Namath, I think, is the only quote unquote modern era, I mean, post World War II quarterback to make it in with a negative uh, touchdown interception ratio. But, but he's an exception, as many people have pointed out in so many ways. Um, the Raiders are a team that for a long time everyone knew what the Raiders looked for. We want the biggest and fastest. We want big guys who are fast. We want fast guys who are big. That's what our team is. If they, don't, if they don't have great football knowledge, we can teach them that. That's why we hire coaches. Uh, if they're raw, fine. We're here to cook them. Uh, if, they, if they've got a few character, you know, little character stuff, what the heck? It's part of our, you know, we're kind of thrive on that. They used to reclaim lots of dudes who had been run off of other teams. That was a Raider thing to do. Hey, they didn't like you in New York. Hey, they didn't like you in such and such. Hey, you were too, you know, rough around the edges for this other, you know, other team. Come over here. You can't be too rough around the edges for us. That's what we built our team on, speed, size, and roughness around the edges. And as we pointed out, uh, uh, Steve Morton, and uh, we were talking about how at one point they had two guys in their secondary with the nicknames of Assassin and Dr. Death. There are no defensive backs and have been no defensive backs in years with any nicknames close to that. Nobody calls defensive backs Dr. Death anymore or the Assassin. So the Raiders are now becoming a new creature, right? They're building differently. They're no longer saying, just give us the biggest, fastest, meanest individuals you can find. They seem when I I realized that the the that truly Al Davis was dead when they drafted Jerron Kreiner. I said to myself, "Wow, there's a new sheriff in town," because <laughs> that guy would have had no shot to be drafted when Al Davis was running the show. He's got decent size, he's a pretty good receiver, but we ran a four six what? You know what I mean? Like that would have been it. <laughs> that would have been end of the story. No more need to discuss. Now I'm, I'm slightly exaggerating because they have brought in. Great, great players who didn't have freakish measurables. Amongst them, of course, Bolitnikov, who ran about a four eight nine or something on the best day of his life. But he was, you know, one of the great technicians at the wide receiver position ever. So I mean, slightly exaggerating, but that was, you know, once again to make a point. People always talked about how the Raiders do all their scouting with a stopwatch, but it's clear that that's changed. So, in your mind, Rory. What are the Raiders doing now? How do they, what do they value most when they look at players, when they look at talent nowadays? The only thing I could point my finger on and say that it's consistent from nearly every selection they make or anything they do in free agency, it's high character. Beyond that, everything is totally dependent. I mean, DJ Hayden, um, physical, I mean, you're talking about all the physical attributes, you know, maybe a little rougher on the edges technique-wise, had all the injury stuff. I mean, it it's, looks like an Al Davis pick the way you look at it. Yeah, the old. I mean, then you look. Yeah, you look at Cleo Mack. I mean, no brainer. You look at a you know a cat like Derek Carr. I'm not sure if that's necessarily a. It's, I'm not it's, necessarily got some sure. Al, it's got some Alness to it. The kid who can throw the ball a country mile. Yeah, yeah, it's got that to it. But at the same time, he's not necessarily the biggest guy. Like Al, like the big guy who you know can yeah. stand up in the pocket and take hits. I mean, right. that's what he wants. 
you know, uh, he wanted someone who's going to be bombing it down the field. Uh, so, you know, I'm not necessarily sure if a lot of it translates. I mean, some of it seems to be kind of all over the board. To me, I think the only thing they're really worried about is if they can get a guy in and they know that the person's going to work hard and they're going to put their nose to the grindstone, then they can fix all the other things around them, no matter what it is. If they're a technician, they can teach them, you know, maybe how to play a little bit quicker, do some other things, maybe teach them the tricks with traits so they cover up the physical uh, things that aren't there. If they're highly physical, they have all the speed, the size, then maybe they could teach them the stuff they need to do to be successful on the other end of that. As long as they work hard and they put in the effort, I think that's really the only thing I could find that seems to translate from every everything they do, which is, to me is bizarre. I mean, Al Davis didn't really give a crap if you work hard. If you didn't want to work hard, he didn't make you as long as you showed up on game day. Well, the other thing that fascinates me is they seem to they seem to have a more liberal injury concern policy than most other teams. They have, yeah. they have their teams. They drafted guys that some teams took all the way off their board altogether. So I was I was a little surprised. They seem either their team doctor is like, oh, I can work with it. I can fix that. I mean, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know. They seem to not be as concerned about that as as most other teams are. Uh, do you think that is sort of a risk award thing where they figure? You know, we like this guy so much that even though he has this terrifying injury history, we feel like we can we can get around it. Or do you think they don't see it as maybe they don't see it as terrifying though other teams do? Well, you were talking about modern medicine earlier. I mean, a lot's changed. So you're talking about a guy like Neuron Ball in the fifth round. I'm not really sure if that's a huge risk to me. You know, he's had a bunch of injuries, but fifth round pick. I mean, I don't know. So not I, just, you know, I think when you're looking at it, just, but Neil Ball does injuries. I mean, he, near death, man. You don't get that. Oh every yeah. Day. <laughs> I, well, totally, I totally agree. But mostly, what he's coming back from now is a matter of like knee injuries, stuff like that. I mean, he has the near death experience, but at the same time, his most recent recent injury is a knee, I believe. And so you know, so when you're talking about those things, it's recoverable. Now, the DJ Hayden one to me is the weirder one. Um, now, again, that injury is so rare. Like when you hear them talk about that actually happening, it's like a one-in-a-million sort of thing. It only happened to car accidents. So, to me, right. I think they looked at it and went, okay, this is so rare, yet the talent's so good. And, for one, I thought that draft was a really just crappy draft, so I'm not uber surprised, um, even though I'm a big Sheldon Richardson fan. With Sheldon Richardson. That, that, that's the thing to me. You had Sheldon Richardson on the board. It's really hard. I don't see how you pass on that. Yeah. But the point being, I mean, it was such a freakish injury that you kind of go, okay – and then from there, he never had a real injury history at Houston, from what I understand. Before that, you, you know, so the things after it were also freakish. Like he tripped over a helmet or something, yep. and that's how he got the, the fracture his foot, which is kind of it, it's hilarious. It's just so dumb. It's funny. Um, so, yeah, I think some of the, you know, the only one to me that was really kind of just off the wall is the DJ Hayden one. The rest of them, they're usually late-round picks or mid-to-late picks. Um, I mean, Metalik Watson didn't really have much of an injury history at Florida State, yet he's had some real bad luck. Uh, which sucks because those were back-to-back picks. Um, you know, uh, some of it, too, is bad luck with just the way things have turned out. Uh, but they've moved on people, too, with injury histories. Miles Burris, who misses a lot of time, and they've recently moved on from him. So I also don't think, you know, that they're – I don't think – unlike Al, uh, they are very – they will pull the trigger on a guy when they're ready to. Like, if they think it's time to pull a trigger and just get rid of a guy, they'll cut him loose, and it usually doesn't take them long. I think once Miles Burris kind of served his time, you know, he was out of the door, too. Well, yeah. with DJ Hayden, wasn't he projected to be a second-round pick, though, and they kind of took their big reach on him? I, I thought um, I, I was hearing, I was hearing that day people were reporting that the Colts and the Chargers were willing to take him in their first round. 
there were reports that day, like like uh, I remember Steve Weiss specifically on the NFL Network, on NFL Network said it, like before the draft. He's like, we're hearing DJ Hayden's a fast riser up the board, you know, and the two point, the two teams they pointed out specifically were the Colts and Chargers. And then throughout the week before that, um, I remember Bucky Brooks putting in his mock that you know DJ Hayden would go to the chart, it would go to the Colts like as a 24th pick or whatever. Right. Um, I mean, it blew me away. Like I when I saw it because I. When I even watched the film originally, and I had you know, done my own stuff, I was kind of thinking like a second, or third round pick. And when it happened, I kind of went, "You did what?" Like it wasn't DHB bad, but it really kind of blew me away. Hmm. So don't hand. <laughs> yeah, well, here's here's the thing. In, in a you got a guy in him who, yeah, I mean, there's tools, there's things, but he was never a dominant player. He wasn't a shut-down guy. He wasn't a guy yeah. that people were terrified of when he was at Houston. So that's what the only thing that sort of, sort of stuck out to me. He's I a playmaker. I guess. But he, wasn't, he wasn't the best corner in the conference. That's what yeah. was driving me nuts. Like, really? All this around, like, a guy who might be the second, maybe third, but maybe the second best corner in his conference. Um, there's things to work I, with. I get that, but my gosh. Uh, and, and I do wonder how much of that was a Dennis Allen pick. Because um, oh, yeah. when you think about, I do want. I mean, I honestly do. Like, I thought about it before. Like, is that a is he a Dennis Allen sort of corner? Um, because when you look back at some of the other corner picks Reggie's made with like a McGill or even a Carey, they don't really fit his mold. They're much more. They're either bigger and stronger, more physical corners like Keith McGill, like he's long, you know, that sort of build. Right. Or with like in the mold of Carey, he's very versatile. So he does a little bit of everything. So he, you know, he just does a lot. And to me, he like for me, I, I think when I look at McKenzie, I think he loves versatility. I mean, I think you can see a lot of stuff he does. He likes the versatility end of it. So I, I, I wonder to this day if that um, DJ Hayden thing was a Dennis Allen pick or if it even had McKenzie on it. Well, either way, I think some teams panic when they hear, oh, so-and-so loves, blah, blah, blah. And some of that stuff is straight-up misinformation. I mean, we've seen many times when teams have hustled other teams into making some pick when they actually wanted some completely different player, but they wanted to make sure you wouldn't take that player. So they put out that, oh, we love, blah, blah, blah. We can't wait. We hope he falls to us. And then, you know, you pull the trigger on this kid early, and now the player they really wanted falls to them. That happens, well, every year. Every year somebody gets hustled that way. And I can't help but wonder if that's what happened with them and DJ Hayden. Maybe. What they drives me crazy is my guy Sheldon Richardson was on the board when that happened. So drop to 12. Sheldon Richardson right there. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be sweet. You pick up a second round pick, and you need Sheldon Richardson, and then it's like, oh, DJ Hayden. <laughs> okay, <laughs> kind of a buzzkill. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's. It's never too early to talk about 2016. Uh, obviously, you don't know what your team will need yet, but you know which positions you aren't thrilled about. I think it's probably a good way to think of it, and you know which positions, at least from what we've seen. Obviously, it's a limited sample size. Some of the guys that are going to end up being taken in the first and second and third rounds are guys who haven't even played this year hardly, uh, played last year hardly. But based on what you know, if you were sort of starting to stack a very early board for very, very early board for 2016 for where this team looks like it might need to be bolstered, who would you be taking a long, long look at for next year, 2016, and what positions are you targeting? See, me specifically, I'm not a huge college football guy, so I kind of ramp myself into it as it goes throughout the season. But I definitely, positional-wise, looking at the Raiders, there are a couple areas that they have to worry about long-term that I'm mostly focused on. And I'll kind of figure out, 
you know, the, the prospects as I go. But positionally, the biggest worry I have is that left tackle. Uh, <laughs> Donald Penn, he's getting up there. I mean, he might be serviceable for another couple, maybe even another year or two after this. You don't know. But figuring out what you want to do there is key. I liked the pick of Menelik Watson when we made it. In fact, really? I actually mocked I actually mocked that exact pick in a uh, mock draft that I did. Um, I had a long story, but um, I could, you know, whatever. Um, but I actually mocked that pick um, for Menelik Watson going to the Raiders. Um, so I do like the pick. I've always kind of felt that he could transition to the left side because um, he's got the feet for it. He's got the athleticism for it. Mm. It's not really working out. I mean, so we'll see what happens with that. It's kind of a bummer pick. I mean, I'm not really sure what's gonna, how it's going to go. I'm hopeful. But at this point, I would say left tackle is probably the highest need. Um, corner is an interesting position. I've been advocating – I advocated all offseason to not really worry about investing much in corner right now because you have to see what you have with all these young players. But depending on how the Rodgers. Oh, I wouldn't even bother. Just, I, I honestly think you just stick with exactly the crop you have now and just roll with it. I mean, my big thing was give them a pass rush and see what happens. So, um, I don't know. I, I just had a brain that I didn't know how much you know about that. Don't, don't haunt me with names like Carlos Rogers. Don't do that to me. But <laughs> um, I think corner could definitely be something they target. Um, it, it just depends on how this, this year goes. Safety is going to be the next one. Like, I – I have no idea what the long-term plan is of safety. People were thinking about Keith McGill, but the guy can't tackle for the life of him. So I – and his bat, I don't know. Like his safety, where I just don't think he's going to ever be a safety. And then the other position that kind of worries me is I'm still not 100% sold that we have the necessary depth we need at the middle linebacker position when you talk about people who can just be in there like a true Mike and get dirty, attack downhill – at the line of scrimmage. I like Curtis Lofton. I think he's a serviceable player. I just don't think you necessarily have the depth you need in case if Curtis Lofton goes down again, I think we're still in trouble. Like, I, I think you need another guy in there. So those are kind of the four spots where my head's at. And the safety one to me is the biggest issue. I mean, but here's the thing. If you get enough pass rush, does it really matter? I mean, we've seen in history that pass rush can really do you wonders. So you never know. I mean, can you go down that classic New York Giants route of just pass rush, pass rush, pass rush, never really but investing they, in DBs had, and still win? Yeah, but they had good safeties. Um, they they were quiet. I mean, in that they, they weren't flashy, but they were yes. good safeties. People for people underestimate how good that secondary was. That was a good defense. Stem to stern, every part of that defense was good. I would say it was serviceable. I definitely think they were serviceable. I mean, they were decent players. They were pros. Like, you can go out, you weren't embarrassed to go put them on the field. Now, I mean, if that's the Raiders this year and their defensive backs aren't embarrassing, would you go put them on the field um, because you happen to put together a decent pass rush? Then I think it changes how you're going to look at it going forward. I do think safety is probably going to be more critical than corner just because you do have some young draft picks put into the cornerback position. Uh, So I definitely do think because safety is just old. No matter how you look at it, the safety position is old and it's really untrustworthy. Um, I don't really – I like what they've added to the safety position in free agency. Um, I think uh, that I can't, I can't remember his name all of a sudden. I like, I like him as a player. I just don't know if I have a lot of faith that he's going to be able to do everything that's needed when it's ta- we talk about coverage and everything else. So I do think there's definitely some liabilities that could be had. Hey, Roy. Um, yep. I didn't talk to you about on Twitter um, about. D.J. Springer for, for the Raiders. I mean, he'd be, he was 
I mean, with the players that they had, Scooch with the classic, like, heart and uh, mold that they're starting to put back together. Because if you look at Chris Lawson in a way, <laughs> well, the Swearinger, well, we talked about Swearinger, and um, like I said, he's another one where I like the player at times, but I've seen coverage him kind of struggle. by definition, yes, but he's a coverage liability by defi- definition. You're, exactly. He's gonna, so He's going to make some woo hits. So he's go woo, and he's going to give up some 80-yard touchdowns, which now, if you're okay with that, you know, then go on with it, but most teams aren't. Yeah, and I think that's why they were looking – now, see, to me, the, the safety I'm a little surprised they passed on was Raheem Moore. Now, say what you will mm-hmm. about Raheem Moore. He definitely looked bad against Baltimore in the playoffs a couple of years back. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, he's about as balanced a safety as you were going to find in this free agent class. And he's the one that made the most sense to me. Like, I figured, okay, you're going to bring in Raheem Moore. You're going to have a little bit of interchangeability between him and Woodson. You can have one, you know, mostly Woodson drop into the box. Raheem Moore could play up high. He's done that pretty, at least serviceably, in his career, you know, you can put him up there, and again, he won't be embarrassing. Um, so, you know, I figured he was the most logical pick, and the fact that they didn't go down that route, or for whatever reason, they just missed out on him, uh, was a little frustrating. So, I mean, yeah. Oh, finish up. Oh, uh, and and just one last thing. I, no offense, but you don't have a single safety on your roster right now who is as good as the safeties that they had on that that '86 Super Bowl championship team of the Giants. Just just making that very clear. I don't, know, I, don't know how, I don't know how much you remember those guys, but I, I might be a little older than you. I remember that team very well. And Kenny Hill was better than just Thurston. Well, Terry Kennard was extremely good free safety. I was thinking more like I was thinking more like the uh, the ones that beat the Patriots in more recent times. Oh, 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 oh! You're we're talking about different Giants defenses. Oh, I'm much older than you. That I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. You see, I have cousins who played with Lawrence Taylor. I'm from Virginia, and. Uh, my cousins, Tori and Tomas Johnson, played both high school basketball and high school football with Lawrence Taylor. I've seen Lawrence Taylor from the time he was about 16 years old. I've been watching him. So wow. that gives you an idea of how different, I guess, our experiences are. Um, yeah, I, my, first, my first football article was published 33 years ago. Yeah, I mean, my frame of reference of football is a little newer. <laughs> I'm beginning to be honest. I'm beginning to be that now. It's all good, but I, I know, I know you, when you refer to it back in the like, I totally agree with you. I wouldn't even argue about it. It's just not kind of what I had in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, now I see what you mean now. Oh, that that team. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm thinking more like Jabril Wilson. was a little better than anybody you roll it out there now, but you're right, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I'm thinking more like that Jabril, Jabril Wilson years, and I'm oh. trying to remember who the one next to him was. I'm trying to remember who the guy next to Jabril Wilson was. See, I was and thinking about when they had role and Okay, but yeah, either yeah. way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a push. No, not Adrian Wilson. Um, Adrian Wilson was still – the year – I think the year you're talking about, Adrian Wilson was still – actually, did they have Wilson by that? But he was, I was a Cardinal, say where it goes. I was going to say he was a Cardinal, yeah. He was still a Cardinal. Yeah. And Adrian Wilson, you know, once again, we're talking about coverage. I mean, Adrian Wilson was a guy that – the, the league changed out for un, um, from under him, like with Roy Williams with the Cowboys. These guys would have been yeah. Hall of Famers if they were born 20 years earlier. But unfortunately, the game changed in such a way that they essentially stopped being able to be three you know, guys who could be on the field all the time. Because, once again, coverage. The league doesn't care if you can tackle anymore. I mean, <laughs> I don't say they don't care, but they kind of don't. Uh, but when I was a young player, safeties, the first thing was, First thing was football IQ. Second thing was tackling. You had to have those two things. 
if you weren't terribly fast, you weren't the biggest guy in the world, they could work with that. But you had to be smart and you had to be a good tackler. Take the right angle and get the guy to the ground. We can work with all the rest. Now it's like, well, can you cover? And then we'll work with all the rest. One more thing for Rory before I have to go. Um, I want uh, – can you talk about uh, – because you guys are really high on Rock Strader and um, some of the other receivers. And then I know you're really high on Clive Walford. Can you uh, express your feelings on those two players, really? Yeah, I'm personally really high on Rod Streeter. Um, I don't know. I've had a man crush on him because the Raiders picked him up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I was able to, um, you know, kind of watch him a little bit, and I just – there's something about his – the way he's built. Like, if you look at his figure, he's, like, the perfect height. He's around 6'2". He's got a nice figure. You know, he's around that 2010 mark or so, and he just cuts really well. He cuts really smoothly. He, um, he picks up routes really, really quickly, and he's got a good brain on him. So – and he's got pretty decent hands, too. So, for him, to me, like, and a lot of people think of him as a bit of a speedster. I know he ran around below, I think it was a full, below 4.4s four at yep. the Pro Day at Temple. Yep. Um, but I look at him more of a, like, a possession receiver that can break a tackle after he catches the football. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's amazing, but I definitely think he's a definitely a very serviceable number two. In this offense, he's probably going to be interchangeable with a two and three with Crabtree. But I, I really like him as a talent. I do hope he sticks around. I uh, hope he stays healthy. Uh, I was really – I mean, you can't – if you're a second-year player and you're almost putting up 1,000 yards with the crap the Raiders have been throwing out at <laughs> quarterback the last couple of years, uh, if you can do that, it's it's pretty impressive. And he's made some um, really impressive crabs and some that have uh, – and he's actually had produced some pretty good games. Um, I like him a lot. I really hope he continues to grow. I don't ever expect him to be, you know, an insane receiver – but he's definitely one of those really solid complement pieces that I hope sticks around for a long time and just kind of does his thing. Like just, you know, Rod does Rod, you know, for 10 years and just has a decent career. If you're looking, Clive, if you're looking, if you're looking for who he can be, I don't know, once again, I don't know how far back your football memory extends, but you remember Antonio Freeman? Yeah, I was, I don't know. I was kind of thinking more like um, almost a little bit less on like a Monty Toomer, but not quite a Monty Toomer. Toomer came to mind as well, but Toomer was – such a technician. I don't know if he'll ever get there in terms of yeah, the- maybe that's kind of the I, kind of the guy I have in my head is kind of a Monty Tumor, but but in my head too, like I almost think of Monty Tumor put up like really really good numbers for a career, but I guess he, I don't know. Yeah, um, I guess career, I don't think he put. Up, yeah, he, he had, had a great career. career. He had a great career. I mean, I want to say great, great for a number two. I'll put it that way. Great for if he would be a top tier number two receiver for that era. I mean, if you look down the teams that played in that time. He would rank in the top probably six or seven of the number the Z receiver. We're going to say the guy's not the X, mm-hmm. uh, but he, <laughs> he still had a really nice he had a nice run. You know, he had a long career also. Yeah, that's kind of how I view Streeter. Like I think Streeter could be one of those guys if he does put up decent numbers over career. It's going to be good, going to be because he stuck around, and I think he has kind of a skill set that will allow him to stick around because he's such he's a bit of a heady player. Um, he you know he works really hard and he's kind of got naturally soft hands. So I think. Because that skill set, because he's not completely based on his speed or his strength or anything like that, uh, I definitely think he's got the ability to stick around. Um, so, I mean, I, I like him for the long term. I think he could be a Raider for a long time. I mean, Clyde Walford's like a whole different kind of cat, though. Like, Clyde Walford, he, the one everyone kind of always compares him to, and you're going to love this, is Raymond Chester. Like, everybody there compares him go. to Raymond they, Chester. He, that does come. Now, he's not quite that athletic. He's a good athlete, but Chester yeah. – 
was probably the second fastest guy on the team behind Branch. I mean, he could really run, and he was 231 pounds. I mean, he was he was sort of ahead which of back, time because, because no one knew which, how to which use Which back then was like 265 now. Right, but nobody knew, knew how to use that in those days, really. Unfortunately, he never became a big part of the offense, but he was a classic Al Davis pick. Give me this guy who's 231 pounds that can run in the high 4-4s, and which in those days, and once again, if you sort of think about the comparison, yeah, it was like being bigger and faster because, you know, 4-4 was about as fast as it got in those days. A few guys, a handful of guys, you know, Bob Hayes and, you know, Tony Dorsett and a few others would, could run sub 4-4, but it was a very small number of guys running around who were sub 4-4 in the, in the early, seven, early to mid-70s. You know, it's a short, short list. I could name probably every player, Johnny Lamb Jones. I mean, there's a short list of every guy that played in the league in that era who was sub 4-4, and I could probably name every single one of them, but I won't because don't want to stay here and listen to that. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was, he was special talent, but he never became a special player. Yeah, I'm not sure Al Davis ever knew how to utilize somebody like that. I mean, the tight ends Al Davis did really great with. What do you think of Casper? And I think the most unheralded Raider of all time Christensen. being Todd Christensen. Yep. He's my, one of my particular favorites. Um, I'm a bit of a nerd, and so the fact that Todd Christensen was a big-time nerd is really cool to me. And he had a great mustache. Yeah. Um, when, he had but the, when, he was, when he was rocking that, I don't know what white guys call a jerry curl. I guess white guy jerry curl. When he was rocking yeah. the white guy jerry curl at the porn stash, it was so awesome. It was like classic. It was like it was like you know, t- of like Magnum PI bulked up and played football. And people don't realize. I mean, he literally led the NFL in receptions yep. one year, yep. and for three years in a row, led the end, led all tight ends in the NFL yep. in receptions. I believe. Yep. I mean, he, he was a quality. He's another one who I do believe should have serious consideration to be in the Hall of Fame. I was about to agree with you. Like I said, people can talk about Plunkett and people can talk about Stabler, and those are guys who, when you stack them up against the other quarterbacks of their era, they come out way down here. You know, they're in the middle of the pack. They're not top of the pack guys in terms of their numbers. Christensen, however, if you look at him against the tight ends of the era, there were some days, there were some years where he was 20-something catches ahead of the next, next tight end in the league. Or next receiver. Like, there there was the year he led the the NFL in receptions, he was like 10 receptions ahead of the next receiver. Yep. Like, the guy after him was a wide receiver, and it was like 10 yep. receptions behind. Yep. So. Yeah, he was his, he was his early early to mid-80s, he was as good as it got uh, in terms of receiving tight ends. And the funny thing is, he wasn't drafted as a tight end. You probably know this. The, the Dallas Cowboys fullback. drafted him as a fullback, and they said, oh, this guy isn't much of a blocker. And they sort of gave up on him. And, you know, I'm sure somewhere Al Davis was, like, cackling to himself, you know, um, you fools, you don't know what you had. But, yeah, he, um, he was a terrific player. And I, I agree. Uh, he, he and Branch, Branch probably just slightly edging him out, are probably the two biggest snubs amongst Raiders who aren't in the hall. If I had to pick one more, it would be Tom Flores, first Hispanic head coach and GM, uh, and two Super Bowl rings. But specifically, with referring back to Clyde, when I think about him for the Raiders, I think what he provides – for the Raiders, which is something they don't have, and even with Amari Cooper, they didn't have this, was the kind of tight end you can put out there, and or he's the kind of threat you can put out there to where you just don't know what he's going to do. Because he could stay in and block. He also could have, he could have gone on a route, too. And he could run a variety of routes. And he's got the size to go over the middle short, take a little bit of punishment. He's got the speed to go deep. So he's, he's the jack-of-all-trades kind of player in the middle of the field that I, that I think is going to be perfect for a young quarterback 
to just dump the ball off to. I think people view Marcel Reese like that, but I think Marcel Reese is too finesse. He's too Michael Rivera. And so I think now, yeah, I think it's the best way to put it. And so I, now I think you have the guy who's literally, he has the stature to pull it off. He has kind of the physical, he's got the bones to pull it off. And, um, you know, I, 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 to me, he's like, he, he reminds me, like, I hope what you can get out of him is what the Raiders got out of Zach Miller the year he left, ended up leaving. Oh, when they got, you with like, 75, 80 receptions. You know, like, that to me is going to be, like, the best, you know, I would ever expect out of him. Like, as a rookie, I don't know, give me 40, 45 catches, you know, for, like, 10 yards a pop and I'm a happy camper and make him a red zone threat. But if he gets to the point where he's getting, you know, 70 to 80 catches a year and he's a consistent threat in the middle of the field, I mean, that to me would be a phenomenal outcome. Yeah. Hard, hard to argue that. Uh, I'm going to open things up, obviously, to my to my other uh, co-host. Jim, you heard the shopping list that Roy gave us. Help him, help him buy some groceries. You've done a lot of work on the 2016 class. Who are some of the guys who could help patch some of those holes in the Raiders' uh, main mast? Oh, uh, well, I mean, Jason Spriggs. Uh, offensive tackle out of uh, Indiana. Um, he's the guy that I think can play left tackle, right tackle. Um, he's – you just have to see this guy's tape, man. Um, he he gets to the second level faster than every offensive tackle I've ever looked at this year. Um, and on top of that, can, can power block as well. Um, he's a little bit like Joe Staley a, a bit coming out because he does – Mm. need to put on about maybe 10 pounds or something, you know, around there. Um, because he's not exactly like 280 pounds, but he's like 300 pounds. But he's super tall, really great leverage. Uh, just watch the guy's statement. He was one of the – I mean, and I'm not taking anything away from Seven Coleman, but um, a lot of a lot of the success that Seven Coleman had – uh, were with runs, were, were runs with Spriggs, you know, going the way, going that way, and uh, he's a, <laughs> and he's a guy that I think, yeah, if he goes in the second round because he played in Indiana uh, and stuff like that, um, then he, I mean, that's, that, I mean, because that happens all the time. And Joe Batoni win the second round, um, he and he's taller. You know, he has more leverage advantage than Joe Batonio. Uh, I just saw a guy that uh, can just he's, – he's really good. Uh, I mean, don't be wrong. I like Ronnie Stanley. Uh, he's, he's a, you know, left tackle prospect. Taylor Decker's solid. Uh, Larry Mitchell is a solid guy too. But I just think Spriggs is that type of guy that has that just – you just have to watch the tape. That's all I can say from it. Uh, Spriggs, yeah. <laughs> Uh, safety wise, it's your pick, man. Next year's actually going to be a pretty solid safety class. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, if you need if you need a strong safety, uh, you know the the guy from Duke uh, is one guy I would suggest. Jeremy Cash. Uh, Jeremy Cash. Yeah. Uh, all all name team as well. Uh, you have uh, Sean Davis from Maryland, who is you know pretty solid a guy that could be in day two sort of area. Uh, Jalen Ramsey. Another guy that a lot of people are really excited about. Um, you have I'm trying to think of the other guys, but I mean there there's a bunch of really guys that I hope this year 
take another step. And there was a bunch of guys in terms of free safety, strong safety, that I think if those guys take another step, it's going to be a really strong safety spot. Tony, uh, Connor, terms, Tony Connor's tape is super fun to watch at Ole Miss. Yeah, Tony Connor's all right. Uh, he's Okay, he's okay, now, Jim, you and I are going to have to have a little discussion. What do you mean by all right? <laughs> he's, I mean, you know, he's big, kind of fish is how I put it. I mean, as a strong as a strong safety, I think. I, I didn't say he was Earl Thomas, but yeah, I mean. Oh. But I mean, he's not. But he's he's not that stiff for a larger safety. Well, I mean, that that's true. But at the same time, I I don't. I would say I feel better about him in a defense that's protecting him a little bit more than what the Raiders are doing right now. Is what I'm trying to say. So. Um, I mean, he's definitely a, a big safety. Um, I wish he would tackle more, too. That's the other thing, too. I know he kind of played strong safety. He also kind of did sort of a strong nickel ball. Yeah. Right. They do use um, him as the, the nickel linebacker, monster, spur, whatever you want to call that. They use him in some sort of oddish ways at times. Right, right. Um, in terms of wide receivers, uh, I mean – now, again, I like Kimbrough Tompkins, and, you know, you mentioned Rod Streeter and stuff like that. But I think that you could always get some more depth to that group. And I think in this particular draft class, you're going to have – I mean, Treadwell's going to be a high draft pick, so pretty, he probably won't be available. But you'll have guys like Marquez North and Big Paul Williams and uh, Demarcus Robinson and Michael Thomas. Those are all guys in day two, you know, ter- sort of number two wide receiver types. That would really complement uh, Amari Cooper uh, in terms of tight end. I mean, sure, we got Clive Wolford, but this is gonna be a really, gonna be a really good tight end class too. I mean, there's gonna be guys like OJ Howard and Jeremy Sprinkle and Hunter Henry and you know Nick Vanett and Stephen Chu, kind yep. of my sleeper guy from Vanderbilt. Yep, nobody knows about. And he can block. <laughs> yeah. He can actually and block. And he can, and he can block. That's true. Tight end can block. Look, kids. Yeah, um, edge rusher wise, it's not as good. Uh, Joey Bosa, I anybody would love to have Joey Bosa. Anybody would love to have Emmanuel Oba, you know, Oklahoma State, somewhere in kind of late first sort of area. Um, but there's not a ton of stuff. Three four D and DeForest Buckner. You know, if we're going to transition to a three four or not, I don't know 100. percent I, I doubt it's going to happen. But we've been talking about that for a while. Uh, so, you know, and of course, pursuit linebacker. So you're talking about, you know, not being 100% sure about Curtis Lofton. There's a ton of middle linebacker, pursuit linebacker types. Might be Scooby-Doo time, a little Scooby-Right action maybe. Might be Scooby-Right, Miles Jack, David Brown, Jalen Smith is probably top of the top. Yep. Um, and then cornerback-wise, if you want man corners, you got man corners. You got Vernon Hargrave, you got Cam Sutton, Kevin Peterson, and Xavier Howard. You want zone corners? You got Kendall Fuller and Jordan Lucas and Daquan Brown and Desmond King. You know, lots, lots of guys. So it's almost like they thought this forward and had an idea that they were going to do something with this year. <laughs> like, hey, let's re- let's refine the issues down so we have like a couple. <laughs> In the next draft, we might actually be able to solve this and make it have to be a decent team. There you go. That's that's one oh. way to do it. Hey, what's the old saying? How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So let's just <laughs> chop away at this thing a little bit. I gotta get yeah, that. I mean, 
I I actually like this last cornerback draft, you know, class in terms of depth guys. Um, I, you know, when I look at the Raiders, uh, I see I the cornerback, yeah, DJ Hayden and Terry are are starting cornerbacks, but I just don't see a ton of depth behind those guys. Um, obviously, you brought up you know the tackle depth, left tackle and right tackle, where the depth is kind of. You know, we're, we're one injury away from having Demarcus Webb potentially oh, you know, being, oh, being oh. a left tackle. You know, which is hey, oh. you, know, you pray for Penn's health every day. You know, it's kind of like that. And but yeah, I mean, those are the two main things. I would say tackle safety, and I mean, we can always use more pass rushers. Like you said, there's going to be some pass rushers. Obviously, some guys are super excited about Danny Nicholas, and there's these sort of you know, little guys. But I, I would think tackle, safety, those are probably going to be in positions that get addressed early, you know, if McKenzie still has a job, which hopefully he does. I mean, that means we had a good season. But mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think a lot of it, too, is going to kind of depend on what we see out of Mario Edwards. Um, I think he uh, – when you talk about pass rush, it sounds – I actually did some homework, uh, and I actually went back and listened to a couple of podcasts. And so it definitely sounds like uh, not so high on Mario Edwards, which I thought was a really bizarre pick, mind you. Like when it oh happened, like God, it really yeah. threw me for a loop. Yeah. Um, I had to like go back and because like every time I watched his tape running up to the draft, like all he ever did, it looked like all he did was play five tech. And although he seemed to play in space well, you know, there's just the famous clip of him running out. Uh, it's a quarterback from Auburn, Nick Marshall, and he mm-hmm. runs him, you know, basically catches him in space. Like, okay, that's fine and dandy. He's hyper-athletic. That's great. But it's like, why am I never seeing this guy rush the passer unless they move him inside? And I have no idea why Florida State never let him do it. Because when you go back, and I just, like, just screw it. I'm going to go way back and see if I can find any high school tape to see, like, what he did. And he looks like, in high school, obviously in high school, but, like, he at least looks like a natural pass rusher. So I have no idea why they didn't let any of that happen at Florida State. It seems really weird to me. Um, so I don't know what to think of Mario Edwards. I'm hopeful, I'm optimistic, but I have no idea what to think about him. And when they said he was going to be the Leo, I was really thrown for a loop. Like I'm like you, you. I was thinking you have to be meaning strong side defensive end. Like cause to me, if you're going to play play 43, he's he looks like a good side strong side defensive end. You know, put him on the run side up against the tight end. You know, let him work there. Like I think that's maybe where he could do best, but. I will see. I'm hopeful, you know, and I like the round six pick with Dallas. Um, you know, I thought that was an exciting pick. It's definitely one it's going to take time. Um, but I definitely thought that was a nice pick for the future, see if we could turn something out of him, you know. But, I mean, it really could come down to Mario Edwards, depending on what they do with the pass rush. Yeah, I mean, I, I never root for anyone to bust. I, I hope that I am completely wrong about Mario Edwards. I hope he suddenly becomes an incredibly productive consistent player who dominates like he but the last time he was a dominant player he was 17 and a half years old exactly. so i would you that's, that's that's it's been about you know a long time between drinks the last time he was a wow i mean as you said he made that you know one wow play on on nick marshall but that's that's cool and everything and and you know if he makes one wow play a season against say Russell Wilson, that won't satisfy you, though. That, that, that dog won't hunt. We need right. more than that. I, I, would say, I would say this much. Uh, you know Nate Collins, right, the defensive tackle um, from uh, UVA? He's on the right. Bears. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. yeah, I think he's on the Bears right now. Um, watch Nate Collins. I saw a lot of Nate Collins and Mario Edwards. It's sort of more of a, a defensive tackle than a edge guy. But 
It was mainly because he was so big in college, you know. Well, see, now, I was like always, I was thinking he's gonna do like if. See now, this to me was what I thought about it when I when I really thought about it. If he's a base forty three strong side defensive end against the run, and you basically Lamar Houston him like what Lamar Houston should have been, and then you mm-hmm. move Houston inside on the pass rush downs, your nickel stuff. If he produces that, I'm fine with it. Like that to me is perfectly fine. Like if he's producing a pass rush inside, then fine. Okay, then he's doing it when he should because you're in a division where you're going to be, you are going to be dealing with a lot of three wide receiver stuff. So it makes a lot of sense then. But if he doesn't produce then, then you're really up to creep with a paddle. Yeah, um, I'm just sort of like you. I was taken aback when <laughs> it also was he's going to play Leo because this is a guy who's the best tape I've seen of him is playing three tech. Um, that's, yeah. that's the best I've seen him look. It's like, oh, hey, look at him playing three tech. Hey, that's, I mean, still, it wasn't you know dominant. It wasn't it wasn't uh, you know unstoppable. It wasn't killing machine stuff. Better, it was better. It was like okay, that's closer. That's more like what I'm looking at. You know, what I'm hoping to see. So I thought, well, maybe that's what he. That, that's the the other problem is no one really really knows. If someone put a gun in my head and said, "Tell me what he is," I'd say, "Shoot me." <laughs> so that's the other thing that has to worry you at least a little bit is that you can't be a hundred percent sure you even know what this guy is. I mean, I wonder if they know what. Sometimes I wonder if they know what Cleo Mack is because. They all they do is have him working with the defensive ends, and then you always see him listed as a fan. And I'm thinking to myself, and they keep talking about how the guy's gaining weight. I'm like, why isn't he strictly a Leo? Just put him at Leo and leave him. Like, let him be your weak side rusher. Have Mario Leonard on the strong side in the 43, and then you know, which, or and have him rotate with Tuck. And then when you're ready to go to your nickel package, you're gonna have like Mac more on the outside, and you're gonna have Tuck, and you're gonna have Edwards on the inside. I mean, see, now, if you're talking that language, like, to me, that makes a lot of sense. And now you have what what looks like uh, at least serviceable defensive line, both against the pass and the rush, you know, and the run. But, like, I I don't know, we're just going to wait until preseason because some of the things you hear them say doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah. That, well, I'm glad you're, you're saying that, too, because obviously I don't have the, you know, I don't spend all my time looking at the Raiders, but when I do look at them, I often – Catch my head and think, well, hmm, how are you going to make that work? So it's good to hear that you, who spends all your time, not all your time, but much of your time staring at the Raiders, um, has some of the same questions that I had. So it makes you feel like I'm, I'm not just dumb. It makes you feel like they're, they are doing some questionable or, or at least not 100% definable things, and they're hoping, obviously, hope. And hope is a cool thing. You should always have hope. But I would like to have a plan to go with said hope. And so I might be their backup. <laughs> might be their backup plan, you know. Like if Mario <laughs> doesn't work out, you know, just crack the little Mac glass, you know, and just be like, all right, you know, <laughs> stop all this. We're just gonna, you know, and we're just gonna do this, you know, and, and there we go, you know, like we're just gonna put, I don't know, like Theo Moore or somebody, you know, somebody at them, and then forget about it and put Mac at. And like, because I mean, Mac has always been more of a you know a three four rush outside yeah. linebacker. Yeah. Uh, and I do know that if you're doing a Leo, you can work that in. So like, I I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know why they made the pick. When it happened, when it happened, I was 
frustrated to say the least. I mean, if you were listening to the show uh, when that pick was made, I did, it's yeah. pretty entertaining. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, yeah, if he doesn't work out, then, yeah, he might be gone. But, I mean, he, he's, again, he's drafted some good players. I was hoping that this would be the draft where, yeah, everything's fired on cylinders. And so far, it looks like a mixed bag to me. You know, and that's my only worry, you know, with a lot of these picks. You know, some good, some bad. Yeah, and for me, like I said, it, like with him specifically, the tape confused me. I didn't know how to feel about him. Because, like, to me, I'm watching him. I'm like, okay, I know what I would be doing with him. I have no idea why Florida State doesn't do it with him. Because you don't really – and you mentioned, like, the, the, the time you see him do the best is at three tech, which is fine. I think it's a great spot for him. However, why is it that every time he's at an end, he's basically a five tech? Mm-hmm. They never really let him rush the passer. I mean, if you watch the tape, they really don't. You know, they're constantly making him two gap, and I have no idea why. I mean, I think the closest thing I can come to is that he's so athletic that they wanted him to quarterback spy, and that's well, what it was. Like they would put him there against option teams, and he was fine. He also brought some of that on himself by getting about 32 pounds overweight. I think that might have contributed to but it. There were, I, but didn't, wasn't there also talks that he was asked to put on weight at some point? I he, think, uh, like some of it he was asked to do. I think and then he, so he put on weight. on weight, but I think he might have overdone it a, a tad. Yeah, he might have overdone it. Yeah, but, was <laughs> yeah, but if, if you're a guy who's used to playing at 275, your coach is asking, oh, hey, why don't you at 305, which, is what, which makes sense to me, right? And so all of a sudden he's up around 300 playing a five-tech. Which makes a lot of sense, um, you know. Then I could see where the issue comes in, uh, you know. But now he's back down to two seventy five, two eighty. I mean, like I said, I just don't know. I mean, nope. I'm so confused with him. I just will have to see. It's an utter mystery. Well, yeah. we will continue. We will all see together how that how that spells out. Yeah. Um, so, to you, and I guess we'll, we'll we'll close out with this for for the questions about the Raiders future, immediate future, and and maybe long term future. Where what positions do you feel best about? Where do you think they're we're building on X. What are the things that we you feel like we've got we got this solved pretty much? We're done here and now we can move on to the problem areas. Where do you feel strongest? Uh, that's an ugly question. <laughs> I don't I I'm not sure. Uh I feel really good about this is gonna sound weird. I feel okay, I really like the interior offensive line. I'm actually a big fan of John Feliciano. Okay. Um a lot of people when that pick came down were like, Who the hell is John Feliciano? <laughs> I was like, I know, I know, I know. Um, so, like, I actually on Twitter wrote before, um, what's, what's the name of NFL Never even said it. I'm like, he's a really big, heavy-handed mauler. And then right after that, he said exactly what I wrote on Twitter. It was really funny. Yeah. Um, and so, because every time I watch Duke Johnson, I see this dude, I see this big, ugly guy on the line, like, you know, making huge space. And I was like, who is that? And why can't I find tape on him? So, he was like, you know, I noticed him. I liked him. I thought his fourth round was okay. I mean, I, I'm not – I mean, some people say he was a fifth or sixth. I thought of him as kind of a mid-round guy. You know, four or five, you know, kind of works for me. I wasn't really out of my mind because of the fourth-round pick. I liked the pick. I liked the player. Um, I'm a big fan of Gabe Jackson. I thought that was a great pick. Yep. And, you know, you walked down your center spot because Steve Wisniewski was a – Stephen Wisniewski was a joke. I did not <laughs> want to ruin the name of Steve Wisniewski. Stephen Wisniewski was a joke. Um, and legacy a pick. Guy, legacy what? pick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And to get a guy like you have now in center to play that, I like that trio. So um, I think it might take some time for Luciano to kind of come into his own. 
Lord, I hope he beats out uh, Webb at right guard to start. But I do like that spot. Um, I'm very optimistic about the linebackers. I think they've added players who I like the players. I want to see what they do with them. Uh, like Bangini, for instance, I like the player. I'm not sure where he sits. They have him listed as a middle linebacker, but he looks like to me he should be a will. So I'm very interested to see what they do with him. Uh, but when you basically you look at that and you look at I like the defensive tackles, and I think Cleo Mack should be a defensive end. I think you should make him a Leo slash defense, uh, you know, in two-point stance, 4-3 defensive end. And kind of like that's what I like. But, of course, Amari Cooper, um, you know, I really like the, you know, Amari Cooper – you know, having him there, I think he's set. And Derek Carr, I'm very optimistic about. Um, but I, I like, I was not a fan of the pick when it happened. Really? I was like, hey, Bridgewater guy. Uh, oh, no, I was yeah. not a fan of the yeah, pick. I'm also, yeah. I'm also a very anti-spread quarterback. I the spread really bugs me. There are a lot of things I see in spread quarterbacks well, that yeah. just work me. I have bad news for you. <laughs> it yeah, well, exactly. Go I know. I know. I, I'm hopeful that some things will turn and we'll start getting the technique and some of the other fine tuning done with, and it starts becoming more part of the college game. We'll see. But I had some real concerns with Carr, and although he didn't have an amazing rookie season, he did a lot of things I was really impressed with, and the fact that when I watched the Raiders was like seriously watching the 1970s version of the Raiders was very hard to stomach. Like at one point I do believe in, um, I'd have to go back and check my notes, but at one point I was keeping track and every win the Raiders ran one, um, one crossing route within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And it was a completed play for big yards. And they won each one of those games. Every game they lost, they never ran one. And that just tells you how bland the playbook was and what they were doing. And so I'm not sure. Like, a lot of people want to pick apart some of the metrics with with Carr, and I think that's legitimate. But I think, too, it doesn't take into consideration how poor Greg Olson was to play Carr. There we go. <laughs> yep. He, he, was, he was out there Schottenheimer in. I mean, I think that – I think what he did, it worked for Freeman when Freeman was a rookie, because he was his coordinator with Freeman. Yep. And I think what he did is he tried to take what worked with Freeman, and then he wanted to apply it to the Raiders, but it just blew up in his face miraculously because he didn't have two six-foot-five receivers on the outside. You know, because even then it was... And he didn't have a guy having a Doug Martin-type season to go with it. That's very true. Very true. So. Uh, Jim, do you have any questions or concerns? Anguish. Um, <laughs> Not really. I mean, you know, I think we kind of agree on most stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't fault him. Yeah, you know? like if he, if he, if he came on the show and he was like, "Where over Junior? That's my jam." I would be like, "Really? <laughs> what do you think? What do you think?" But, but I, I just say mentality. It's, it's, it's like I just, it's, it's the same of kind of like I don't know. We don't know. We'll find out. So it's like to be continued. I don't know what's going on here. It's a TV show. You know, it's like it's like the show ends and there's this big cliffhanger. It's like I don't know where this is going. It may not be good, but I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for the next episode and see what happens. So. Right. Fans of Lost getting ready for that last uh, that last <laughs> last episode. Um, yeah. I mean, like I said, the guy was supposed to be what was his number? 
I mean, wish, I wish Don was here. I know he was in the top ten, maybe even top five high school players in the nation. Number, he was number one, I believe. Yeah, I know he was top up there. Right, okay. Uh, some, some places rate him number three. I don't think some places had number one, but he was high. And once again, you know, son of an NFL player, you know, an unstoppable monster in high school. Of course, you go to Florida State, and everybody was an unstoppable monster in high school. Now you're, you know, fighting for playing time, and they're moving you all around, and you're gaining weight, losing weight, all that foolishness. But the one thing that bothered me was I don't care what weight he was, you never saw him give you great effort, play after play after play. When he was bigger, when he was smaller, that was the one thing that always bothered me. The only time I saw him make, you know, sort of decent effort on multiple plays within a series was, again, I said, I was playing three technique. As a five, as you said, he seemed to sort of be trying to hold his ground and, you know, not get knocked on his butt, basically. And even then, he didn't always accomplish that. I mean, could we say the same thing about Jadavian Clowney the year before he came out, and he still won his first overall pick? I mean, so, I mean, there's well, that, too. Well, it's, it's a little different because Clowney was, was – I bad. get it because okay. Clowney had all the hype coming out as an NFL prospect. Well, more importantly, he had, more importantly, he had the bone spurs. And he had a sophomore season where he had, you know, double-digit – Where he was a freak. Yeah. And killed that – Right, so there was a dominating people at taking over games. Show me some yeah. of that from Mario Edwards, and I'll shut up. Yeah, well, exactly. And, but, and so, I don't know. And that's where it just leaves me kind of missed. Like, I mean, I've also gone through all the, you know, I've gone through with everybody about him, and every time I end up getting done, I'm just like, I don't freaking know. I'm like, I've never, I've never had a pick where I, when I look at the pick, when I'm actually done with it, I honestly can't make up my mind. Like, usually I'm really good about, okay, fine, I'm going to pick a side, you know, like, this is what I think about this guy, and I'm on it. And then with the Mario Edwards thing, I literally just, I, I don't know. Right, you end up at some point just throwing up your hands and saying, "I'll just wait and see." I'm just gonna hope. <laughs> I just hope they got this one right. <laughs> you know, let them let them be smarter than the rest of us for once, please. <laughs> right. Well, if he goes out and kills it, I'll be the first to say I, I was wrong on the kid, and I, I don't mind yeah. doing that. I mean, I've missed big on guys. I've missed on Matt Ryan. There's guys I've missed on, and I'll always admit it. I'm never gonna run from it. Hey, if I thought a guy was not gonna be good and he's awesome, I'll be like. Pfft. You know, Mike Evans was better than I thought he'd be, and I missed you on him. Yeah, right. <laughs> In fact, I miss, I miss on a lot of the 6'5 receiver types, mostly because I don't trust them. But I guess I'm warming up to them. Uh, let's have Calvin, Calvin Benjamin. I love Calvin yeah, Benjamin. Benjamin, Benjamin because he, cause he, he, he still can't separate, but I guess he doesn't need to. <laughs> I, guess I, have to I have to learn that, I guess. Oh, you don't need any stinking separation. I'm just going to reach up here, and you can hang all over me if you want to. I don't care. I'll never have any run after catch, but who cares about that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I mean, usage. It's all about usage. But I, the thing with Kelvin Benjamin, he is what he is. I don't think he's ever going to be better than this. I mean, you can be able to pencil him in for what he just saw for the next six, seven years he starts to decline. That's very Vincent Jackson-y. I, I don't think he's even that. Vincent Jackson, <laughs> people forget, could, could actually you – know, he slowed down a little bit, but he was running away from people in the streets. four four nine. I yeah, would Kelvin Benjamin, I don't know if we get 449 on skates. <laughs> maybe wheelies, the wheelie shoes. Yeah, maybe you can do those, it on those. Maybe those. Well, yeah, uh, the shoes. yeah. Yeah. So he's he's a very poor man's Vincent Jackson, because Vincent people forget how good Vincent Jackson was came out. His his second year in the league, I mean, if you're a fantasy player, but I think he was a top three fantasy wide receiver, if that matters. I don't think Kelvin Benjamin is ever going to quite reach those levels. 
So, so let, me ask, let me ask you one thing. You didn't talk much about the running back position. Now, was it because you just were trying to sort of avoid it altogether, or or do you feel pretty good about it? Um, I'm kind of mad on it. Um, I think that I've always I'm always been a fan of the running back by committee. I'm not oh, a, a fan huge... of that. What? You're a fan of it. You like it. I like it. I, I believe huh. I, I believe in the running back by committee uh, theory. And uh, so I think that's where they're at. I do not believe that Latavius Murray is a, like, workhorse sort of running back. To me, he's a guy who I think you give him 15 to 20 carries. I don't I – don't like, I think he's got less than average, below average hands, so I don't really want to use him in the passing game. I do like the addition of Roy Hallou for that reason. I think he's a really good – I think he's a really good third down back. The weird one here is Trent Richardson. Yeah. I I know, but you look back at what he used to do, and you kind of look back at what the Raiders or you look forward to what the Raiders want to do, and you think to yourself, okay, it's plausible that if you go down kind of a like a later years Tyrone Wheatley, that that's kind of what you can get. Like I've always I've kind of said that if you can get, and what I think a lot of people also underestimate with, with Trent Richardson is his hands. He does have pretty decent hands. If I said if you yeah, can get eight hundred, he, he doesn't do much. If he catches the ball, though, I mean he's not. He's yeah. not exactly. You know, he's not Tiki Barber once he gets his mitts on it. He's not. No. He's not Marshall Falk. No, I mean he still can break a tackle from time to time. Uh, we even in Indianapolis he does occasionally. So I mean we'll see. I mean he just said he's healthy. I I don't know. Uh, honestly, I don't know much to expect. I've said if he does like four, like if he does eight hundred combination yards, catching, uh, like receiving, running, I think that'd be a really good. That, I think that's great production from him for what you need for if you're the Raiders. I mean, if you can get, you know, maybe some similar numbers out of like a Roy Hallou, and then you're getting, you know, maybe close to 1,000 out of Latavius, I think you got good production from your running backs, and not to mention maybe what you can get from Marcel Reese. So I just don't expect like, you know, I, and I even say this for fantasy purposes, I don't expect like this crazy year from Latavius Murray where he busts out and he's doing, you know, 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. And I wouldn't even be surprised if most of his touchdowns are, you know, from 20 yards out. So I wouldn't be surprised if when they do get near the, the end zone, maybe they do get the ball to Reese and Richardson. So uh, I expect a lot of a committee. I like it. I'm a fan of it. I don't think we necessarily have the best back for it. I would <laughs> – um, but I'm, I'm hopeful that – I do think a guy like Richardson could do okay. You know, he could give you enough production to where – you know, you've got something out of him, and it's, you know, it, it's just, it's good production for the season. I don't expect a lot from him, but I do think that, you know, maybe 800 yards is respectable, would be a respectable kind of a return. Okay. Well, I don't mean to set you up, but I'm going to bring in Jim Covert. <laughs> so, uh, we just heard Rory is a big fan of the running back by committee system. Now, when we discuss the shared responsibility running back uh, system with you in the past, you've usually expressed a certain amount of disdain, Jim. Now, what what makes you feel differently from what we just heard expressed about the possibility you may still get, if my math is right, you know, looks like you're still getting somewhere in the neighborhood of like 1,800 yards total, maybe 1,900 yards total from all your backs. Why is including, that good, including catching? Right. Why including is that, why is that not a good thing, Jim? Why why should we not be satisfied with that? Because that's a lot of usage for 3.5 yards per carry. Uh, for I mean, Trent. I mean, we we'll see. What I am not a big fan of running back by committee, only because 
if you have a running back by committee system, in my opinion, uh, it's because you don't have really good talent at the running back position. So you have to spread the carries around because not one guy can do everything. And two, none of the guys are really awesome, spectacular players. So essentially, I want the best at every position. I don't want to settle for just a eh sort of guy. Uh, when I look at the at the system or whatever is going to happen, uh, you know, Murray is in a lot of ways he's like Ed DeMarco Murray. He's a lot like George Atkins. In fact, George Atkinson and Latavius Murray are kind of identical in open field space uh, types of players. They're big backs. They run fast. Uh, obviously, Murray's had a lot of injury history. Uh, and even in college, he wasn't a really big, you know, market share in terms of getting buku sort of production in college, you know, in terms of in terms of passing, you know, catching the football and running it. Uh, Richardson, why, you know, again, we can talk about vision. We can talk about whatever. Apparently, he lost weight. That was like the new thing this week is that, he lost some weight, so maybe he gets some quickness back from that, maybe possibly, and gets a little bit better, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Roy Hulu, I actually, I would not be surprised if Roy Hulu ends up with the most yards total out of the running back group because he'll probably stay healthy, and uh, he's not a bad running back. You know, he's a nope. solid, solid guy. That's all I could say. But, I mean... Uh, I don't. I, I have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, again, Murray's never really proven to be a full-time starting back. Yeah, he had that big run, you know, that one game that was about it. Then he had a concussion. Then he was out for a while. So, you know, Richardson. The best we've seen Richardson was at Alabama. So I don't know what happened. You know, again, what what happened, Bill? Like it was almost like I remember they were showing plays where it was the exact same play at Alabama in the NFL. And yet the Alabama play went for like a touchdown, and then the NFL play he actually read read the wrong key, and then you know got swallowed up. So I don't know. People don't like know to I call think. people like to call the SEC the mini NFL and that stuff, but there's no Vanderbilt in the NFL. There's no you don't get to play Middle Tennessee State early in the season. You don't get to that doesn't happen in, in the NFL. No, you are I'm playing All Star okay, every okay, okay, game. Okay, 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 okay. I understand that, but I'm I'm saying more so it was a mistake by him. Oh, that's true. Actually, well, he's never like been. It was the same play. Yep. And he just didn't see the hole. Yep. But he did see the hole at Alabama, so it's like, what what happened? You know, it's Darren McFadden here to here. Darren McFadden. The moment you give it more than one option, you always choose the wrong one. You tell him to do one thing and one thing only. You don't run there and run, hit it, and just keep running forward. Force gump it. Like, you know, it's, that's basically it. Like, your hole's going to be here, run to the hole, and then just keep running. You know, it's, I mean, that's when Darren McFadden had his big year with Hugh Jackson. That's basically what it was. Like, your hole's going to be between the guard and the tackle on the right side. Go there. And then if the hole wasn't there, you got swallowed over the line. If the hole was there, he shot the thing out for 50 yards. <laughs> so, the difference is that Darren McFadden can run away from NFL yeah, <laughs> that's the issue. I mean, you've got a guy with some burst. Don't, I mean, I'm not saying that he's a bad athlete, but he's not, you know, he's not every fan. He's not even Latavius yeah. Murray when it comes to being able to run away from an NFL football player. So you're talking about a 
power-ish back with a little bit of burst whose hands are, you know, they're not terrible, but he's never going to be a guy that you want to throw the ball to if you could throw the ball to somebody else. And he's never been great at blitz pickup. He doesn't have everything. And the things he's good at, he's not good enough at them to be awesome. You can be sort of one-dimensional if you're Adrian Peterson. Oh, he's never been great at blitz pickup. Nope. He's never been great at catching the ball. Nope. Oh, man, look at him run it, though. Oh, oh, sweet baby Jesus. And then you sort of shut up about the other stuff if you're, if you're Adrian Peterson. You don't have that in, in a guy like, like Trent Richardson. He doesn't have the jaw-dropping long speed. He doesn't have amazing change of direction. He doesn't have great instincts for where things should go. He can't feel the backside to save his life. So, as you said, you've got to make it paint by numbers, the running game. Okay, on this play, as you said, take this step to the outside. Oh, we're going to take one counter step, then run as hard as hell right to that two-hole right there. Just go into it. If there's nothing there, that's fine. Just run into whoever's in front of you. Yep, and you never you might trip over somebody and pick up three yards. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which is right about your career average anyway. There you go. So it's not even a loss. Not really a loss, right. Yeah. It's, it's basically what you do anyway. You're shooting um, for par. <laughs> yes, a good way to look at it. So if you get something more than what I'm anticipating, which I'll be honest isn't a lot, out of Trent Richardson, once again, I will definitely go on record saying if he has a, if he has a 12, you know, 100-yard season and 10 touchdowns, first of all, I will proclaim to the heavens that I blew that one. I, hadn't, I didn't think he had that in him. If he does it, Hats off to everyone involved, and uh, I, will, I will definitely say I misread you, Trish Richardson. You're a much better athlete, a much better player, a much better man than I ever would have thought you could be. But I don't think it's going to happen. No, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even bother. <laughs> I wouldn't even go there. <laughs> like I said, if he, if, if, I would be stunned if he hit – like if he hit 1,000 combination yards running and catching, running and receiving, I, I would be beyond happy. Like, okay. if he did that, I would be impressed. Like, that, to me, is a very solid contribution. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, essentially, if he becomes Donald Brown, you'll be happy. That's what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> How ironic. Uh, yeah. So, Jim, anything else? Before, or, 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 or do we want to let Rory go off and have his life, whatever he does when he's not yapping with us? I think I'll head off. I gotta, uh, I gotta go take care of a couple of things. It was great talking with you. Well, tell you people, can, Roy, tell people where they can find and follow your work, sir. All right, uh, I write for uh, JustBlogBaby.com, a little blog site associated with fan sided fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, uh, I've done a little hiatus for the summer, uh, a lot of changes in my life, jobs, other stuff. So, but I'll get back to the grind when the season starts. Otherwise, you can find me at Holistic underscore Pickle. That's me on Twitter, <laughs> and uh, I'm always down to chat it up. So. Uh, I mostly I stick to the Raiders for the most part, um, but I'll talk other teams too. You know, I I'm just mostly NFL. I don't really get in too much into the draft until I kind of like I said I kind of walk my way into it slowly, <laughs> and then once the season ends, it's like I go full nose, like nose dive into it, and you know, crunch and everything. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much. Uh, you you brought some some fantastic stuff about what you've seen in this. Uh, I, I have a a, a hate love relationship. I love to hate. The Raiders, and it's been, but it hasn't been fun hating the Raiders recently. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. you can't really hate the Raiders when the Raiders are going two and fourteen. You, what's it's hard to hate a team when they suck. Right? There's no fun in hate, hating the Raiders when they're not. So I want the Raiders to be good enough to hate again. I want to see my team face your team for the AFC Championship again, like we used to every year back in the old days. 
Hey, don't worry, I hate your team too, so it works out. And that's how it should be. <laughs> and and see, the nice thing is I've gotten to hate you just enough as I always hated your team. It never and, has gotten to change, so it's always and that's been that. how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to have because, like I said, it gets it's, it's out of balance when you know one team is doing this, the other team, you know. So you you want to have balanced hate. Yeah, pretty much. I I, I would I would acknowledge that. The only thing's worse is just everything. You know, when you live in the when you live in California, dealing with Niners fans, it's, oh, that's the worst. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> tell, tell them tell them that the wine bar's running low on Malbec and they'll run away screaming. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yep. I, I actually was at um. I'm this is quick aside. I yes. actually, I'm a big Earth. I'm a, I've gotten into world football soccer a lot. Uh, so I've become a bit of a Quakes fan. I went and I saw the Quakes play at um, Pants Field, is what I call it. <laughs> and um, it's so bizarre. Like seriously, if you ever have you guys like really seen it from a sky view before? Uh, like take a look at it from like an aerial view. Huh. I don't know if I have, but now I now what? Okay. <laughs> take a look at seriously. Take a look at it from an aerial view and compare it to the O.co. Dead serious. They look huh. so much alike. It's not even funny. Huh. I was sitting there. I'm seriously sitting there in, in what the end zone would be, and I huh. and I, it's the I think it was the south side end zone. And I'm looking, I'm like, I seriously feel like I'm sitting in O.co in the black hole. That's so It's bizarre. <laughs> it's bizarre. So I hope all United fans heard that, too, and just absolutely hate what I just said. I'm sure they will. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> well, once again, Roy, we will definitely reconnect with you probably when we get closer to the season, probably when, um, you know, camp battles and all that kind of stuff as that play started playing out. You can let us know who is – Pleasantly or maybe unpleasantly surprised you and things like that. Oh man, we'll do all sorts. I'm sure I'll be pissed off at somebody and happy about somebody. That's, <laughs> That's the way it should be as well. Yep. Thank you once again. So from from uh, just Blog Baby, which is first of all great name, uh, Rory Anderson, who is guy who's very plugged in to what's going on in in all black hole and uh, Oakland related matters. And like I said, as a person who's been watching the Raiders since. Uh, 72, and watching them. In fact, the first Raiders game I saw was a game against Pittsburgh in 1972, and it was a great game. I actually remember it. Um, And it was during, at the time, um, there was a quarterback battle, a three-way quarterback battle for Pittsburgh. And so Broadshell was a really short, I won't bore you with it. But, yeah, um, as always, a thrill. We will have you on again in the future. And, Rory, thank you for your time, your talent, and your attention. Hey, thank you very much. And one last thing before I go, you can thank Al Davis for Terry Bradshaw. All right, that's my parting <laughs> shot. Take care. <laughs> Take care. Later. Uh, so you had some backup for once. Uh, you weren't alone. You weren't the only one who's going through what Oakland fans go through. You had someone with you, Jim. Well, it is, it is called the black hole for a reason. You know, people get sucked into it, and, and they stay there. You know, they don't escape. So, yeah. I will say this much. I will say this much. I've always admired Raider fans. One because you know their their passion is unrivaled, and they're you know I mean people talk about Philly fans. For Philly fans, it's more like a sheer viciousness. It's not. I mean, I guess you could call it passion, but I don't. Um, I mean, it's more of a. Well, again, I uh, I'll, I'll explain it this way. I've I've been to Forty Nine er games. I've been to Raider games. Forty Nine er games are very much like clapping, you know, like, 
Yes. You know. Right. Yay. Nice well played, sir. Here. Well played, sir. Well played, yes. sir. <laughs> Raider games are like, woo, <laughs> to the moon, man. And, and it is aggressive. It, 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 it's mm-hmm. so much fun. Everybody hates you, except for you because you're a Raider fan. Right, so it's, exactly. It's, it's like awesome. it's an awesome atmosphere. And I know that the stadium, I know there's a lot of talk about Look, the Raiders are the kind of team that should play in a stadium that has leaks and rats and stuff. That's what they should do. I exactly. want the Raiders. It's, it's part of the attitude. I mean, even right. when we lose, even when we lose, it's just like, well, you know, you know, f f f the world, man. Who cares about <laughs> the world? You know, we're the Raiders. Right. We're the Raiders. Man. I right. mean, it's. I mean, the last 49er game I went to, which somebody was shot at, Bill. Oh. So, Oh. In terms of the preseason game, so it gets that crazy. And but that wasn't even the worst thing. I felt like when they picked up a 49er fan and threw him over the balcony nice. of of the state, I felt like that should have made the news, and it didn't. So I mean, I understand somebody getting shot is a big deal and getting stabbed. Sure, I mean that's that's a big deal. But picking up somebody and throwing them over the side of the balcony, jeez. And you'll be surprised at the celebrity fans, man. I've seen Guy Fieri. He's been Ooh. there a couple times, met him. Uh, the, <laughs> I, I, the weird, the weirdest one I met was Ron Jeremy. Yes, that's, that's, I, I'm not surprised at all. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, Ron of, Jeremy. Of course he's a Raiders fan. Why would that he was be? kind of a trip because I've seen this little guy. He looks like. Kind of looks like Mario, you know, from like, yes. you know, yes, he does. <laughs> it's I know, like, oh, that's what I'm doing. But yeah, it's uh, it's, again, it's just a tight knit group, man. Yeah, we have crazy fans who dress up in costumes and just go all out, you know. Yeah, very college. It's very college like atmosphere, you know. If if your college was a college that was all built around say diesel mechanics, yes, yeah. yes, 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 very like, much like that. So yes. Um, so that was great. And I, I always enjoy, like I said, I actually enjoy my exchanges with Raiders fans. When I think of my favorite, quote-unquote, enemy fan bases to, with whom to engage, they're right at the top. Uh, I really We're easy think. because, you know, because the thing is, is even though we've been bad, every time we pretty much face the Steelers, we beat you guys. I mean, you know, remember <laughs> we were 2-14 in 2006 with Andy yes. Walter, yes. you know, and we beat you guys, remember? And we... I think we beat you with Bruce Gradkowski one time. Yeah, well. remember, remember, yes. and with Derek Anderson one time. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> and Derek Anderson, and we did it in your place. We didn't do it in We did it I in know. your place. <laughs> and it was almost it sort of brought back some of that. You know, like I said, that there, there's that's why the hate is still there, even though clearly the fortunes of the two teams diverged, starting really towards the. The latter part of the '90s, um, and then you know the Raiders had one more sort of, you know, obviously I want to bring up the the event, but had one more good run in them, and then you know it got derailed by you know. We had John Gruden, and you know, even to this day, I still I like John Gruden, but there's part of me that wouldn't mind punching him in the face, you know. Yes, yes, there is a part <laughs> yeah, of me that probably should want to punch him in the face. One, just one punch to the face. That's it. Just one. <laughs> Give me one. That's it. That's all I need. You know, the the thing about Gruden is if you explain it correctly, he might be okay with it because that's the way he thinks. 
like, yeah, 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 I know. I had your whole offensive game plan. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it. And by the you same know. token, you would think, you would think maybe you might want to alter a few things. <laughs> you know, maybe, just maybe, you should make some changes once well, you, like, put, installed your you know, offense. You'll have, you have, you have to talk to Tim Brown about that, though. <laughs> They had the game plan in place, and then they changed it last minute, and then it was like, what's going on here? And then, you know, they ended up. Yeah. But, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe if we did a more run-heavy thing, it would, I don't know. I don't think it would have changed anything outcome-wise, but, you know, we wouldn't be throwing as many interceptions. But, um, yeah. We would have just had, you know, fumble recovery. So, right. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, everything. Yeah, and that That's was an old ground zero, but that is ground zero. Ever that was ground that zero, and then things, yeah, went quickly from that point yeah. forward. But but now, but now, and of course, some of these guys may end up being future Raiders. Uh, in the old days, the Raiders used to do a lot of what I call territorial drafting. They used to draft a lot of Southern California guys, USC guys, and UCLA guys, and uh, San Diego State guys, and stuff like that. You've gotten away from that to some extent. You don't see quite as heavy a Pac-12 flavor as you would have seen on a 1980s well, Raiders roster. If but there's you, some. If you look at, well, if you look at the previous draft, I mean, we got Miles Burris. He's a San Diegan yes, sort of guy. And mm-hmm. uh, we got uh, Bryce Butler, you know, right. right at San Diego, whatever. Yep. Something. <laughs> something. Uh, we, we've got a couple. I mean, we've done a little bit of that. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. But, you know, he doesn't, like I said, there was a time when he used to be able to pencil in a lot of USC guys, you know, because, first of all, they were, you know, right, not far, not too far away to. to yeah, not too far away. And, and they tend to be Al's kind of guys. You know, they tended to be big, strong, fast. And guys that understood the kinds of things, kind of concepts, the kind of things they did do, um, both on offense and defense, were very similar to kind of kinds of things that the USC teams of the 70s and 80s tended to do anyway. But uh, moving well, on. Absolutely. I mean, he did a lot of – I mean, and also he did a lot of recruiting, you know. Yep. And when he got a job doing recruiting, you know, the whole story was he would, he would take guys into uh, into the L.A. Coliseum and turn all the lights and then be like, yeah, you're you're in the game. And, you know, the, <laughs> all the crowd's cheering for you. You know, like that was his whole yep. pitch. It's like – which I get. They need to make the movie already. All these little scenes, you know, in my mind, I just I see God Davis taking this guy to Coliseum. It's like that's a movie scene, man. You know, or well, Al, Al was quite quite theatrical. <laughs> in case you didn't already know that, Al Davis was quite theatrical. He liked that kind of thing. He was into it. He was into exactly exactly that was play that was play in a movie or have like little funny scenes where he's like in a, a football class and then all the guys are looking at him like this little skinny guy here why why is he here he's not on the football team you know he's just taking notes learning everything about the game you know so stories like that so i don't know I mean, that that could be the movie there's just so much stuff i don't, I don't know i guess they just haven't i it's just what it would be about though that's the thing you feel like, of course, it's just life, but like you know, it has to have an arc and it has to be interesting. What well, the climax? Well, let's be honest. When I think about guys around the league in the last few years whose lives would have made a great movie, Al Davis and Jerry Jones, 
amongst the sort of the leadership, ownership, whatever. No offense to Lamar Hunt and others, but Lamar Hunt's life would not make it. Oh, maybe it would. I shouldn't say that, but it doesn't jump into my mind as I can't. I'm not going to run out with my tin or whatever dollars it is in my hand to see the Joe Gibbs story or, you know, oh wow, the you know the Pete Bethard or not Pete Bethard, that's his brother, um, um, Bobby Bethard story or, you know, I mean. It, Bill Belichick, I might go see that movie. <laughs> you know, that I might go see. You know, uh, <laughs> Paul, Paul Giamatti in the in the role he was born to play or whatever. I mean, that I might check out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Al Davis. Um, who would play Al Davis? Well, we've talked about Kevin Spacey. I think. The oh next my God! Davis. Yes, Kevin Spacey could definitely. You know, because he could because he could get because he could get some minutes. You know, the minutes in older age. Because that was yeah. the thing about Al Davis. Unfortunately, as he got older, man, there was there was scarier. He got minutes. scarier and scarier. Yes, scarier and scarier. Just some minutes behind, like he was gonna kill you. You know, type stuff. <laughs> you know, if you lost the game, you know, uh, it was kind of like that. Or Mickey Rourke. Huh. You know, huh. He could, and I and I don't just say that because of the plastic surgery stuff, but oh. he's he's done you know, sort of roles where you had to play with New York accent and, you know, stuff like that. Right, right So, on. you know, you could conceivably do stuff like that. But, yeah, we can't have space. Yeah. That would be, that would be my thing, anyway. No, I, I like that. I like. I think you pull it off. Yeah, I definitely. But the Kevin Spacey thing, I yeah, I do. I like. I like the Spacey pick there. That I could definitely now, see. Now, you would probably say. Well, wouldn't it be too obvious because it's like, you know, Captain Jack Nicholson in The Shining because, like, you know, when you cast Kevin Spacey, you're like, oh, okay. Kevin Spacey's just been known to freak freak out angry, menacing moments in movies, you know, and TV shows and everything else now. Uh, That's like a staple. But I would say he does it so well, why not, right? Why why mess with it, exactly. Why why mess with it, man? I'm with you. You're saying it's too obvious, but, I mean, you know, just go with it. I don't know. Yeah, he could he could do that. Uh, that that would be why I would cast him in the role. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I am with you on that. So let's turn our eyes to at least half the Pac-12, and then we'll we'll finish up, I guess, the other half of the Pac-12 uh, tomorrow. But <clears throat> that is first of all a conference filled with um, stuff. Uh, there's a lot of different kinds of players that one could. Uh, one could spend time and attention focusing, you know, looking, playing with, uh, checking out. So there's there's that, that you have these – a couple of different kinds of guys, uh, several different kinds of guys. Now, obviously, people always talk about SEC players being a certain type of player. Oh, these guys are, you know, big and powerful and this, this and that and the other thing. Uh, and then when it comes to, you know – Traditionally, the Big Ten was, you know, power guys, you know, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, and running backs. And you used to always, and of course, many people talked about the Pac-8, Pac-10, and now I guess the Pac-12, wide receivers and quarterbacks. You know, and defensive backs a little bit as well. But it's shifted a little bit. Now, a little more balanced. There's a little more of every kind of player, obviously, to be had. The conference is no longer, you know, decided almost every year by UCLA, USC, which for quite some time, and once again in the 60s and 70s, it was, you could sort of pencil in, like in the Big Ten, Michigan, Ohio State. It was a big game because of the hate, 
And then on top of it, it decided the conference virtually every year for two decades. You know, there was occasionally, you know, Frank Cush at Arizona or whatever. There'd be some upstart year where some other team would win the, the, the conference. But, but it was few and far between. Maybe sprinklings. But mostly it was USC, US, US, UCLA, USC playing each other for the conference championship. It seemed like – I mean, watch Vermeil and John um, and um, – McKay go at it, and then McKeel and Robinson, uh, Vermeil and Robinson. Vermeil goes to the pros, and it was uh, Terry Donahue versus Robinson, and the Terry Donahue versus uh, Toner and Larry Smith or whatever. But it was it was very stable for a long time, <clears throat> and then USC went through its troubles, beginning first really in the late '80s and sort of wandered around the wilderness throughout the early and mid '90s, and then finally in the late '90s when they brought in Coach Carroll you know, the the pride and whatever pomp and circumstances restored. And UCLA sort of went down a similar path once Donahue left. They had guys like Bob Toledo and uh, New Heisel and uh, – well, so finally sort of Jim Mora came. Once again, NFL defensive-minded coach comes in and restores the, the sort of glory. I mean, not quite where it was when UCLA was at its prime, but, but it's sure it's better than it's been recently. But – Nonetheless, these two teams aren't the two teams, aren't the story teams. They're storied, but they're not the story probably in the conference anymore. With the rise of Oregon, uh, beginning once again in the 90s, with what Rich Rod's doing you know, out in the desert, with uh, – who else is good in the conference? Uh, Washington keeps threatening to be, be – and of course there's a little run for Washington even. Um, you know, Back when Coach Lambright and before Coach Lambright, Coach James, they had some really good years and won a co-national championship even, shared a national championship in, what was it, 90, 94, 98, somewhere in there in the, in the 90s. He shared a national championship with Michigan, you know, which was a big deal because Washington, you know, for a long time, I mean, they were good, they were solid, they were a solid football program forever, but they didn't play for national championships very often. So turning towards the Pac-12, I guess we'll talk Arizona first. Um, they won the Pac-12 South last year. And they were quote unquote ahead of schedule. I mean, I, I'm sure Coach Robbins, I mean, Coach uh, Rodriguez, wasn't telling his guys we just want to be, you know be contenders and you know win seven or eight games. But that's what most people figured would be satisfactory, and they clearly were much more than that. Uh, Nick Wilson, as a true freshman, uh, in his first three games he ever started in his life, went for over 100 yards in each one of those. Um, this is a team that has Ainu Solomon, who is a guy that I find interesting. <clears throat> Though he doesn't seem a great fit. <clears throat> oh, it doesn't look like he'd be a great fit, <clears throat> based on Rich Rodriguez's sort of taste in quarterbacks. Um, but he's there, and he's getting it done. As you mentioned, you know, Scooby Wright is a tackling machine, as one of those great college scouting. Um, well, he's not just a tackling machine. He's a sack machine. He's a right. tackle for tackle for loss machine. He's it's ridiculous. He's a machine. As a as a metric guy, he's a ridiculous thing. That you go, okay, so this guy sucks, really. This guy sucks because I, I I've heard a lot of hate of you, right? Really? And oh yeah, man. Oh yeah. Um, some of it goes to this one game I was watching where he was going downhill and he missed a few tackles here and there, but he also made like eight tackles in the game yep. um, and he had a sack and had a, like, 
it's one of those types of things. <laughs> but he's always in position to make a play. He didn't make four plays. You know, he kind of, uh, one of the, you know, again, one of the times it was because he just took a kind of a poor angle here. Uh, another time it was because he just, just overexerted himself. And another time, the, you know, the guy just kind of saw he was coming and, you know, just did a good cut and that was it. So uh, it's stuff like that. But I'm just saying if a guy makes eight plays out of 14 plays, how does he suck? Like, that's my question. Like, I, he has, the, he sh- he's shown, he has the instinct. Um, he is powerful. Um, I understand that he's not going to be like a 4-5 or 4-6 guy. No, he's not. I would say 4-7-5 at yeah. best. If he ends up being in the mid-4-7s, that's fine. Right. Uh, and you know who else is? You know, that, that, well, uh, a, whole, a whole bunch of linebackers. That's about average NFL Mike linebacker speed. Exactly. But, I mean, that's uh, – Zach Thomas was in that range. There's a whole long list of really good Mike linebackers who ran somewhere between 4.74 and 4.77. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my basic point is this. is QB Wright is a linebacker who not only had, you know, elite-level pursuit linebacker solo tackle market share, and when I mean elite, I mean all the Keith Bullock, Lance Briggs, Patrick Willis, Brian Urlacher, Ray Lewis, and Keith Lee. All those guys, you know, put up that type of uh, of Levante David, AJ Hawk, right? AJ Hawk, all the guys, all the really, really good pursuit linebacker types, which is my term that I use because that's what they do. They pursue, um, put up that. But what makes to be right so unique is not only did he do that, but he basically put up, you know, production as a pass rusher on par with other pass rushers in terms of sacks. Like, he made up easily over 30% of, of his team's sacks, which is, which is kind of like the same amount that most really good college pass rushers do. They usually make up that much of their team's sacks. Now, maybe this is because Arizona doesn't have a really good pass rusher, but that's crazy that you have a guy who's not only is he leading his team, he's basically putting up Anthony Barr-like numbers, Bill, right. in a six-foot, 230-pound body. Right. Oh, and that's uh, and that's what I really think is what people don't like is they look at him and he doesn't look the part. I mean, I think that's really the main issue. I mean, yeah, he doesn't. I mean, okay, he, he doesn't look the part. But I would say that when you look at when you look at his instincts and you look at his ability to shed tackles, a lot of people say he can't shed tackles. I think he should. I don't understand what they're saying, Bill. I don't understand. Uh, I see him shedding tackles just fine for most of the day. I've seen. Did he miss a few tackles here and there uh, in pursuit? Sure, but lots of guys do that, um, and they don't get or, – or they're not even in position to make a play, Bill. So, like, you don't see them missing a tackle because they're not always in the place to make a tackle, and that's, that's my big thing about Super Right is he's always in place to make a play. If he doesn't make a play, that's bad, but he's always in position to make a play, and that's, that's – that's why he's so good. That's why he's so instinctive. That's why he works so well on that defense. Is he's always in position to get play. He's always in position to make a tackle. He's always in position to get a sack. He's always in position to get the running back on the ground. And he's always in position. Is essentially what you're saying. 
Exactly. I, I know I keep repeating myself. So I would say that draft-wise, is he a top ten linebacker? No, he's not a top ten linebacker. But if you're if you really need a middle linebacker type and you're picking in the late first, early second round area, that's the type of linebacker you're looking for. So that's that's all I would really say. And yeah. he, yes, he's not. Yeah, he's not going to be Patrick Willis, and he's not going to be Brian Urlacher. Or even Luke Keekley. Yeah, he's not going to be like those types of guys. But is he, could he be, you know, a, a better version of Curtis Lofton? Could he be a better version of, you know, like like you just said, you know, A.J. Hawk, right? He could be all – and I know some people hate A.J. Hawk, but I don't get to whatever. So, like, could he be a better version of those guys? Yeah. Or, or on par with those guys, yeah. So I would say that that's the thing that you're getting. You're getting a really good starting linebacker type who is also really good at rushing the passer too, which makes me think that if you were to put him in a 3-4 defense, he would do just fine, you know, and do sort of pass rush on occasion blitz type stuff because he can do that. It's just weird. Still. That's all I could say. But he, he does some weird stuff. He has some power that you don't expect from a guy that size. That looks like him, right, exactly. And I think that's what people yeah. don't realize is they're going so much by, you know, his, 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 you know, the visual impact or lack thereof that he makes. It <clears throat> doesn't make people feel like, oh, this guy's going to be a dominant player because he doesn't look like a dominant player. And to a certain extent, a similar thing happened with Samurai, you know, Mike Singletary, is that there was this sense that, he didn't quite look – he doesn't look like Buckus, you know. He's, he has glasses, and he's 5'11", and he's 231 pounds, and, you know, and then you just watched him tackle everything, you know. Right. And, and I don't remember what his sack numbers were, but they were pretty darn good. They were pretty, pretty darn good, too. I mean, the thing <laughs> is, is I know everybody wants a six foot five linebacker that can run really fast, like a Brian Urlacher type. But, the, but guess what? We've had Brian Urlacher and who else? Can you name? <laughs> well, people, you know, some people some people brought Barr sort of in that old, but Barr wasn't right. but quite I, the, will, yeah. I said that. I said that. And the reason why I said that, I know I'm crazy, but I just – I kind of get why – I don't know if it's going to work, though. That's the thing, though. <laughs> I, it's only been one year, so we haven't had a ton of stuff. But I'm just saying that. Six foot five, two hundred fifty pounds. Erlacher was six foot four, two hundred fifty eight pounds. See what I'm saying? And they tested almost identical in terms of their athleticism. I mean, they they were very, very fast. Of course, Erlacher was still more powerful in terms of body strength. But my point is that Barr and Erlacher put up similar production in college. It's just that when you put on that final season of tape on Barr, he was a edge rusher and he was sort of dropping into coverage, and he did. I don't know what happened that final year, but the bottom line is that I just was like, okay, now I understand what they're doing is that Barr was never really an edge prospect. He was always more of a linebacker prospect. At least that's what I would have done with him because at least he proved that he could make up a ton of solo tackles, which he did, you know, in that 2013 season. So um, He didn't do it in the 2014 season, but he did in the 2013 season. So, But, but yeah, so. I guess go on to what you're saying. Oh, well, so Arizona guys, guys at Arizona, guys. Um, Caleb Jones is one guy that some people are excited about, but who are who are the guys that you like and uh, and and why? 
Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I like I like Scooby Ray, obviously. Uh, I like Caleb Jones. Caleb Jones is um, he's interesting. He's weird though too. He's really skinny though, like real thin. I mean, he needs to put on some weight, um, at least to me. But he has the frame, I guess. So, um, but he's a really tall uh, kind of possession receiver type. Um, not at terrible. I mean, he's not a incredible route runner, but he is someone who I've seen has the ability to improve on that sort of thing. So it's, he's actually pretty fluid for a guy's size, which is, I think is why a lot of people are really excited about him um, because he he can take really good steps. He can't eat his plays, you know, really good fluid movements at times for a guy's size. Um, but he's definitely a guy that I want to see what he does this year because he's, uh, me, he's our best offensive player. So, <laughs> Uh, in terms of everybody, um, you know Nick Nick Wilson, uh, I believe is right. Yeah, he's he's, he's a freshman. I've, I haven't seen a ton of him because I, you know, he's not draft eligible yet. But um, I guess he would be somebody to keep an eye on as well. Um, Solomon, I I kind of agree with you. Um, it is weird though that he's the he's the quarterback uh, for. Arizona, but then again, when you think about the quarterback they had last year at Arizona, Solomon's not too bad when you look oh. at it that way, I guess. Yeah, um, quite quite the opposite. He's the opposite of bad. Right, so I, I would say that he, he he's someone that I guess you could uh, you know, keep an eye on. But after that, that's that's the only thing about them. Uh, I know Jared Tevis is another guy that um, at linebacker sort of thing or something, something like that <laughs> that could do stuff. Arizona's defense always, you know, they run that three-three-five sort of thing, and um, it's I don't know. It's as far as I'm concerned, it should be right. And then Caleb Jones, and then that's about it. In terms of everybody, I mean, I know Solomon. I don't see him declaring unless he has like some huge giant season. So, um, well, he's like he can't declare because he's special. but you know he's top of the. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's the thought. I mean, Jones is uh, Jones and Bright in terms of Arizona is what I would say people to go check out, um, especially if you'd be right. Okay. And thinking about, I guess we'll just move on to Arizona State. Moving on to to little, to from Tempe, uh, moving down to, uh, I mean, from Tucson, moving down to Tempe, who are some of the guys you've, Started to to study, or some of the guys you maybe noticed previously when you were taking a look at uh, when you were taking a look at well, looking at all things you look at. Who are some of the guys that jump out to you, either because of production or physical stuff, or either one? Uh, you know, DJ Foster is the big thing there. Um, he's moving to wide receiver, mm-hmm. which doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, 
now, okay, can he catch the football really well? Sure. Yeah, he's really he's a really good dual threat running back, but I don't really understand why they're moving him to wide receiver full time. I guess. Um, I do know that he's sort of a smaller running. You know, he's about five eleven, two hundred five, which is not too physically imposing. I mean, it's sort of middle of the pack weight in terms of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I always viewed him as sort of a dual threat running back, so I'm a little bummed out that he's being moved to wide receiver. And again, I don't know. They might have him a wide receiver, but he does a lot of the running too, like a table on offense. Maybe that might happen. Uh, but um, he, he's the one guy to look at in terms of offense. Um, he's a you know in terms of vision, speed, does a little bit of everything. Um, type of guy can catch the football really well. Probably one of the better receiving backs in the class um, sort of situation. Uh, I think whether he ends up as a slot guy or we're back to sort of a sort of that um, you know that Tom that Peyton Manning Tom Tom Brady back I like to call him. You know that that number three wide receiver they they dump off to you know on, on blitz pickup like that. Uh, that's kind of what he could end up being. Um, Defense-wise, I wasn't impressed with a lot of guys in there. I mean, Marcus Harrison was the guy who really showed a lot of stuff. Um, but then other than him, that was that was all I was really impressed with last year. I know Randall ended up getting drafted really high. I thought that he was kind of a reach. I mean, he's a solid nickel safety kind of thing, but I didn't think he should have went, you know, as high as he did, you know. But um, – but other than the other guys, that's all I really see out of most of the other guys. And sort of got a lot of DBs that could be, you know, sort of nickel sort of situation. You know, Jordan Simone is a guy that I kind of see as kind of a, you know, it could be a safety, you know, a strong safety type. It could be kind of in a nickel sort of situation. Um, but um, not, not, not a ton of guys I'm really super excited about. I mean, not, not a lot of pass rushes either, you know. Not a ton, anyways. There's a few guys, but not anybody that I really am excited about. I see. <laughs> I see. Okay. So, uh, Arizona State is one of those teams that I began to get really excited when, when Des Erickson arrived there, and they had a lot of quarterback talent. Uh, somehow, some of those guys never quite – Came became what people thought they might become. Some guys quit. Uh, some guys got hurt. Well, we have um, what's his name? Uh, I wish Donovan was on the show. Uh, we have a really tall guy in Denver. Um, yes. Well, Osweiler, Osweiler obviously left left early, but uh, but yes, we had Osweiler who showed he might have become something. Uh, Mike um, Bergovici is a guy that is sort of a cult figure, you know. Once again, you know, the most popular guy in the stadium is always the backup quarterback, I guess. But he he flashed some things, and of course, people are going to talk forever about the you know the you know the yeah the play, the hail mary, what do you want to call it, to Jalen Strong against USC. Yeah, which was more Jalen Strong than guy, yeah. but whatever. Right, he was the guy that almost transferred uh, back when Osweiler beat him out. Uh, he almost transferred when Taylor Kelly beat him out. And eventually, you know, he uh, he when Kelly got hurt, he got his chance to finally show a little bit of what he could do. He did pass for 1,243 yards, 
completing 63%, and what people call the jail Mary, you know, to, to Jalen Strong. That's what I'm trying to remember what they called it again. The DJ Foster thing, I think DJ Foster is going to be a running back at the NFL level, but in a weird way, this might kind of help him in that he's going to learn to run, the ball, run, run routes and catch the ball like a wide receiver. And if he ends up becoming a third down back, which I think he ends up becoming, that could actually end up being something that, that makes him look better. Um, Cameron Smith, a guy they were planning to see more of this year, unfortunately got hurt, which I think is partially also what motivated the, the move. Uh, so now at running back, the guy atop the depth chart is uh, Demario Richard, who is, you know, who's once again a guy who was in mop-up and backup duty, flashed some things, a little bit of power, uh, a little bit of change of direction. I don't think he's quite what DJ Foster is as a running back. Um, the devil backer, as they call him, who once again the spur monster hybrid guy. Uh, and there's more and more of those guys, those 215 or whatever pound guys who enable you to essentially be a nickel all the time, even if you aren't declared in nickel and easily become nickel just by this guy moving a little bit. But they've got some some guys are expecting some things out of, and I'll be interested to see which of those guys become something, for lack of a better way to put it, or actually, you know, sort of pan out. Uh, but they do have some – I think they they will go as their defense goes to a certain extent. I mean, their offense is their offense, and it's – Well, yeah. Vivid. I mean, when you look at, like, okay, going to the Oregon game, right? When they beat Oregon, their defense played really well. Lights out. They lost to Oregon. They were scared. <laughs> That's all I saw when they when they played Oregon. You know the the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, it looked like a bunch of scaredy cats. What it looked like, guys are afraid to get beat, and they got beat. So, you know, so I mean, yeah, it it the offense is going to be the offense. But yeah, the defense is definitely a big. You know, that's going to be the biggest factor for them. Uh, you know, uh, I'm going to give you one sort of. Uh, possible breakout player on defense to keep an, out, uh, keep an eye out for. His name is Kalen Bollage, and he is, once again, a, sort of a drop-in, rush linebacker, whatever you call it, kind of guy. He's more physically talented than probably the guys who were ahead of him. Uh, the other guy who you to look out for a little bit is Botang, I think. But they don't have, unless, um, like I said, uh, Bollage becomes a great, great pass rusher, they don't have a lot of great, great pass rush. Uh, Berkovici gives them a guy who can really, you know, push the ball down the field, which I think is one of the things they, they would really like to do. Uh, obviously, they lost Hardison. They lost Demarius Randall. Um, they'll probably – I mean, they didn't lose J.J. Foster, but they, they lost running back depth when he became a wide receiver. Uh, Davon Durant, who was a four-star J.C. guy, uh, played a little bit last year at the devil backer position as well, and he's now – Expected, more expected of him as well. So they, there's they some of those guys who played a little bit on defense last year and will play a lot this year to, to jump up. They have one of the tougher schedules. Now, obviously, they open with um, Texas A&M. Last year, they opened with uh, Weber State. So that gives you an idea of, you know, how different <laughs> this year's schedule is. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I saw that, I saw that game, and that, that was a game that, that Jalen Strong was having issues separating. Right. Yes. Weber State guys, but I will say this though, Bill. I will. I, I I noted their names and I added them to the list. So maybe good. 
Maybe I, they're well. I, well, well, we talk F- FCS guys, but I think both those guys are guys that will at least be in an NFL camp. But uh, moving along, um, they they open with as is that Texas A&M. Then they get a little bit of rest with Cal Poly in New Mexico. Then it's USC um, with revenge on its mind. Then it's UCLA, Colorado, Utah, and Oregon. So October is going to be quite a little. If they, I guess it, we'll know what they are by the end of October. We'll know how good this team is or is not because they end September with USC and then end October with Oregon. And November, the last part of the season, not that it's easy, but I guess, you know, if if you want to sort of recover a little bit, there's Washington State, then Washington's not quite an easy game. Then Arizona, which should be the last game of the season, but then then they finish up with Cal. Uh, Whatever. Uh, The Territorial Cup, I believe, is what they play for each year. I've always thought your trophy game should be the last game, but whatever. Um... Other guys were worthy of mention. As I mentioned, um, believe it or not, the the guy that I refer to as the maybe the best pass rusher of the team is also listed on the running back depth chart as well. So I guess they must have some depth chart issues at running back. Uh, Kalen Ballage is also listed as a as a backup running back for the uh, Sun Devils. So gives you an idea of what kind of athlete he is. But. Um, Oh, so it's a little Anthony Barr situation going on. A little bit of an Anthony Barr situation, correct. Uh, Sort of a reverse Anthony Barr situation. This guy was seeing snaps at defense first, and then now they might be giving him some snaps on offense because of, like I said, lack of running back depth. Uh, Other guys to look out for. um, You mentioned Jordan Simone. I'm also going to mention Laiu Maiokeola, who is a guy that has – He's not a super explosive natural athlete type. He's more of a power rusher, stay after it, uh, keep fighting, whatever term you want to use kind of uh kind of guy. Effort effort sacker. You just, know, just little, keep swimming. Just keep swimming guy, right? Yes, right, that's a good way to put it. Just keep swimming. Right, exactly, right. Right. That's the kind of production he gets where he just keeps after it and God maybe comes back this way to him, that kind of thing. But I don't think he'll be the lead lead sack guy this year. I, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that he will probably be no higher than third on the team in sacks. I think there'll be two better pass rushers this year than they had last year. And then last but not least, Koishi Brown. Uh, did you mention him already at corner? Uh, no, I don't believe so. No. I think Koishi Brown is, is, will end up, if not being all-conference, at least being a guy who's maybe second team or or honorable mention all conference, and I think he's the kind of guy that I won't be. If people sort of sometimes say, you know, why did that guy get invited to the combine? I won't be shocked if he's one of those guys that does get invited to the combine. I think he's one of those guys that that pro scouts are intrigued by, and we'll see what becomes of him going forward. And of course, that brings us to the sturdy. Golden Bears of Cal. Now, obviously, there was a lot of excitement a couple of years ago. Once again, I wish Don was here. Uh, when Dykes arrived, and, you know, after being a pro set. Exciting? Well, I mean, Cal Everybody fans. I talked to, everybody, again, <laughs> I even talked to, well, I even saw DeAndre Coleman, you know, at the Senior Bowl, talked to him a little bit, and his. He was actually pretty candid. Now that I think back to it, when he told me, 
Okay. Maybe he's like, well, I don't know who this guy is. He won't tell anybody. <laughs> but it was pretty much like, yeah, all the defensive players will leave because they don't like that. So it's, it was a, it was the sort of uh, the leave now and never come back from the organization sort of everybody left. Even a few people died, unfortunately, uh, too, uh, by accident, of course, you know, because they had a, a weightlifting, well, you know, heat exhaust or something like that. But, yeah, right. Um, right. it was uh, so everything that could go wrong went wrong yes. uh, in terms of keeping people, and then everybody left. So maybe is that exciting? I don't know. <laughs> you have to, well, maybe when he first got there, maybe, but after the right. first year, it was, you know, flee, fly, fly. <laughs> right. Well, there was excitement about being a different kind of offense from what they'd ever been before in the history of Cal football. Uh, Cal football was very pro set for a very long time. Even before Tedford, they were a very, you know, pro style. I mean, I remember watching Gail Gilbert and, you know, other Cal quarterbacks going back to, oh, uh, Pat O'Hara and, uh, gosh, um, there's another guy I'm thinking of back in the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, who was, had a cup of coffee in the NFL. But the point is they were, it was NFL-esque, the things they did on offense. And, oh, he was the quarterback in the game against um, Elway with the, you know, 15 laterals, whatever. But the point is, that um, they they always been very pro style, you know the concepts on offense very pro style. They they translated. They didn't have maybe amazing talent. They didn't have a bunch of five stars, but they but the guys came from Cal, understanding how to do NFL things on offense, and for the most part on defense as well. And then Dykes, you know, for better or worse, changed everything. Right, every it's up, we're up tempo, we're spread, we're you know, doing all these basketball on grass, as they put it, put it, kind of things. You know, no more having to say shop right, deuce right, green regular. I mean, none of that. You know, we're gonna look and look at the sidelines, and there's you know Dale Jarrett's NASCAR uh, car, and then there's you know uh, uh, ampersand and. Over here is a thing of sweet and low, and you look over here, and there's a picture of Roseanne Barr or whatever. So, you know, they're a little more like Oregon. They're not quite as run-heavy. That's what, as you point out, people sometimes forget, you know, the spread isn't always to throw. You can spread people to run. In fact, that's even the run and shoot, people forget that it was originally because Tiger Ellison's little Middletown, Ohio team couldn't move anybody in the run game, so he, he spread them out so they could have room and the ability to, to run, and then if the run if they do take the run away, then we pass. But, um, but yeah, so there's this uh, awakening, whatever term you want to use, uh, that the spread can help you to, to, to throw the ball. But, obviously, a lot of, there are teams that are out there who do spread to pass. And one of the teams that I think will see spread to pass Obviously, Cal, to a certain extent, because they've got, well, they've got Jared Goff. But I think their running game probably will be better this year. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, who are some of the guys you're interested in seeing here at uh, Cal this year? Well, you know, number one is Jared Goff. Um, you know, super bad himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the more the more I 
I watch of him, I don't think he's ready yet. That's the big thing. And well, I know that, no. well, physically, yeah, he's not there yet. But it's also just in terms of, you know, I've, I've seen way too much inconsistency from game to game from him. Um, there's moments where he does amazing things. And then there's also moments where you're like, you're not much better than Trayvon Boykin. <laughs> you know, like there's moments where <laughs> it's like that, you know, where I'm like, okay, you're just a taller Boykin, you know, but, can't, but you're not as athletic. So it's, there's a little bit of that too. But, I mean, he, he does have moments where he does amazing things. He has other moments where he's just not. Um, and a lot of times, again, offensive line causes some of this, but I'm also kind of blaming on him a little bit too because he just needs to, you know, be a little more poised and a little more, you know, know what's going on, a little more confident, you know, as confident as you can be to avoid the rush. Um, but he's, he's just that type of guy. But, but, again, lots of potential there. Everybody I've talked to said that he's, you know, the guy, the dude, whatever you want to call it. Um, everybody's really confident in him and his abilities. And I, think, um, I just hope that he stays in school another year, you know, finishes out his senior year, gets his degree from Cal, um, and uh, Good place and to have that. your degree be from. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty yeah. decent well, little academics institution where we're at it. Yeah, exactly. You know, I have a couple of friends that went to Cal, and you know, and I've been to Cal a bunch of times. Crazy place, but um, other than the academic, you know, it's really an academic. Uh, yeah. Very crazy place. Yeah, um, you're right. You're right. No, no doubt, you're right uh, about that. Very interesting place. But anyway, so um, yeah, so I like him. Uh, Daniel Lasco at running back has done some interesting things. I wish they used him a little bit more. Then what they can I kind of get what you mean by kind of passing instead of the run or running instead of just using him a little bit more, I think would help to get some more balance to the offense, even though the offense seems to be set on let's just throw to six, seven different people and they won't know what we're doing. So I just wish that they would, you know, lower that, you know, become a little bit more balanced with the run, um, I think. And I think they could do that. And even Kalfani Muhammad is another guy that um, I've seen a little bit of, and he's another guy that I think could potentially do something this year if he gets the opportunity. Um, but, yeah, he's – I mean, the, all those guys are pretty solid. Um, yeah, I've seen a little bit of Kenny Lawler and Stefan Anderson, and those guys are – they've shown some stuff here and there. But I think the spreadiness holds them back. Because, like I said, there, there was almost it's, – it's spread to the worst – it's spread in the worst way because you're – it's it's literally like Texas Tech spread where every wide receiver is going to get the same amount of touches. Every one of you guys, yeah. no matter how good or how bad, all of you guys are going to get touches. And, uh, you know, what happens when that – not to say that – you know, it's, it's a bad – because, again, it's a strategy, it and it, it can work. But I would just say, you know, throw it to the guys that are good more often, you know. Throw it to those guys a little more often, um, I guess. But I don't know. I don't know if they're going to change – I doubt they're going to change any of that. I'll just say run the football more. But, I mean, all, all the – I mean, again, Stephon Anderson and Kenny Lyle, those are kind of the wide receivers that are kind of like 
the most um, in terms of receiving guys. Defense-wise, not so much. And, um, I mean, Cameron Walker's done a few things, but not really 100%. Um, I mean, the defense is a little bit better from where it was in 2013, which was really bad, but uh, it's still recovering. So um, there's not a ton of guys that I'm really super excited about other than a few DBs that flash and stuff here and there. Um, but, yeah, I, I would say I would say this year you might not see a ton of Cal guys getting drafted unless Jared Goff declares. Like I said, I, I would suggest Jared Goff stay at school um, and just keep getting better. Um, and not and, – and eat something, man. Something, you know. There is lots of food at Cal. So, you know, it's not like you think, oh, it's just veggie burgers or whatever. No, they have sushi places and uh, top dogs is another place. So they have hot dogs. Uh, you can go, go eat there every day, you know. Do that. Let's put on some weight, man, because he's – Still has that sort of, and he even looks like a Texas Tech quarterback, you know, because he, he still has a high school body, you know, um, which I, you know, obviously throws people off. I heard he gained some weight, and I wish Donovan was on the show because he knows. <laughs> but I heard my, he my understanding, my understanding is he's about two hundred and twelve or so pounds now. Right, 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 right. Which is better, um, but. <laughs> You want him to get in, you know, 220 would be a good spot. You know, 230 would be amazing. But then at that point, he would be like Jared Goff, you know, not Jared Goff. So, um, <laughs> I would say don't go Jared Goff because that's not always good. Yeah. Uh, I, I would say, yeah, I would say Jared Goff, Daniel Lasko, uh, uh, Tully, uh, Telfani, Muhammad, and Kenny Lawler's. Stephon Anderson, those would be the main guys uh, to look at. And I don't really know how well they're going to do this year, too, because, you know, the defense is still bad. The offense is okay. I They might go 500, maybe. Who but, I, but, I don't know. We'll see. Ouch. All right. Um, so... Good luck to all those at uh, at Cal. And yeah, just to to sort of walk through guys that I at least I've sort of uh, decided to Lawler. You mentioned that's a guy. I think you know he has another year, and I, I don't think he'll come out early. But I I think he's a future pro. Um, Goff, obviously, we already talked about. Their defense, once again, I, I've kind of a broken record, but I think their defense, once again. How about Triggs? What do you think of him? Oh, you mean Bryce Triggs? Yes, Bryce Triggs. What do you think of him? He's all right. Okay. He's okay. He's a little, I mean, all those, all those guys are pretty skinny. Um, I don't know what's happening in the weight room, but um, <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's just, it's like optional, you know, I don't know. Um, but uh, he's, I mean, he's, he's okay. He just seems like a guy. Um, I mean, he's an interchangeable. 
could he go to a camp and could he catch a couple balls and make a practice squad? Sure, but I, I don't see anything incredibly special about him. Got it. That's uh, two other guys I want to make sure I uh, I mention. I'm going to mention Hardy Dickerson mainly because you know legacy, legacy kid. Uh, his father, of course, was a terrific linebacker at Cal uh, back in the day, and now Hardy Dickerson Jr. makes his way there, and uh, he's not quite you know Hardy Dickerson Sr., who was a terrific player. Well, but he's, keep in mind he's half of his father. You know. <laughs> He's not 100%. That's yes. what you have to remember about these children of athletes. So, uh, right. Darius Ellensworth, of course, who is a cousin of your friend and mine, Mr. Donovan James, is one of the starting corners there. Um, but maybe the best player in their secondary right now is actually Griffin Pyatt, who, since safeties are essentially semi-cornerbacks anyway, he's a guy that if you didn't know better, you would think was like cover two corner. He's a reasonably decent tackler and a guy that probably does a lot of the communication or is responsible for running a lot of the communications, part of what they do on the back half of the defense. So he's got some things I think might allow him to stick. Just a junior, so probably not coming out this year, but as you said with Cal, I guess you can never be too sure. Well, again, you go to Cal for the education. So. Right, exactly. I agree, and you should. But as you pointed out, that you got some issues back there uh, in the back. I think it's in the back half. Yeah, um, Man, a lot bunch of, of Chris Conti, bunch of Chris Conti. But they have a lot of new guys back there too. Uh, Deron Brown, a junior college safety, was the only one who was on safeties for spring ball. Four of the returning safeties um, were sat out spring ball because they had injuries back there. So. Their defense will be determined by how good the the secondary, I believe, is, and the second, and that will determine how good a year they have. They open up with Grambling, so that probably should be a win. Then San Diego State, uh, not going to poo-poo the chances that that could be a loss. Texas, that should be interesting. That'll be great, the great sort of measuring stick for where they are at that point. And then Washington, then they go to Washington State, and then or they're playing Washington State comes to them, I should say. Then they go to Utah, then they go to UCLA, and then USC comes to them. They then get a Nevada, I mean Nevada, sorry, they get a November that consists of Oregon, Oregon State, then going to Stanford and finishing off with Arizona State. Once again, completely backwards. They should finish off with with Stanford, but whatever. Um, And you said six wins? Let me think if they can get to six wins. I'm seeing more like five, but six would be progress. So I hope they do get there. That would be great for them. That would be exciting. And that brings us to I believe Oregon, right? Let's see. don't think I've skipped them for going. Yeah. No, sorry. Oh, or, sorry. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It does not. This is Colorado. I keep oh. forgetting Colorado's in the Pac-12. Um, oh. <laughs> still not used to it. Um, as you makes know, sense, though. It makes yeah. some sense. So, they have a. They have a. Yeah, 
They have a young quarterback I'm excited about in Sifu uh, Lefau. And, of course, I'm a big fan of Spruce. Um, Other guys that are worthy of mention, at least in my mind, uh, they have uh, a couple of sophomores, a kid named Kenneth Olugbode and a kid named Addison Gilliam. And they're young guys, but both productive, tough, smart linebackers. Uh, the Mike is Gilliam, and uh, Ogbode plays Will. And he's a guy that covers well. He's a kind of guy that can run with running backs and, and tight ends if he's asked to do so. Uh, who are some of the guys that have caught your attention thus far at Colorado? Oh, well, you you pretty much mentioned all of them. You know, Sifo. Oh. <laughs> Sifo's the guy. Okay. I really like Sifo because he can. It's. I hate to say this, but I like a quarterback that can take a beating, mm. and he's proven that. He did. Um, he's taken a beating his whole career. Hopefully, he gets better. Uh, it might not, but you know, hopefully, that's what you keep telling him every year. It gets hopefully it gets better. But um, but yeah, he. He can be really good. The problem I see is interceptions. I'm assuming maybe, is the issue. Yeah, it's not really intercepts. I mean, it's not really that. It's really I don't know if he got a real chance to really develop a ton because of having to take a beating all the time. He does take a terrible so, beating. Um, I mean, I I kind of wonder. Okay, with well, a little bit better pass protection. Because he had, he had one year he had a center that was pretty much on his back every other play. Yeah, so, I <laughs> and I, when I say that, you go, oh, he must be kidding. No. I know. No, I'm not kidding. The uh, USC, once again, I keep thinking about the USC game where it seemed like it was like a, like a YouTube thing where the center was like, dude, this is going to be hilarious. On every play, I'm just going to end up on the ground. Exactly. It's going to be awesome later. It's going to be awesome. Sure, during the game, your ribs will be hurting and your shoulders will be killing you. Exactly. But later, when we watch this on YouTube, you're going to laugh. Yep. You're going to laugh with your broken ribs, you know. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, I, But I do like them. I think there's a lot of stuff. You, you just wonder, okay, now or never, kind of. Like, so either this is the year he really takes that next step you know, kind of becomes Mr. Efficiency, you know, because, yeah, you do want to cut down interceptions. You don't want to have as many wasted plays as I would like to call, you know, some throws here and there that were kind of bad throws or kind of that were waste. Um, yeah, he's good. Nelson Spruce. I mean, I'm a big Nelson Spruce fan. He, yep. I hate to say Jordy Nelson. I know. He, it's an easy comparison to make because he's a muscular sort of white, I'll Feet say this: power. He's a bronze. He's a bronze version of of, of pretty Nelson. Uh, yeah. he's you know he's a little tanner, you know. Uh, he is more tan. Yeah, more tan. Yeah, that's what the and it kind of makes sense because I don't think he's as good as Jordan Nelson, but he's darn he's pretty close. He's um, pretty darn I mean, good. Yeah, he's pretty darn good. But yeah, he's he's another guy that you know as sort of a you know like I said, night wing wide receiver. <laughs> how I put it. So he's he's the he's the number two guy, you know. He's the he's the backup he's the backup guy. Like if 
something happens, you know, you, you know he's there to do his thing. Um, and I'll Which is what Jordy bit. Nelson was early in his career. Remember, Greg right. Jennings was the man at first. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you take this analogy even further, when Batman steps down from his job, Nightwing takes his place. So right. Nightwing could become Batman at some point. Right. That's, that's kind of my point. Um, not just to say that Nelson's proof is Nightwing. One day he could become Batman. Or he might not become Batman, but he'll always be Nightwing. So it's right. kind of like that. So Nelson Spruce is like that. He's that guy I see. He's the guy I wanted to declare in for the Raiders to take on it. That's what I was, like, hoping, like, oh, come on, Spruce, declare. That's <laughs> what the Raiders can get you. Because I know that Reggie McKenzie, cause he, I, I, you know what? McKenzie likes his Packer players. And you look at our roster. Which makes sense. Right. <laughs> the more I think about it. So he got a poor man's Aaron Rodgers in your quarterback. Yeah, Derek could, Carr. Right, you can get a poor man's no um Jordy Nelson if you get Nelson's. I see what you're saying. Right. Um, Amari Cooper kind of reminds him of, of uh, you know, like Greg, Greg Jennings. Greg or, Jennings, you know, yeah, yeah, he does kind of. I see what you're going, you're going with this. Um, hmm. Now on defense, you don't have your yeah, yeah. yet. You don't have your. Right. You're missing yeah, yeah. some stuff. Well, Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack's like Clay Matthews, kind of. Sort of. He is like a great. Yeah. He is close to being Gilly Matthews. We should kind of got that. Side. Our offensive tackles are terrible. He's drafted, but then again, didn't do much better on Green Bay. I'll say that much. So uh, <laughs> as we see so far, right. you, do have, you, do have, not, you do have your you do have your Derek Sherrod in um, yeah. what's his name in um, <laughs> Malik Watson. Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. So it's it's like that. It's a lot like it's like a poor man's version of everything. Really, it's so sad. <laughs> But yeah, I but yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Spruce. I don't know why people don't talk about him enough. I mean, I love he him. he does everything. He's really yep. good run runner. Um, yep. Can make some really good, really good, you know, body control type catch. Great body well, control, and and he's better after the catch than than once again, you know, I guess the stereotypical, you know, yeah, people think he's a bronze a, wide receiver. Right, people think he's a possession receiver until he starts running away from people. <laughs> right. Yeah, he can run away from people. So, yeah, he he's the guy I get. Nightwing, Nightwing wide receiver. So, uh, bronze, bronze version of Jordy, you know, bronze Jordy Nelson. So, yeah, um, yep, yep. yeah. Uh, but other than that, uh, on defense, you know, I do like tennis. You know, Olobodu, Olobodu, or you know, whatever. Right, Atlanta, I got gotcha. you. I know right, I he's a little bit down on stuff. I mean, he's solid, but there's a few things here and there. Um, just instinct-wise and just kind of make it a – and maybe it's because the defense around is not very good and he's having to put out too many fires, but it's just, there's a little bit of, you know, some mistakes here and there that maybe not his mistake. Maybe if I was in a film room, they'd be like, well, that's not his fault. It's this thing, but – You know, yeah, play anyway. He's trying to yeah. <laughs> pull, pull our Which, and I know, And I know that people go, well, you're the draft expert. You should know every single – well, yeah. But I can't know every defense. I'm not that type of guy. Like I, I can't know all every well, actual defense and offense. If, if, if and, we were, if we were John Gruden or even on John Gruden's staff or whatever, we said, "Hey, John Gruden needs to know who's doing what on blah 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 play." You know, put one, get one of your linebacker coaches on the line. Exactly. I could talk to him and go, "Hey, he did this. Should he have done this?" And they would have said yes or no or whatever and have a conversation about it. I don't right. have access to the coaching staff. 
and they probably wouldn't even talk to me or, you know, answer my calls. So, well, they might, but then they would be like, uh, are you getting here? Or, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, he picked out Kenneth Crowley or Crowley, you know. Um, right. Kind of sticks out a bit. But that's about it. Greg, uh, you know, the guy, Greg Henderson, I know he declared early. He was always a weird quarterback prospect because I was, I was wondering when the sort of, oh, he's, he's really big and he's tall, but he's not really productive. But no, he's not, not really, he's, not, he's not really ready. He's going to be overwhelmed, but okay, fine, whatever. Right, 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 right. <laughs> the, hype, the, hype, the hype never started. It's kind of one of those things where you're like, I'm predicting – this guy to get hyped up and he's really not that great. But again, I guess you can never predict that stuff all the time. But yeah. Well, well, luckily, uh, luckily the world realized that he is what he is and he's not. Yeah, which probably could play at Colorado. If he played at, you know, USC or UCLA or, or if you, dude, if you played at Alabama, then yeah, the hype would yeah. get to overdrive at some point. <laughs> you know, type stuff. But yeah, I mean, Colorado. I, I mean, again, Sipo, Spruce. Kenneth, maybe the other Kenneth, because they're both Kenneth, Kenny, Kenny. Right. But, yeah, that's, that's about it. And this is also the moment in the show where I go, this is not a good football team, folks. <laughs> so if you are expecting perfection and, you know, really great execution and stuff like that, this is not the team to see that. So, um, they're Spruce and Tifo. I mean, you're well with Tifo. It's really, really digging diamond in the rough type stuff. You can watch one game of Tifo, and people will say, "Man, Tifo sucks." Why? Why do you like Tifo? I mean, I could go. Well, did you watch? Uh, you know this game. You know, did you watch a few games of this game? And you go, "Oh, I didn't watch that game." Well, yeah, yeah, watch it. So, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not good. I don't know if it's gonna get better though, but we'll see. But uh I, I but I am excited about Bruce. And because of where he is, I think he's a discount, man. I think like he, he's the guy that could end up going really late and that team's gonna get you know, a really good player, so Yep. Yep, 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 yep. So that brings us to I think now for real this time. Um, quack, 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 quack. Yes, yes. Oregon, Oregon State. Uh, Oregon has for half a decade now been the odds-on favorite to win the Pac-12, and that probably won't change in most people's minds, but it might be a changing of the guard. Um, this is this will be a big year if 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 Oregon somehow manages to fend off, you know the various contenders and still manage to, then that means that they, they may be unassailable for a while. But if I believe might be the case that they instead are a good, but not great team. And, you know, nine and three, nine and four, which is, you know, nothing to sneeze at. It means that the PAC 12 will be very, very competitive for the next couple of years. And if Oregon doesn't continue to sort of smash everybody recruiting wise, you know, if UCLA, say, gets over the hump, this could see a shift in power. So let's talk about the Ducks. Uh, they are a team that obviously lost some players last year to the draft, as every team does, but 
they return a good number of good players. Uh, they return, well, they're reading, the leading passer on the team is Jeff Locke, obviously. But as you know, uh, they have a high-value transfer, a uh, HVT that came into their program at the quarterback position. They yeah. bring back Royce Freeman at running back, who had a really good year last year. I won't say he's underrated because I don't think any running back from Oregon could ever be underrated, but uh, I don't know if he gets as much attention. It's funny, all the love the other running backs got, who I don't think were as good of prospects as Royce Freeman, it sort of surprised me that I don't hear more love for Royce Freeman, I guess, after hearing people fall all over DeAnthony Thomas and um, LaMichael James and uh, others. All um, those guys. Right, right. I think he's yeah. a better prospect than, than all those guys. Uh, well, Byron Marshall. Yeah, that's part of it, right. Uh, Byron Marshall returns. Uh, they bring back Reggie Daniels on defense, Christian French on defense. And, of course, DeForest, DeForest Buckner on defense. So who are some of the guys that you like and why uh, up in Duckland? Well, this is tough for me because it, Oregon has a decision to make. And it either go with Jeff Lockie, go with Vernon Adams. I would just go with Vernon Adams. Go with the wild card. Go with the pizzazz man. The guy that could potentially have a Cam Newton like he's in terms of taking the reins, taking the offense, all that stuff. Everything clicking on all cylinders. Um, does everything and just tears through the Pac-12, and then you go, then you're right back in the national championship type situation. Now, of course right. he's not. Exactly. Now, of course he's not Cam Newton, Cam Newton, but I mean he's the miniature version of Cam Newton in a way, um, in terms of excitement. Right. Cam Newton, Cam Newton that five at like five eight scale basically. Right, and the thing about Vernon Adams is that well, one you haven't watched them, and two, uh, most people you know haven't watched. And two, I think you'll realize that this is a much better quarterback prospect than you realize. You know, he's really like a Johnny Manziel of the FBS. That's really right. what he is. I mean, he, he, in terms of a thrower, he's a little bit better than Johnny Manziel. A little bit. In terms of some of the throws he can make. So, um, if you're a big fan of Johnny Manziel, why aren't you a big fan of Vernon Adams Jr.? Unless there must be what it is, a bias, right? But, yeah, um, <laughs> I get stuff. But yeah, Vernon, uh, I hope gets the job. It's really what what bugs me, worries me, is again us being guys who watch. That's the thing about being a possible guy is you're gonna there's gonna be some players that get murdered and you just have to deal with it. You know, um, like I said, being Joe Pesci, Vernon Adams could be Joe Pesci. He could show up to the Oregon, you know, facility and then go. Hey, I'm gonna be a made man, and then right, walk into the quarterback meeting room, and yeah, there's plastic sheeting all over the floor. I know what you're saying. That that would upset me as well. But I have a feeling, no matter who they name as the starter before it's all over and all so said and done, I think Vernon will be the starter if he doesn't have the job. I hope he does. I hope he does. Gate. I think even if they don't go Vernon Adams, eventually during the season they're going to go Vernon Adams. But at that point, will the season be rescued? You know what I mean? Sort <laughs> of situation. Because you don't want to have a – you don't want to do what Clemson did where, you know, they started Cole South, you know, and then 
were like, oh, you were always called stout. So you don't want that happening where you actually had a shot. You probably would have had a better shot starting somebody else, you know, starting up Watson. Um, and, and you probably could have had a better season. But, you know, yeah. I hope Bernie Adams gets a job. I think he could run that offense fine. It's really not a really tough offense. When I went back and looked at East right. Washington. That's why, they, that's why they like their offense is because it can be installed extremely quickly. It can be changed to fit the talents of your quarterback reasonably easily. And it's it's portable, for lack of a way of putting it, in that right. if if something is taken away, something isn't working, you, you have built-in options that make it easily, you can unpack this other thing and put it in instead. Yeah, exactly. So, I would just, I'm just hoping, man, <laughs> that's all I can say. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm praying, I'm just, man, converted out of just have the type of season that I know we can have. And if that happens, he becomes a legitimate quarterback prospect. I mean, he's already a top five quarterback prospect, at least to me, you know, the track class as a West Coast quarterback. But if he can just have a really big season in Oregon, then people, I mean, people will always talk about his height, but at least he gets drafted, man, you know, like that happens because if he stays in the FCS, there's a chance he probably doesn't get drafted because, well, you're five foot 10, you know, you get Rakeem Cato, as they say, but he's a little thicker than Rakeem Cato, you know? So, but yeah, I, I just hope that he, gets the you know, gets every opportunity to be successful and if he fails if he fails because he actually failed and there wasn't any funny business to the failure, I guess. Um at the running back position, I agree Roy Freeman is the more appealing back and you know he's actually a full size back. Um not a Anthony Thomas or whatever that was. <laughs> right. Not a frosted <laughs> not a, a sugar frosted mini back. Exactly. Because uh, again those those are all space backs. And space backs are space that's what they are. They're space backs. You know? Right. right. They don't learn how now can a space back learn how to, you know, work inside in, in between the tackles? Sure they can. But if you never do that with them, if you never use them that way, right? And that was the thing about Oregon is, you know, they had LaMichael James, they had all these other little space backs, and they never used them that way. They, never, they always use them one way. They go to the NFL, and the, they can always do the outside stuff. That's fine. That's, they can do that stuff, and then they get hit, and then they break something. But, you know, if they don't break something, then they have to do something inside, and they just don't know They don't know what to do. You know, they don't know how to really do inside runs really well um, in NFL offense because they're just not built that way. So, um, or they just haven't practiced it. So, because I know some small backs can really, can work doing inside runs, just some of them just don't know how to do it. So, but yeah, um, I but yeah, I, I think Royce Freeman's the top back there. Byron Marshall, and Thomas Tyner. I mean, those guys are those guys are both have their sort of stuff. Um, I like Tyner a little bit more than Marshall, um, but I honestly, as you know, I'm not a big fan of committees. I would just Rather they give all their stuff to Freeman. So, um, but that's just you know that's just me. Uh, wide receiver wise, Jay, I mean Jaylen Allen is okay. Kind of reminds me of most of the Oregon backs, Oregon wide receivers that that they've had over the last couple of years in terms of just being guys that are you know kind of running back, but they're wide receivers. 
furtive guy, so it's kind of like dump off the ball and then, you know, there you go, and then get run up field sort of stuff, you know, like screen pass stuff like that. Um, and he could and he could do a nine route, and he can do stuff like that, but I wasn't totally impressed with everything he did. And uh, Farrell Brown at tight end has shown some stuff. I think he needs to get a little bit bigger. I mean, he does have some interesting physical sort of stuff to him, but I just want to see more in terms of what he can do as a route tree, as a blocker, he's, a, he's okay. Um, like, all right. So it's more of a move tight end than anything. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he, he's okay. Uh, Defense-wise, support Buckner. I'm a big fan of. I, I view him as the top three sport defenses in, in this draft class. Um, he has the size, he has the length, um, he has everything you really want. Um, in a lot of ways, he's kind of, he has, he's not as big as, as Richard Seymour, but he has a similar brain as like Seymour. Um, now, he isn't as good as Seymour yet, but he is that type of guy where he has the frame, he has the size to be a really good 3-4 defensive end. So if you have a 3-4 defense, that's the guy you want to get, not Armstead. So if you want to get a guy that actually is going to be able to hold the point and uh, do all that stuff well, um, he can do that and rush the passer better than Aaron Armstead and stop the run better than Aaron Armstead. He can do all that stuff and give more effort. Snap, snap. That's the fourth Buckner. So, uh, yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why people are so... I, I don't know. I'll never understand the Eric Johnson love. I, I just, uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and, uh, I mean, other than that, at least for me, that's about it, you know, in terms of the defense. I mean, I've seen, um, you know, the linebackers. I've never been the biggest fan of the linebackers at Oregon 100%. Uh, they're st- I mean, their quarterbacks have been really good. Most of them have already declared that I've actually seen a lot of. You know, Troy Hill, you know, is in the NFL now, and Epo's in the NFL. Um, so I'm just kind of like, oh, I don't know. So there's a bit of that. But um, and Christian French, I kind of wonder what happens with him. Um, if he can just do more, I guess, is what I would say. Yeah, sure. you know, but yeah, I, I, DeForest Buckner, Christian French, and then on offense, I hope, I hope that you know Vernon Adams gets a shot, Rich Ferdinand gets some more carries, and Farrell Brown, I guess, the tight end is kind of interesting. You know, he's not very productive compared to his other teammates, but he has at least interesting physical sort of stuff. You know, that you could kind of work with, I guess. But he could just as easily end up like uh, like Ladarius Green or whatever, like a less athletic Ladarius Green. <laughs> like, that, that could happen, where you're like, you're waiting for him to break out, and he never breaks out. So. Right, and that does, that does sometimes happen. That brings uh, us to Oregon State. 
Um, once again, they are another team breaking in a new QB. Like many of the Pac-12 teams, they have some returning talent that uh, caught caught eyes, but they are going to be missing. Well, obviously, we talked about Steven Nelson, a guy that we both really liked last year. They have some interesting specimens. Victor Bolden is another one of those uh, Brandon Cooks types. I mean, he's I think he's a guy that's slated. He, I've tabbed him for probably a third team or spot on my all-under-appreciate – no, sorry, all-emerging team. But he's a guy with speed and quickness. Uh, he's probably going to be one of those guys that one of the top guys in terms of, you know, yards per catch average in the conference. He obviously could afford to develop a few areas. They still have Storm Woods, who is one of the better running backs in the conference. Um, you know, what else? Um, Richard Mullaney is the other guy, the the bigger guy, at uh, possession guy, whatever you want to use, at receiver. My understanding is that Seth Collins is the – clubhouse leader at quarterback. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, with Nick Marshall, no, sorry, Nick Mitchell. See, I knew I was going to say that. With Nick Mitchell uh, also still in contention. Uh, who are some of the guys you like and why amongst the uh, amongst the uh, Beavers? Um, I mean, for me, it starts with Storm Woods. Um, I think he's fin- he's finally going to be unleashed, you know, hopefully. <laughs> like he's finally going to get all the carries. Uh, but, yeah, I I like him. Uh, he's a guy that has, you know, decent speed, decent burst. Um, he catches the football. They pretty much do everything. It's just they've had a committee there, you know, Teron Ward, um, who's not a bad running back himself, but I, I, I don't know. I'm pick, pick one, you know, um, sort of thing. Uh Bolden I've seen a little bit of, and I do agree that he's going to kind of be, the, you know, obviously their primary going forward in the future. Um, I just wonder, you know, because they're going to have a new quarterback and a new offensive system, so um, I wonder what's going to happen there, I guess, um, with all that, with all the changes that are happening. And you never know what happens, 100%. Uh, and on defense, I kind of like Larry Scott a little bit. Uh, you know, at ZB there. Um, hopefully he kind of develops a little bit. But um, for the most part, on defense, I mean, those are – that's really about it. Most of the guys I was a really big fan of have already, you know, they're already in the NFL or, you know, on a camp or something like that. Obviously, I was a big fan of Steven Nelson. I mean, he was my number one cornerback last year. So, um, hopefully, the Kansas City Chiefs don't break him or whatever. But um, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, int- I'm very interested to see what happens in Oregon State because this is a team that, you know, was Sean Mannion, which wasn't always that great, you know, and. Uh, they obviously had the wide receivers. They started producing a bunch of different wide receivers. You know, Brandon Cooks and Marcus Wheaton. And, um, obviously, Bolden will probably be the next line of guys to come out. But I'll just be interested to see what 
because of the new coaching staff and because of the new things that are happening, I kind of want to. I kind of wonder, okay, what what is this team going to become now? You know, is it going to be the same sort of thing, or is it going to be kind of different? Or you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to copy other teams? Like I, you know, I don't know. Well, I think they're problem. going to be a little more like Utah State. You know, um, and with a little, with a little. I think they'll be a little more run heavy. I mean, not heavy, balanced. I think they'll be a little more run balanced. That's probably a better way to put it. Okay. Yeah. Because um, that's only thing I noticed in the Pac-12 is is oftentimes teams try to. Um, you see it every year almost. Like they don't blatantly say we're going to be more like Oregon, right? But that's what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're going to be a little bit like Oregon this year. Uh, none of them go Stanford route because, you know, obviously they have to be recruiting and stuff like that. I don't want to do that. Uh, it's just because the Oregon stuff's a lot easier to do. But, um, I don't know. I, like, like I said, they might be more balanced, more balanced, I guess, uh, because they have this new stuff. So they want to do stuff that's more conservative. But, yeah, I, I, just, I don't know. I mean, this team next year – I don't know what's going to happen. Really, um, yeah, it, it'll be. Yeah. I'll be in. Yeah, yeah, it's Oregon State. So. Okay, and that brings us to a team that is sort of the sui generis, the you know, the team that sort of looks like it wandered in from the Big Ten and somehow got lost to Pac-12, Stanford where, you know, their linebackers are 250 pounds and they run the football downhill and their offensive linemen, you know, look a little bit like the, at least in terms of the way they're used, not maybe the athletes themselves, but the way they, the way they play looks like the 19, you know, 83 Washington, you know, NFL franchise. I mean, it's a very, I want, the term throwback is a little strong, but it's a, there's a bit of throwback to what they do. Compared, is the, is the, as you said, the opposite end of what Oregon's trying to do. They're trying to compact you. They don't want to spread you out. They want to get you to, hey, why don't you line up in this little 12-yard box? Yeah, exactly. They want to put you on an airplane and put three to a two-seater. You know, just squeeze you, squeeze you into a little condensed little area. You know, yeah, that's what they want to do. And so, so, yeah, the opposite of spread, whatever that is. Yes. Squish. It's a squish offense. So, Kevin Hogan, who gets some love. Uh, he gets some love for whatever reason. Uh, but he returns. They bring him back a bunch of running backs. Yep. Ramond Wright, Christian McCaffrey. In fact, a bunch uh, of sons of people. Uh, Barry Sanders Jr. The son of Barry Sanders. And the son of Ed McCaffrey. Um, and the son of Ed McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. They also bring back Austin Hooper, a receiver. Blake Martinez, who is a guy I do like. He can't. I think he can't play for every single team in the league, but there will be a couple of teams that will really like him. Um, Peter Columbaye. And I guess the other guy I would throw out there worthy of mention is Kevin Anderson, the partner in crime 
of Blake Martinez. Who are some of the guys that you like and why uh, for the Cardinal? Not Cardinals. It's not a bird. It's a color. The Cardinal. Oh, yeah, the man. Cardinal. Mm-hmm. The Stanford Cardinal. Um, I'm not going to talk about Kevin Hogan. You can talk about Kevin Hogan if you want to, but <laughs> I'm not talking about Kevin Hogan. I'm not giving any credence to. Um, you know, uh, like you said, lawyer, definitely. Um, politician, maybe. Uh, maybe he can work for Greenpeace. But he's not going to be throwing footballs for a living. So. No. No, that's not. And for people to continue this, I mean, you got people putting him over people that, which happens every year, Bill, but it's it's almost like where. I, I routinely see him rated ahead of, well, that's just, I mean, amongst the seniors, I, I some people have him rated as their top senior quarterback. He's over Kessler. He's over. Um, Wait. Um, who, who are these people? I, <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but yeah. Oh, moving, okay. All right. You don't want to. Yeah. Okay. You don't want to name. Well, some of it's right. some some of it's a Stanford QB magic. It's like, well, he's a quarterback at Stanford. Those guys, you know, but usually he's not pan a out. Quarterback. I mean, he's not I really know. a quarterback, though. I, I mean, know. he he has the one game where he really played well. They ran the football 60 times. You know what I mean? Like, I remember when they beat Oregon, it wasn't because Kevin Hogan's arm destroyed the Oregon Ducks. It was uh, because yeah. <laughs> it's because Gaffey, you know, and the uh, Stanford offensive line mushed them into mush. Yep. You know? They squished. And it's a, what's that? They squished. It's a squished. They, squished they, got, they squished them. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Oh, here we go. So, like, I'll, like, this is just a regular ranking. So, they have Nate Sudfeld below Kevin Hogan. They have Trayvon Boykin below Kevin Hogan. Yikes! <laughs> they have Carson Carson Wentz below Kevin Hogan. Mm. They have Jacoby Brissett below Kevin Hogan. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot, they even have. They have Travis Wilson below Kevin Hogan. And I know Travis Wilson has his fault. He does. But you're putting him under Kevin Hogan? Wow. Wow. Oh, wow. All right, then. Uh, hey, maybe Kevin Hogan will prove them right, and I'll just look like a fool. But okay, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, okay, back to Stanford. So, <laughs> back to Stanford, um, yeah. This year, there's really only one guy I was a really big fan of on their offense, um, and that is, you know, Josh uh, Josh Garnett, uh, the left guard. Guard, yeah. There. Um, he's really good. A lot of the reasons why Andres Pete was saved and didn't give up sacks was because of that man right there, Josh Garnett, <laughs> because – he helped Pete on double teams so many times, bro. So many times. There's so many times where he isn't even double teaming, notices Pete, you know, let a guy cross his face and then steps in <laughs> yep. and helps. Yep. You know, so, we, so we know he knows how to do that because he's had plenty of practice. Plenty of practice. 
Uh, but yeah, he's a but yeah, he's a big. Uh, you know, and again, I understand Stanford guys. You wonder how athletic they are. I've seen him on the hook. You know, he's probably not going to run really fast, but he has pretty decent quickness, pretty decent explosiveness. Is powerful, can anchor, uh, can work in space well. So I think that he will test out as a pretty decent guard prospect. And honestly, I would not be feel bad about taking him in day two. You know, I mean, I've yeah. seen a lot of them. He's really pretty decent technician, powerful enough to run a power scheme, um, has enough wiggle to really move in a ZBS scheme too. So I just think that he's a guy that. And he's another guy, too, where he's really low on guard rankings, and I go, why? Because when well, you watch him... Well, that surprises me, because as of this moment, he's my number 58 overall prospect. Uh, of course, we don't know who's going to oh. play and stuff like that, but I like right, him. Right, right, we don't know, but, he, but he's a senior, too, I, I think. So. Right, um, right. Well, I know he... So you know I mean, I mean, I mean if sure. Wells is right around him, will be, right, 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 right. be in the class. I, I just have seen him... I've seen a lot of rankings, and he, he was always like the 10th or the 11th <laughs> or... 12th guard, and I always wondered why that was. It, it was just they just said, oh, it's a Stanford offensive lineman. They're less rag on them now because of whatever. But uh, but he's a, you know, again, he's a good play. Um, yes, he is. Defense-wise, huh. oh, oh, defense-wise. So, Blake Martinez, he's okay. I mean, again, I think there's a lot, there's more this is a really good pursuit linebacker class. Martinez is going to have to wait a while. So yeah. if he's in the green room, he's going to be waiting for. I would say get get your snacks, get your. Oh, I don't think he's going to be in the green room. He should be a third rounder, but I think he's going to make a team and be good. Yeah. I, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Um, I I do more of the day three guy. Yeah, um, I mean third because of you know because because of how much talent there is that pursue linebacker in this class. There's just so many guys that want to take over him that sure. he just gets pushed into that day three area. But that's just how I kind of view him. Um, there's not a lot that I really get super excited about with him. I mean, he's definitely the tough guy. and You know, he's in the right place. He does his thing. He's a Stanford but, linebacker. He's like all the others, but I think he's a little more athletic than the last few. I mean, he's, I think he's a better athlete than Scope and Tarpley, that bunch. Right, yeah. I bet you he'll test better than those guys did. Okay, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> hey, we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, uh, so there's that. Um, uh, not James Potter. He said he's already gone. Um, who's the other guy I'm thinking of? I think it's like Aziz. Oh, I know you're talking about Aziz. Uh, as, yeah. Uh, I'll say exactly. Aziz, uh, Shitu, Shitu. Shitu, okay. It's not shit you, it's Shitu, okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he hasn't got a ton of playing time. I think he's like the next man up. So it's like that situation. Um, I, I don't really know because the thing is the Stanford's defense Obviously, 2013, they had all their seniors, all their all their really great players were, like, at their peak. And then they all went in the NFL. Um, and they didn't replace them. They didn't replace all of them with good players. Like, Henry Anderson was still there, but then that was that was it. It was Henry Anderson, and there was all these other guys. So, um, and the secondary was 
a little iffy, uh, to, say, to say the least. But, yeah, um, I'm just – for me, and this is really weird because Stanford usually has more players, you know, and I, I – but I just – Austin Hooper maybe at tight end, you know. Um, now, he's – I he's a, another one of those guys where I'm not 100% sure how – athletic he really is, I guess. Um, he's another guy that hasn't really become a great player uh, by any stretch of the imagination. He's been okay. You know, he's been solid. Uh, Stanford tight end. Um, but Hooper might be a guy that might come out of nowhere. Or he might just ride on Stanford notoriety, I guess. But he's, but he's a guy I was watching uh, the spring game, and uh, he was making some more plays here and there. and um, They sounded really excited about him. So I don't know if that's true or not, but Everybody was like, oh, yeah, this is the year of Ross and Hooper. Uh, and I saw, you know, again, I saw a little bit of him last year. I saw some spring game, and he was playing okay. Um, I'll see what happens. But uh, for the most part, yeah, it's um, it's Josh Garnett. Uh, they have um, Kyle Murphy, I know, gets talked about a lot. I'm not the biggest Kyle Murphy fan. I mean, he's okay, um, but I'm not super – loving of him, I guess. So, yeah, for me, Stanford's Josh Garnett, Austin Hooper, and then that's about it. They have a lot of running backs coming back, but none of them really stick out, you know. All of them are sort of mismatches of, you know, guys. So, yeah, and then, you know, Kevin Hogan, well, yeah, I'm not going to talk about Kevin Hogan anymore. But, yeah, it's... um. I don't think Stanford's going to do so well this year. I don't know, Bill. Am I wrong? Um, I I think that about a eight win season for them. Let me let me let me just think about this real quick. Looking at their schedule, so <clears throat> uh, Stanford opens season against uh, Northwestern, probably a win. Then they get UCF. Ooh, that's a ooh. That'll be an interesting game. I'm gonna have that one circled. Uh, then USC, but they, if they are one and two after Northwestern, UCF, and USC, then 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 eight games might be a stretch. If they're two and one, then I think they definitely will reach eight games. Then they go to Oregon State. That should be a win. Arizona, mm, that'll be another toughie. Then they have UCLA, Washington, Washington State. So let's see. Colorado, Oregon, California, and Notre Dame. So, yeah, they were 8-5 last year, too, so I guess. Let me see something. So, assuming they beat Northwestern, they managed to stay squeaked by UCF, and they beat Oregon State. Okay, let's say they lose to Arizona, but they beat UCLA. They beat Washington and Washington State. They get them to six wins. They beat Colorado, they get them to seven. They lose to Oregon, then beat Cal. They get them to eight wins. Um, and then Notre Dame. If they beat Notre Dame, they get to nine. But I don't think they get to get to nine. So yeah. So I think we're getting about eight, eight wins again this year. Maybe seven, but I think they get to eight. And that brings us to UCLA. Um, so. 
Uh, our leading returning pastor is Jerry Neuheisel, son of, of course, former coach and 
They bring back a couple of decent D-backs and Ishmael Adams and uh, Marcus Rios, other guys to look out for. Eric, I've been hearing that, keep hearing that Eddie Vanderdose is about to be something. He's sort of like their version of um, Mario uh, Edwards. Mario, right, so their version of Mario Edwards <laughs> Jr. or whatever. Like each year he's about to. Oh, Taking it full year. circle. Take it a full circle. It is, you did. You took a full circle. But each year, oh, this is the year. This is the. It's good this time for sure. So if he's got. Who's the nose tackle they had last year that people were thinking would be in the NFL when he had guard? Oh, Ellis oh, no, McCarthy. Ellis McCarthy. <laughs> he, he's basically their new Ellis McCarthy. Only, only he's supposed to be even better than that. I mean, Ellis McCarthy well, was a good player, but Eddie Vanderbilt was. He was more productive than Ellis McCarthy. Right. Again, Ellis McCarthy had one game against the Colorado Center, and I would advise you to go see it because that's the game that everybody goes, oh, he's so good. Oh. And uh, but that's it. He would have one game where he would just get upfield and, like, dominate a center and then, and then disappear. He's gone forever. And, you know, if Donovan was on the show, he'd tell the story about how he was late for practice because he forgot to charge his iPod and, you know, and stuff like that, that makes you go, oh, okay. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you mean that game's that game like George Shelton, six sacks against Hawaii and the Georgia, South, uh, Georgia State, and people well, came up to the great pass rushing? Yeah, but here, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though, Steve. Um, Danny Shelton may not be, you know, all that and a bag of chips. He's going to be a solid nose tackle. And he's gonna be their nose tackle for a long time. He's a tough guy and yeah, he looks like somebody put mayonnaise on a spoon and you know, like there you go. But he's he's gonna be a good player. Ellis McCarthy on the other hand, he's gonna yeah. be at Reebok yeah. or somewhere else. So that's the difference well, between Danny Shelton and Ellis. No, I was just saying, you know, six sacks and everyone came back to he's a great pass rusher. He's a good player. But, oh, no, I'm agreeing with you. Danny <laughs> Shaw was, was never like a super – Aaron Donald. never ever going to be like – Yeah, he's never no, really going to be like no, – he's, he's never, he's never but, that. But here's my point. He still, despite his – what you were saying about him, I saw him chase down plays from the backside. I saw him blow plays up on the front side. I saw him get pressure. Whether he's sacking people or not, some get consistent pressure. Ellis McCarthy never did any of those things. So he's he's a he's a better player than his testing indicates, and he'll be an interesting test case, as you said, um, um, Steve, for guys like him. Right. But, yeah, I, I, but getting back to uh, UCLA, who are some of the guys – who are some of the guys you like? Well, at quarterback, I don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, I've seen Josh Rosen tape. I saw high school tape. I saw spring ball tape. And spring ball tape was a mixed bag of stuff. Um, he looked okay. He didn't look like I'm winning the job as well. <laughs> so that's what made me think, okay, I don't really – I don't know what's going to happen, so we'll see. I do know that Donovan is a big fan of him and all that kind of stuff. And he seems like a – I mean, I've seen the interviews. He seems like a pretty smart, you know, intelligent guy. So 
you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Um, I agree with you about Paul Perkins. I would just say that the thing is, is he boring, Bill? Like, I I want excitement from my running back, you know, and I don't think he provides that. So you're you're not impressed with his four or five yards every carry? No, not really, because it's often just sort of, you know, asleep. He's asleep as he's running, so it's, it's that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I like Paul Perkins. I think Paul Perkins will be sort of a – I see him as sort of a Thomas Jones type at the next level. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, not going to, like – not going to do crazy things with his legs and, like, make people miss and stuff like that, but he is a guy that's just going to find an open place and run it up the middle and do that uh, yeah, um, and average like 4.4 yards to carry, and if he's the main back, give you 1,200 yards. Yeah, but he'll never be the main back because we live in a world of committees. So, um, right. Jordan Payton, I he's okay. I like Thomas Duarte a little bit too at tight end, a little bit. Yes. Yeah, um, he's got some some stuff. Got some there's stuff. things to like. Uh, there's some stuff to like. Uh, Miles Jacket running back is awesome too. Uh, you can see that? Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> it's just weird, man. Uh, he's like, oh, he's a linebacker. Oh, he's a very, oh, he's pretty good running back too. So yeah, um, it's kind of odd, but yeah, um, yeah. So I think Perkins would probably be the top offensive guy. Duarte would be my second guy, and Payton would be my third going into next year. On defense, it's Miles Jack. My only big questions about Miles Jack is metrically speaking because he's never – well, I mean, Eric Hendricks was the big pursued linebacker guy. Miles Jack's never really been that guy. He's been more of a secondary player, more of a complementary pursuit linebacker guy. And now, I think, wonder – I think some of that is because he's had to divide his attention between being a running back and being a linebacker, or do you think that's not the case? You know, I keep getting this question because, again, it was the same issue I had – when it came to Shaq Thompson was yes. on one level like, oh, when he was playing running back, let's cut into time of defense. And then I understand that, but then when I watch the tape, I see a very athletic guy that's also not taking the best of angles and also, also kind of yes. gets pulled for stuff. And, yes. you know, like it, it, it's sort of like, okay, what is it? And, like, I'm, I didn't go back and fully chart everything, but I just kind of went my gut that, you know, that – that when it comes to Shaq Thompson, that he's he's a really athletic guy. Well, not really athletic. He's, you know, above average athlete who will probably be a decent linebacker, but not an elite guy because all the elite linebackers, Bill, and I hate to keep beating the drum, had this sort of level of solo tackle percentages. So the guys who were below that, they became starting guys here and there, but they never really were consistently dominant pursuit linebackers, which is what you want if you're going to spend a top 10 pick on a linebacker, right? Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, if, if you're not getting that, then you need to at least lower your expectations and go, all right, he's not like a top 10 guy. He's more like a top 20 or a top 40 or whatever. So that's my question with Miles Jack. If he comes in this year and he leads the team in, in tackles and does crazy things, which I think he's capable of, because, again, I've seen his state, extremely athletic guy, really powerful um, you know, really great change of direction, just all that stuff. Does he get pulled for stuff? Yeah, 
Um, can his coverage be a little bit better? Sure. Does he lack a little bit of height, you know, to really work extremely well in coverage? Some of that, but I do think that he could be a really good middle linebacker type. I just kind of wonder. I just want him to prove it. So I think you could be a stud to linebacker, Miles Jack, to go out and put up stud linebacker numbers is what I'm trying to say. So that that's all I'm really – that's all the criticism of Miles Jack really is that because everything else is just awesomeness. It's like it, – it's just more so of like what do you do with this guy? Like this – I mean, Miles Jack is more powerful, more – like dynamic to Shaq Thompson because Shaq Thompson was very fast stuff like that, but he wasn't that powerful. Miles Jack nope. was very, you know, he's shedding tackles, he's punching people, he's punching off his linemen in the mouth, he's, you know, he's doing all that stuff. So mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's that type of guy. Fabian um, Moreau at cornerback. This is a guy I don't understand. I don't know. I've seen him ranked as like the top two or third linebacker, senior linebacker. I've seen a lot better guys than him. Um, I wasn't overly impressed. I think he's a a solid tackler. I think he's a guy that, you know, can kind of be a number two cornerback um, for a team. But I don't view him as a top cornerback prospect. I think there's there's better cornerbacks out there. Yeah, you know, there's guys like, you know, the Penn State cornerback, I think he's a lot better than him. And um, Julian Peterson, Oklahoma State. I just think there's better cornerbacks than him. Um, is what I'm really trying to say. Uh, and that's the thing. Eddie Vander- Vanderdoos, I, you know, I've seen a lot of him. It's the same thing. He's kind of like uh, Mario Edwards Jr. Is this the year, right? Is this the year where he – unleashes the beast and just becomes this great player? Or does he put up the same numbers that he really put up last year? Um, I think so far he, I view him more as a depth guy, somebody you develop and stuff like that. If he has a huge super-duper year and improves his technique and improves consistency and this is a dominant player, then, yeah, he'll move up. And in this edge class, I think that's good because I think that this – I think this edge class, I don't know, it depends on how you talk to, but I think this edge class is not as good as people, I don't know, people are overhyping some guys, but um, I think that it's sorely needed. So I hope Eddie Vanderdose is really good. Um, if he's not, then I'll be kind of disappointed um, because I, I think that we need a guy like him to really emerge and become a, a really good edge prospect. So, so yeah, he's He's that type of guy. And then other than that, that's about it in terms of UCLA. I mean, Miles Jack is obviously going to be the top, top guy. I just want him to go out and do elite pursuit linebacker things. So far, he's done Thomas Howard-like things. Now, was uh-huh. Thomas Howard a really good yep. – now, was Thomas Howard a starting linebacker? Sure, mm-hmm. he was. But – was he Brian Urlacher? Was he Patrick Willis? Was he Ray Lewis? Was he these elite, transcendent, awesomeness linebackers, right, who are in this sort of, again, I call it the elite tier for a reason. It's the, it's the 90 percentile of, of solo tackle market share, which is for all the guys who had multiple all-pro seasons, consistently those guys. No, he's not there. 
if he has that type of season next year, which I think he can, then I'll say that he tests, if he tests extremely well, which I think he will, then I'll say, there you go. If people want to make the argument that, well, he's used at running back, so that kind of cut into that, I'll just snicker at that because I'll go, mm-hmm. I guess, but Paul Perkins is the one that's going to go to carry. So. I, don't, I don't think he was used at running back that much as you talked about. I know, exactly. Not as much. Uh, no, not in, as much in fact, as freshman year, right. In fact, I saw an interview with Jim Moore where Moore said it was the biggest mistake he was made in coaching. But it's a mistake because that I understand he, because he was awesome <laughs> at it. So I don't I don't blame him too much. I think what he was saying is if you look at the game where Miles Jack played running back in his freshman year, uh they had some awful defensive performances in right. those games. Awful trick. <laughs> awful defensive performances. And uh, the feeling was is that, you know, as an 18-year-old playing both ways, he wore down a little bit. Well, yes, of course he did. He's, he's <laughs> a human being, so yes. <laughs> so, yeah, Mara was saying, Mara said it was a mistake. So, and I don't think they repeated it his sophomore year. Not as much. They just, he- they just handed it to Paul Perkins. You saw a sprinkling of, of snaps at running back as sophomore year, and, I, and my guess is we might see no snaps at running back this year. That will be another question mark, as will they completely so. eliminate playing him at running back this year. They should. They should. Especially as you know, they're kicking him inside now to replace Hendricks. Right. So, Which means he has to learn all the calls, so that probably means he won't have time. Yeah. To be sneaking off exactly. the running back meetings. Exactly. But if he proves, and that's the big thing, if he can get all the calls and learn all that stuff and master all that stuff, ta-da, you have your elite or two linebacker, or at least one of them. I think there's going to be a couple this time. <laughs> a few, maybe more. It's going to be a really good pursuit linebacker class, even though it's like the running back. It's like they're devalued, and now this is the year you can see two of them go, you know, in the first round. So I, I just don't know which of the two will happen. And speaking of, um, if he's considered a linebacker, uh, we're going to talk about another guy that has a chance to be a first-rounder. So moving slightly south and east, I believe. Um, yes, yeah, slightly south and east of the Westwood campus. Uh, moving south, slightly south and east back to probably about... I do have one question. What do you think of Kenny Clark? Got to get some high. What do I think of him, or are you asking Jim? Uh, Jim. Yeah, Jim, what do you think? Oh, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I forgot. I thought I already declared. That's, that's my big thing. Um, I think he's, uh, you know, a solid starting, starting uh, defensive tackle um, in this next class. He's sort I, – I kind of view him as like a, maybe not a three-tech, but maybe like a five-tech kind of guy. Um, he doesn't really get a ton of penetration, you know, um, or, or affect the pass as much as I want him to, but he is he has shown some stuff and he he's definitely a guy that's kinda in my top like in a top ten sort of four three D tackle sort of thing. Um but yeah, he's yeah. I'll give you a guy, oh. Jim uh, I'll, I'll give you a guy, uh, Jim or Steve or whatever. 
Um, Steve will remember this name, Turk McBride. As he's oh, I love Turk McBride. Turk McBride was a, was a really good player at Tennessee. <laughs> he was a big. He was a big guy. He was a bigger guy. Had some ability to move. Uh, probably didn't play as maybe all the way up to his talent. No, always. he did not. He did not. And so, and so that was. But I mean, he was a he was a good player when he was at Tennessee. But I mean, he could get by on talent when he was in college. So. And then he discovered, much to his chagrin, you can't quite do that at the next level. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, the big, the biggest thing for Kenny Clark is he hasn't even got a stat yet, guys. So, um, <laughs> I know you're going like, well, blah, blah, blah. I mean, everybody's got a Phil Taylor's got a stat. You know, right. Hank Johnson's yeah. got a stat. <laughs> right. You know, Atkins has got a stat. <laughs> Isaac Sopoaga has got a stat. So, right. it's it's like, okay, when are the sacks going to come, I guess, is my, my big thing. But he is a guy, again, like I said, it's sort of a five-sack or a three or something. Not really a three-sack. He doesn't really penetrate that much. But definitely, you know, like you said, Turk McBride, that, that kind of makes sense. Um, but, yeah, he's, but he's a pretty good team in the tackle. Again, I view him in the top top ten sort of, you know, mismatch of four-three sort of guys. So. Yeah. Okay, and that brings us to... Uh, like I said, same city, little little ways to the Southern California. Hop, yep, you can hop on the. Is it the one ten I'm thinking of? If, I guess. Uh, yeah, the, something like either that. Either one ten or the four hundred five, one of those. Yeah. Uh, and UCLA, UCLA, you have uh, obviously you have Adam Sandler. USC, you have Will Ferrell. So that's how I divide the two. Yeah, and um, you've you, George, you know George, you used to have Snoop at USC, but. He's hanging yeah, he, at UCLA now. Yeah, I don't he's think Diddy's going to be at UCLA anymore. No, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> you know, George Lucas, uh, Ron Howard. Uh, yeah, USC's had some people. Uh, Tom Selleck, obviously, former member of their oh, water okay, polo Simpson. team. Yes, yes, Heisman Trophy winner. Great, oh, yeah. great actor, by the way, you know. Yes, yes. He, was a, he, was a, he killed it in some of his roles. But... He He did indeed. Uh, but yes, obviously USC at one point led the world in high. I guess he may still lead the world in high school trophy winners, even without, even with the vacated one from. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I mean, OJ uh, Simpson. Well, think about it. Like OJ Simpson, Heisman Trophy winner, Marcus Allen. He won the Heisman that year, right? Marcus Allen won it the year after. Uh, yeah. Charles Charles White. <laughs> so, right. You yeah. Know. So when he was blocking for Charles White the year prior, yeah. played fullback. Uh, Matt Liner, Matt Liner, Liner won it. Yep. Uh, Carson Palmer, right? Palmer. Yep. Palmer, yeah. Uh, Reggie Bush won it, and then he got it vacated, though. Yeah. I believe. Or, yeah, he did. Like he did. Um, Mike Garrett. In yeah. Six, yeah. 65, I believe, with Garrett. Was it 65? They had a run there where they could have, frankly, O.J. Simpson should have won, the, should have won it twice. There was a year, run of year, There was a run of years there when probably three years in a row it should have been a USC guy, uh, because after Mike Garrett, um, Gary Beban won it somehow in '67, uh, but OJ should have won it, and then OJ should have won it again the next year after that. I mean, he was the best 
college football player in America. At least two of his three years he was a starter. But um, and yeah. and and the really weird thing, Marcus Allen was a really good player at UCLA, and I mean USC scored a lot of, I mean you know ran up a lot of yards. But it, I was alive at that time, and if you'd have asked anybody who the best player in college football was, it said Herschel Walker. Oh well, yeah, almost right. anybody would have said right. that. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, Herschel Walker. Thou shalt in those days, thou shalt not give it to a sophomore. Right. Yeah, that was that in those <laughs> days. In those days, if you were a finalist as a sophomore, it was like winning it <laughs> because they wouldn't allow sophomores to win, and you couldn't get votes as a freshman in those days. It, it'd be just, you wouldn't get a single vote. Somebody Her, one one guy could have won in all four years he was at Georgia. He was the best player in college football. All four years he was in Georgia. <laughs> Wait, three years. Three years. Remember, he went to three USFL. Three years, that's right. He, he went to USFL after his junior year. Yeah, yeah, all three years he was in Georgia, he was the best player in college football. Sure, sure. I, I wouldn't I, argue that. Uh, I still remember when he stepped on Bill Bates for his first touchdown. Then he was starting in that game. Yeah, how, how, and as does Bill Bates, just in case you're wondering. Yeah, I don't think he'll ever forget it either. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I I saw a lot of Herschel Walker, and he was ridiculous. Now he wasn't as good a pro prospect. I mean, he couldn't. He wasn't as ready for certain things as Marcus Allen was. He didn't pick up blitzes. He didn't do certain things that Marcus Allen did. Marcus Allen was a famous blocker. He was a fullback, in fact, a starting fullback the year before he became the starting tailback at USC. And here's the other thing: the best safety prospect that the San Diego area has ever produced ever, according to everyone I've ever talked to, is Marcus Allen, who, had he stayed at safety, he used to tease Ronnie, Ronnie Lott about this. He's like, he's lucky. You know, he's telling me, you're lucky they don't let me play safety because I'd take your spot. Um, Marcus mm-hmm. Allen was an amazing safety. Great ball skills, highly intelligent, could hit, uh, could run a little bit. Yeah, he would have been like a combination of Steve Atwater and Ronnie Lott back there. His brother was a pretty good quarterback. Better than pretty good. <laughs> Hall of Famer. He, he he's a Hall of at least in Canada, and he mm-hmm. deserved a better shot down here. He rewrote the record book at Cal State Fullerton. Of course, they dropped football, so I guess his records will never be broken. But he rewrote the record book there. He destroyed a lot of uh, broke a lot of uh, records up in Canada as well. Terrific quarterback. And a guy, like I said, who, who, if not for his size and, of course, his skin color, would have at least been a high-level backup in the, in the league for a long time. But, yes, the uh, USC at one point was really one of the two or three most watched, most admired or hated, depending on where you're from, uh, yep. programs in the country. Uh, <laughs> and now they're on the climb back up. I mean, this is a team that conceivably – could run the table. Now, I'm not saying they will, but no. oh, I'm not no. saying they will. Hold on. Oh. Hold on. I'm not saying they will. No. I'm not saying they will. I'm not, I didn't say they will. I said conceivably. Now, obviously, obviously mm-hmm. Oregon is going to be a big game for them because they have to go to, you know, it's hard to beat Oregon at, you know. Uh, uh, yeah. It's hard to beat them. It's hard to beat Oregon. It's hard to yeah. beat Vernon Adams, too. Right. So that's a tough game. All right, game. so keep going. Well, okay. The I mean, are, last year, because there's a thing. Is Vernon Adams going to be at Oregon? Yeah. Well, he is in Oregon. The only question is, will he be the starter? But yeah. they open with uh, Arkansas State. 
Because from right now, you haven't graduated from Eastern Washington yet. But I'm I'm well, a, I'm, a, I'm understanding it's sort of a fait accompli that he will. I mean, he he passed or he's passing every all the last few requirements. Yeah, he has some work to do in the summer. Is what it was. Right. So, but my understanding is it's going well. I haven't heard any you know <laughs> indications he's not going to pass. So, I was just throwing that out there because I know that was in the Oregon Oregonian. Yes. Uh, about four to four or five days ago that, uh, you know, he wasn't on the list of people who had graduated from Eastern Washington. So, Right. He is finishing. He took an intercession class, and he's taking, I think, his final two classes currently. So assuming he passes those final two classes, he will be a graduate at that point. He will be a August graduate, I guess it would be, of... Uh, Eastern Washington University. <laughs> Just in time. But here's what I'm here's what I'm here's let me just walk walk you through this. Obviously Arkansas all State. Right, all right. Okay. okay, Arkansas State, that's a win. Idaho, that's a win. The Stanford game will be a really important measuring stick. I think they'll win that game. Yeah, that's a win. Stick. Yeah, that's a win. Ari- they go to Arizona State, I think they beat them. They go to Wash no, Washington comes to them. I think that's a win. The Notre Dame game is another important measuring stick. I still think it's a win, but that's going to be a tough one, obviously. Utah is always tough because Utah is always tough, but I think they should beat Utah. Cal, no offense to Cal, but I think that'll be probably not a super difficult victory. Arizona is another one that scares the daylights out of me, obviously. I think that the two games that they could definitely drop are this, this one and the Oregon game. Um, Colorado, no offense, but I think that's you know, once again, a, I won't say an easy win, but a, a convincing win, I believe. Then they, when they go to Oregon, I mean, that's the whole shooting match. Uh, obviously, a win positions them to be perhaps in the discussion for the playoffs. A loss means, you know, welcome to the Fiesta Bowl or whatever the heck, or the Sun Bowl. Or, not Sun Bowl. The Sun Bowl, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> um, and then they finish off with He's UCLA. Right, they finish off. Everything with UCLA. So that's where they finish up. Um, they are loaded, more loaded than they've been in a long time. They finally have sort of fully recovered from the years of reduced scholarships. So they now have some depth. For the first time in a while, this team has two and three deep of guys who can actually play at, at many positions, which just wasn't the, the case. They do have Sua Cravens, who is a whatever you want to call him, linebacker or linebacker or safety. Well, whatever you want to call him. Not safety anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you want to call him, he's one of the better. You can't have him back. Whatever you want to call him, he's one of the better players in all of college football. He is a guy that, I mean, you like like production. The guy had. No, I like Stuart Cravens. I saw him so while they're putting that linebacker other than. Hey, Pollard is gone, so we need to replace him. Hey, you can play whatever. I, I mean, the thinking this is, is that yeah. Th- this is Justin Wilcox's typical. Take a say, take a safety and make a line. Take a good safety and make a mediocre linebacker out of him. Well, except Sue Cravens is not a mediocre linebacker. He's still a really good linebacker. I agree, he's better <laughs> at safety though. But the the point is, the guy put up 68 tackles, 17 tackles lost, five sacks, nine pass breakups, three interceptions, and returned one of those for a touchdown. That's not mediocrity. 
Yeah. Pretty good. Okay. <laughs> I, I should have done more pack reflections, though, you know, to get on Earl Thomas's level. But, it, you know, it's, you know, it. You get a couple more interceptions. I, I would agree that he would be that he would be even be a very good player at safety. Oh. But oh god, yes. It, it, but if you put him, you put him in line. It's going to be the same thing with Shaq Thompson was when they moved him there. Yeah, he looks great if you get him in space and everything. But wait till those line, wait till those old linemen get their calls on him. All of a sudden, those seventeen tackles for loss. Forget those. There'll be 17 tackles where you get 17 plays where you get killed by some low lineman that's 150 pounds heavier than he is. Well, let me say this. First of all, he's a better athlete and stronger than Shaq Thompson. Um, Shaq Thompson, no offense to Shaq Thompson, was a really good player also, but... He was a really good athlete, but he was a good athlete in a different way. Right. Right. He was a good athlete in terms of quickness, in terms of, you know speed for his size, but not necessarily power. Exactly. Yeah. Cravens has better power. I mean, even just when you watch the two of them hitting people, Shaq Thompson wasn't blowing folks up. I mean, he was a good, decent tackler, but he wasn't crushing people. So what Cravens brings it. He brings a load. He hits you. You have been hit. Yeah. Been I, Cravens. I hear you, Bill, but I, I lined up my 325-pound offensive tackle. Tell me, how much say. are you at? How much do you outweigh to a Craven's by? Oh, about 140. You think you're moving for me? Well, I know what you're saying. I'm just pointing out that Craven's handle will handle those situations better than Jack Thompson ever could. I know, but then again, but here's the thing, though. We don't know that 100%. I've seen a lot of Craven's. I don't see him dealing with a lot of – now, maybe they'll protect him a little bit more, you know, because I noticed they did that a lot with Pollard in a way, is that they kind of kept – you know, typically if you have a will linebacker, you keep them away from most of the stuff. You know, you keep them on the backside so that they don't have to see as many, you know, linemen in their face. But um, I just don't know what's going on. Again, that's the only thing. But I understand you could talk about all the positives of Sue Cravens. And, we, again, I like Sue Cravens. We all like Sue Cravens. It's just, why are they doing this, Bill? That's, that's my only – like, I, I just – you have a really good – you have a really good strong safety prospect and you're turning him into a linebacker, which is going to slow down his development because now he has to, okay, I'm not a safety anymore. Now I have to learn all the linebackers. So, so it's like all this stuff that's just kind of, I don't know. What I can expect. I just don't know, understand why you just can't have a great strong safety and then, you know, find a linebacker. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, they recruited a, they recruited a bunch of linebackers. Now they'd have to play a freshman, which I guess they don't like the idea. Well, I mean, they play Cravens as a freshman, but they they have a very nice crop of young linebackers that they recruited. Right. So I don't I don't I don't know either why. Bill, Bill, if you doubt what I'm about to tell you, just go ask any of your friends at Washington. No matter how talented you think UCLA is. Steve Sarkeesian and Justin Wilcox will make a decision to mess it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well. Because keep, keep in mind, this too, Bill, is last year, I mean, I can remember this vividly last year. We were all like, USC's the greatest ever. They're back. The Trojans Nine are back, four. I remember. Right, well, right, right, right. 
Well, I mean, last year, this, this is a team that we expected. I didn't expect them to be back. I, I was surprised how well they played early in the season, to be perfectly honest. But th- that was a pretty young team. I mean, they started right. a bunch of freshmen and sophomores last year, a bunch. Yeah. They did. Yeah. More than, I think more than they have. The only time they'd had that many freshmen and sophomores start was during the World War II years. It was the last time they had that many players who were either sophomores or freshmen in their starting um, mm. lineup. So this mm, team, That's a long time ago. Yeah, so I'm saying. The last time they – because in the John Robinson era, it was like being at Bama. You, you were a junior mm. before you got a chance to start in those days for the most part. If you started as a sophomore, it meant you were amazing you know, in those days. <clears throat> so, yes, it was a different, different time. But my, the point is that this team, they brought back, what, 16 guys, right? If I remember correctly, they brought back. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. So they have fourteen. They have fourteen returning starters. The ones that aren't returning are Nelson Aguilar, Leonard Williams, Hayes Bullard. I mean, Buck you know, Allen. Buck right. Allen. I mean, so we're 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 not talking about that they're losing. You know, you know the the end of the roster guy that you know just the next guy up can replace. Uh, I'm agreeing that these are these are good players, but I'm also going to say these are guys that are replaceable. Juju can give oh. you a lot of the, yeah. Well, Juju can give you a yeah. lot of things that you got from 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 Aguilar, and they've got depth at the receiver position. All four of the guys on their two deep are guys who are capable of beating you if they if they're getting the ball. I like all the receivers. I like Steve Mitchell. I like Darius Rogers. Darius Rogers is another guy who, were he most other places, he'd be the guy. Juju Smith is, he's about to, well, he's already kind of exploded all over the college football world. He's about to Juju Smith exploded. is really good. Really Watch good. out for Juju Smith, man. He's, he's I know super. you keep talking about speed. I know you keep, you're the one that thought Kevin White was a was a 4-5 guy. He ended up being 4-3. I'm not going to say Juju 4-3, but I think he's at least a 4-5 guy. Powerful, really good body control. Yep. Tech, that's a yep. really good player. Watch yep. out for Juju Smith because he's gonna put good Juju on you. <laughs> yes, um, so I think that, like I said, there's two games I could see USC losing. I think okay. to some extent, the worst case, to some extent, the worst case scenario to some extent is a team that I think ends up going, you know, like eleven and two. But this conceivably could be a team that could run the table. Now, I'm not calling for it. I'm not saying they will. Right. But well, I'll here's be- the thing. Well, here's the thing, though, okay? So, obviously, Cody Kessler – well, let's start with Cody Kessler then. Okay. So, what is Cody Kessler? Because I well, still don't know. I've watched a lot of tape of Cody Kessler. I've seen games where he makes all the – I've seen games where he makes all the throws. Yep. I've also seen games where – I don't know what he is. <laughs> it's I now I've heard Eddie Dalton to me. I've heard uh, yep. obviously Ben Albright has already made up his mind. Hey, eh, the batter. Eh, eh. um, as a metrics guy, he has a ridiculously good touch intercept ratio. But the guy at the top is yep. Kellen Moore, right? And the guy below him is Eric Meyer from Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington. Yep. Yep, remember that guy, and also Bruce Eugene from Grambling State. So yes, well, um, I was a big fan of Bruce Eugene. Bruce is about two yeah. 
So he was almost like a mini Jared Lorenzo, and he was about six feet tall, about 266 pounds. Yep, and he went to, uh, um, what do you call it, the European? Or yep, NFLE, yep, 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 Europa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my question to you, Bill, is this. I think Cody Kessler, I think he has the arm to make all the throws, but he doesn't do it consistently, which worries me. So what is he? Well, I mean, he's not unlike guys. I mean, like I said, we talked about Dalton. He's not that different from a guy like A.J. McCarron and lots of other, quote-unquote, high-level game manager types. He's a pretty good athlete with enough arm for basically any throw you need to make, but certain throws don't get there with as much on them as you ideally would like to see. You know, he's not going to be mistaken anytime soon for John Elway, you know, obviously, or, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, he's not even Russell Wilson. I mean, his, his arm's basically dead on average, basically right at average. Um, what else to say about him? Mentally tough, physically tough, not crazy yeah. tall. He's probably going to measure out at, you six know. Six one-ish, yeah. Six one-ish, like, yeah, he's like six feet and three quarters, six feet and seven eighths, six one and an eighth if he, if he has a really good day on the day they measure him. Um, he's about 224 pounds, so he's fairly thickly built. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's not that different from Matt Barkley, even, though he came in with a lot less fanfare. Um, but more athletic, more athletic um, yeah. than Barkley. Yeah. So, um, so I, yeah. my my big thing is okay. So I understand that USC the restrictions are taken off of them and all that other. I, I get all that stuff. But so Kevin Kessler's coming back. We know what he we know what he is. He's a good for you know for a Pac-12 quarterback, probably below golf in terms of like NFL prospects. But you know it's yeah. debatable. Maybe. Um, sort of thing. You know, Buck Allen's gone, so you have to re- kind of replace that production. Buck Aguilar's gone. Some guys, that, I mean, Justin Davis and Trey Madden are both guys with some of the same qualities. I would say Madden is the more powerful, obviously, and they probably have, Davis is probably the fastest, or one of the fastest running backs they've had in a while. So they've got some some stuff there. Right, so Nelson Aguilar is gone, and I do agree that you can make up some of that stuff, but then what, where do you go from there? Because your third receiver last year in terms of wide receivers was George Farmer, and he's gone. Yeah, well, that's not a big loss in my book. And I think that they're going to get better production out of Darius Rogers than they got ever got out of um, George Farmer. Okay, all right. Um, on defense, you lose Paige Pollard. Yeah. So, you know, uh, and you lose Leonard Williams. Yes. That's probably the the one where you will struggle to – everyone else you named is someone I feel, like I said, is good players as they were, eminently replaceable. The only one where I see them struggling to, to sort of fill the gap is Leonard Williams. Okay. I don't know. Oh, oh go ahead. Yeah, I just – you know, and Adore Jackson, I think, you know, cornerback is a pretty solid guy. Uh, maybe better, you know, depending on where where things go. I I don't know. That's the only thing about USC. There's there's too many unknowns for me. I guess you, I I know that you are there confident. There are a lot of unknowns. Yes. You're confident in the in because you know the knowns. I guess. I'm more so. I don't know, but I I see this team being good. 
uh, don't get me wrong, are just too many questions at certain things, and then you're putting through a Cravens or Blindacker, and that's going to work somehow. You know, I mean, it'll work, but will it be as good? I, I don't know. It's that sort of stuff. So, like, running the table basically means that all these things happen, and, and they all go right. Like, everything that could go right goes right. Yes. Oh, I agree with that. So I'm saying the term conceivably means that if everything goes right. I think that worst-case scenario is probably about a two less than worst-case scenario because it could be much worse than that. But what I think is likely is somewhere between two losses and obviously undefeated being that everything goes perfectly. And hey, right hey, now, hey, hey, Bill, what are the kids on the Twitter saying, vault me? Vault me, nine and four. Steve Sarkeesian, normal, nine and four. <laughs> I, I think they'll almost accidentally win more than nine games. I mean, that, that means they'd have to lose to Arizona State again, which I don't think, think they're going to manage a way to do that. Uh, that means they'd have to oh, see four losses. They'd have to lose Notre Dame, which is possible, but I don't think they will. So that means let me see if we can find four losses. So you're saying they'd lose to Oregon, Arizona, Notre Dame, and Arizona State, or are you saying they lose to Stanford, Arizona? I say they lose three games on their schedule and lose their bowl game. Oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I will. I, I will. Three, three games on the schedule. They manage to lose them. The reason that. The main, the reason that Nick Saban goes unbeaten every, you know, or challenges unbeaten every year, is one they have superior talent, but two they're superior coaching staff, and that's when I'm unconvinced that they have it in USC. Thoroughly unconvinced. I, I see that. I see you do not trust the staff. <laughs> I, I, I agree with some of the things on defense. I wasn't wild with everything I saw Justin Wilcox doing. First of all, he's very conservative. Um, I wish, you know, he would unleash the hounds a little more often. But, you know, um, I understand. Especially with, once again, it was a super young team for the most part last year. Uh, they they had very few seniors on that team. I mean, even the guys that left, of the guys you named, I mean, Pollard was a you know, super senior. He was the last of the Pete Carroll recruits. He was a six-year senior. But the other guys you mentioned were under – most of the other guys you mentioned were underclassmen. Farmer was mm-hmm. a shocking early declaree. Aguilar was a junior. Um, of course, Leonard Williams was a junior. So there were very few seniors on that team last year. Only a handful of seniors played on that team. No, oh, we, get, we, we get that. But mm-hmm. the thing is, is that the – Underclassmen that were good entered the draft. The other underclassmen who were, who were that, eligible, who were eligible, yeah. who were eligible, right, right, right. Uh, the other underclassmen who were not in the eyes of the NFL, at least, or maybe they just decided to go. The guys who basically stayed behind were not as good as Aguilar and right. Oh, I'm not disputing that. Like that. I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying that, okay, so I'm just looking at this team. We mentioned, obviously, the skill position. Right. Uh-huh. Um, they have Lobodon, Chad Wheeler, mm-hmm. Damian Mama, Max Turk. Yeah. Talibana. I've heard a lot about Max. I thought, you know, Max Turk is a guy I've heard 
a ton about. Has he gotten bigger? A little bit. He's he's suffering a little bit from Khalilitis. Um, I'm, oh. I am hoping he'll put on another 12 to 15 pounds soon. But he, Is he still at 284? No. He's more like 291 at the moment. But it's still a little lighter than you'd like him. Yeah. Because uh, he... Uh, I mean, I thought he's definitely a guy who has good technique and is quick and, you know, and, well, if you're 285, you are kind of quick. But, um, you know, kind of stuff, I just, yeah, I, I just saw him kind of getting, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Man, uh, he gets man. Turn style, turn yeah. style, you know, just pushing to the left and then pat, 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 so, quarterback. So, so, here, so here's my question, Bill. Would you, would you be comfortable if Max Turk were sitting right across from Ashawn Robinson? Yeah, that's the that's the problem I have, obviously, with them <laughs> having to play in the playoffs. I didn't say they're going to win the national championship. I said they might run the table in the Pac-12. No, 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 no. Where they don't see, I, I, I understand. I understand. Where they don't seem to be Ashawn Robinson. I get it. I get it. I, get it. I, get it. I understand. All right, we'll, we'll stop beating up on Bill King. Yeah. Oh, you can, um, no, you can feel free to beat up on them. I, I, I think eleven and one or eleven <laughs> or ten and two is more likely. Okay. I, I simply said it's conceivable because the Pac-12 as a whole may be down a little this year. That's sort of it where might, it's going yeah, that's that, true. Actually. It might, it, it might be down. The, might be down the Pac-12 lost an insane amount of talent in one oh, year. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of talent, but there's not a lot of. No, I mean, they lost an insane amount of right, talent. Right, right, yeah, they did, right, 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 they did. They lost an insane amount of talent. And a lot of the talent was lost at key positions. I'm saying that at USC, most of their key positions, the guys that you can ill afford to lose other than Leonard Williams, they didn't lose. You know, they lost guys that you know, it hurts, but it didn't. it's not crippling. You know, I like Hayes Pullard as much as anybody, but the guy was a decent six-year linebacker. Uh, who did some things. You know, they, he made calls. He did things you liked, but those are things that, assuming you have someone with the mental capacity, and Sua Cravens, I'm under, from what I know, has mental capacity to spare and is a better athlete. So you're going to be, get more athletic at that position with someone who probably has not as much experience playing the position clearly, but has a great football acumen and is one of the better athletes on the team. Uh, I think the running backs... You know, what? I still hate moving good safeties off safety. I know. I, I, you know how I feel about the safety position, Steve. So you know, <laughs> I'm trying to make myself be okay with this. But I, in my mind, Brooke Ravens is still a safety, and I'm probably not going to let that go. Um, so a few more things. Uh, Adoree, Adoree Jackson should be even better at cornerback when he's allowed because this year he should be able to concentrate on playing cornerback. Um. He's still going to have some hand in the return game, though. They have Kevin Seymour, uh, who will be playing corner as well. Uh, Hadari, you know, people talk about special teams a lot, but they have one of the better place kickers. Uh, Chris Alvarado is a guy that uh, is apparently improving. The tight end position is probably the one where I have the greatest amount of concern amongst, you know, total depth chart. Bryce Dixon uh, has some off-the-field stuff. Uh, Jalen Cope Fitzpatrick struggled with grades last year. Uh, Tyler Petit, or Pettit, I guess it is, however it's pronounced, uh, is a guy that might see some time. Connor Spears is a walk-on. He came over from uh, from Columbia, of all places. How often do you see that? 
Uh, but he's a guy that's been climbing the depth chart, especially with the issues we talked about. And a grad transfer, uh, Taylor McNamara, is a guy that has at times been listed as high as number three on the depth chart at tight end. So at some point they'll need to figure out, you know, who's going to win that position. Um, there's a lot of really interesting guys. One of the guys I'll mention who's in the battle for wide receivers, Isaac Whitney, a JUCO transfer with size and speed and, you know, a guy that could make an impact if he's allowed to see the field. So they've done a good job of recruiting. Say what you say what you want about the staff that's there now. Uh, they've done a really good job of recruiting, Steve. They've been a top five, you know, in terms of recruiting the past few years. And sometimes ranked as high as two certain years. They're good at that at Washington today. So they've re- my point is that they've rebuilt some of the issues they've had depth-wise. That was one of the things that killed mm-hmm. them in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, so that's yeah. that's and part I also, of what. And I also mentioned that Zach, you know, Zach Banner, um, right tackle, um, another guy to kind of keep an eye on. Yep. Yeah. Um, another guy to look out for is Antoine Woods, uh, the guy who'll be playing nose tackle this year. If Dumbin Simmons. And Antoine Woods, and speaking of uh, legacies, Greg Talenton Jr., there you go, Oakland Raiders fans. Um, if mm-hmm. if those three guys can be solid, productive, these are guys that came in with a fair amount of fanfare. If they can actually produce, you know, make an impact, that I think is going to be, especially in the Stanford game, if they get really good defensive line play against, you know, against the run, basically, because um, that's what Stanford's going to well, pound you. Here's the here's the thing, though. The, I mean, Stanford has Kevin Hogan, USC has Cody Kessler. Kessler beats Hogan, like, you know, that's just going to happen. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think that's going to happen. So. Well, but like, in, then again, uh, Stanford staff is going to see a 200 pound linebacker. They're just going to be licking their chops. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I know what you're saying. Now, now, first of all, Craven, Craven's, Craven's is up to about 227. Uh, oh. First, first of all. So, <laughs> so Mr. So Mr. Josh Garnett. So, so basically, what you're what you're illustrating, Steve, is Mr. Big Josh Garnett. You know, the six five, three hundred thirty pound left guard, going to be pulling and. He's going to have Mr. Stuart Cravens in his sights, and then Bill's going to see that, and he's just going to be like, don't do this. Please, don't ruin him. And then he ruins him on national television. So uh, is that apparently what you're describing, Steve? That's what I'm thinking, yeah. (laughs) They're going to to be like running that sixth offensive line and offense, and Houston's going to be going, oh, my God, get some guys with some size in here. So excited to be like, I'm out. I'm going back to safety. Yeah, well, as we said, that's where where he really belongs. Anyway, but but yeah, I mean, like I said, I think this is a team that ends up probably going about 10 and 2. 11 and 1 is is fairly, also reasonably likely. I I said it's possible they run the table. Because I think, like I said, as I just said before, I think the entire conference is a little bit down. And sort of like, I feel like Shane Alexander. Their depth chart is the best depth chart. If you look just team by team by team. They haven't been, like, okay, a better way to put this is you could say that, 
but it's a depth chart that hasn't done anything yet. I agree. You're right. I'm just saying so, that potentially. I should say potentially. I know, I know. And, yeah, they might have won all these recruiting awards. And, and again, Mario Edwards Jr. was the top recruit. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. you know, you got your scholarships back, but what if you pick the wrong guys, as I usually say? So, um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Again, I'm, I'm not trying to – again, I'm not trying to hit on USC. I just see a lot of question marks that make me pause for concern about – saying they're going to, and I understand, like, well, everything goes right. Well, you know, everything went right at every organization. Yeah, right. Run the that's so, true. Right, that's true. I mean, if everything goes right, I don't, I don't, I don't see Vanderbilt, even if everything goes right for Vanderbilt, they don't run the table. I mean, there's certain teams that even if everything goes right, they couldn't run the table. I mean, and, and as much as I don't know Tarkeesian, I mean, they will be playing Notre Dame with, you know, Brian Kelly taking a 19-yard snap on third and two inches. So... You know, so they'll have that. And then, actually, Helfridge is one of the best coaches in the country. So I, I suspect Oregon ends up, even though they probably shouldn't, I suspect Oregon ends up the best team in the Pac-12. Yeah, and that's that's what I said. I think people have a tendency to sort of assume that Oregon, you know, won't be able to do what Oregon normally does. But Oregon's built – they build their system so that – honestly, it doesn't matter, but – so it matters not as much who they have at certain positions. Oh, exactly. I mean, the the thing about Marcus Mariota is that he had the best touchdown accept ratio in the history of that organization, but there was not a giant drop-off to the next guy. Like, it was sort of like Mariota had a 8-to-1 touchdown accept ratio, and then his next best guy was like a 5.6-to-1. Yeah, know? exactly. Yep. Right. So, I know. And now this brings us to Utah, uh, a program that, once again, I have to remind myself is in, in the conference, but um, they had a pretty good year. They had a nine-win season. Uh, they beat Colorado State. Uh, and then he lost – Kyle Winningham lost uh, Kalani Sataki. He lost uh, Iasa Tuyaki, both of whom followed Gary Anderson to Oregon State. Dave Christensen – um, also took off for Texas A&M. So there are going to be some new faces in the coaching staff, clearly. So now he has uh, Jim Harding in his first year, uh, Aaron Roderick, our co-offensive coordinators, and John Peace uh, is now taking over the defense. So this is going to be interesting to see how how different this team is. They bring back a lot of, like USC, a lot of starters return. Uh, they bring back Travis Wilson, the off-injured but talented sort of Brock Osweiler light QB. Uh, they bring back Devontae Booker, uh, who is an, another really talented kid. Uh, they have, uh, uh, what's his name, Matt Asiaz's brother, Isaac, um, is playing left guard. They have... Uh, Couple of decent other guys on the offensive line. I think I got another guy to look out for is uh, their center, Siasi Alono. Uh, let's see, on defense, probably the the guys I would sort of highlight to look out for. Uh, Hunter Dimmick is a guy that I think is a bit underrated. Uh, Jared Norris is pretty decent, and Gianni Paul. 
So they have at least three guys on defense that have caught my attention at various points. And uh, Dominique Hatfield, I think, is poised for something of a sort of breakout season at the other corner. He was dismissed from the team. Oh, of course he was. <laughs> did, he, did he transfer someplace else, or is he just drifting out there now? Let me see. I know he was dismissed. Let me see if he showed up anywhere. He's a good player. He apparently needs to leave. Now, Utah also is one of the schools with a, a stricter... Um, yeah, it was it was 12 hours. The, the story came out 12 hours ago. So that was, uh, he, he was in a robbery. He was charged with a robbery. Oh, of course he was. Right, right, right. Oh, that's right. Hmm. Oh, God, why? Okay, so... He, he, yeah, he's got an ag robbery and theft on him. Nice. The authorities have accused Hatfield of robbing a man at knife point who planned to buy an Xbox game console from him. He's also accused of stealing and trying to steal cell phones. Wow. Yeah, that's the off season for you. <sighs> Coaches hate the off season. Wow. <laughs> oh well. But he still like him though, Bill. <laughs> that's the question. Well, he's a good. He's, I still think he's uh, going to wherever he lands. He's going to end up right. playing well. It's uh, you mean you mean you mean he'll play well in the Utah Correctional <laughs> for the. For Paul Crew with the mean machine, yes. Uh, yeah. So next man up, freshman, freshman KCU's. My eyes are on you, young man. Uh, they were constantly defensive back, so. Yeah, boy. Okay, well, moving on. Um, who are some of the guys? Oh, and last but not least, or not even last, uh, Candy Phillips, just a junior, so he's not likely to declare. I mean, kickers, you know, uh, punters, I should say. Rarely declare early, but he's one of the better punters in America as well. Who are some of the guys that you like? Uh, who are some of the guys you have your eye on, Jim? Uh, uh, well, Devontae Booker. Um, he was the guy that I felt like rumors came out he was going to declare. I was like, yay, and then he didn't declare. And I was like, oh. <laughs> um, I think he, I mean, again, I he has he has the speed. He has pretty decent speed. Legit speed, though. I mean, he's not like a four-three guy. He's legit four-four-ish speed. Um, he's obviously he's not a the biggest back, and he's gonna get a lot of knocks because of stuff like that. But I think in terms of you know that sort of change of pace kind of guy, I think he'll fit well. And he's he's like, even even for his size, he runs with a lot of power. He does yeah. even for his size. He does. So. Yeah, I mean he's he's able to get himself, you know, low and under behind his pads and Well I mean you know, he, so he's one of those guys that we talked about that just because, you know, they're small doesn't necessarily mean they're not they don't run strong. He's not really, yeah, exactly. He's not really small. I mean he's two hundred and twelve pounds. I, I just think Yeah, but I mean I'm just well, again, though, you know, when people when people think of running backs, they they want them, whether they like it or not, they want them two thirty. You know, like yeah, that's my ideal running back. You know what I mean? Kind of like that. It's like <laughs> quarterback two twelve is yeah, it's a little skinny. It's two thirty. 
Yay, there you go. Perfect weight. So it's kind of like that, I guess. And, like, of course, that's me- medium weight. 212 is medium weight for a running back. But it's not 230, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Sure. And he can also catch the ball, too. So that's uh, another plus. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the only big metrical thing with him is that he's going to be, like, 24 years old when he enters the draft, um, which is pretty old. I mean, but he's been very productive. And there was another very productive back to Thomas Jones from Virginia who, you know, was that old and was very productive. So there is a chance that, you know, even though he's that old, the fact that he's that productive, and if he tests well as an athlete, I don't think it'll matter as much. It's just that he won't. As long as he doesn't get run into the ground, like that's the big thing I've been noticing is sometimes people get a back, they run them into the ground, and then their career is four years because they used them up too soon, you know. So, whereas like Frank Gore, you know, Frank Gore had a really ridiculous market share season in San Francisco, and then he started to be used less and less and less and less to the point where he was he was consistently – getting his usage capped, which I don't know if that made his career longer or not, but it seems like it. I don't know. But it just seems like because they didn't go all crazy with him that he ended up lasting as long as he did. So, uh, something to look into, I guess. Right. Anybody else Anybody that you else? like at uh, Utah? Um, a few, yeah, a few other guys. Travis, I mean, Travis Wilson's still there, right? Yep. I quarterback. So. Um, I... I can't quit Travis Wilson, even though he's not that great. Whenever you have a big, tall, white guy, he's always a threat. So he's always a threat that he could be the next sort of – you get like the Sean Mannion buzz, right? Um, the uh, Tom Savage buzz, remember all uh, that stuff? Uh, Travis wait, 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 wait a minute. And also, he he, he did – he was career in question – because an intracranial position, uh, intracranial condition. Is he a writer? Oh. He, he might be. <laughs> intracranial condition. I read. You know, well, he's, not, he's not six foot two. He's not six foot two, though. That's that's yeah. He's not six foot two. So, um, unfortunately, he's too tall. Reggie McKenzie. He likes his quarter. He likes pocket quarterbacks. He doesn't like the <laughs> giant statue quarterbacks. He's more into the. Six foot two, six foot one, pocket size, you know, ginger like quarterbacks. Like if Andy Dalton hits the street, you bet Reggie Kids is going to get him as soon as possible. So, because um, he has the right height, mm-hmm. and he's ginger. But yeah, um, I, I like Travis Wilson throws way too many interceptions. His mechanics are beloved, but he can do a few things. You know, yeah, he's. he's Plato, whatever you call it. Better than Brandon Bridge, though. I'll say that much. A lot better than Brandon Bridge. <laughs> they're, they're, they're um, other than that, on defense, like you said, Dominic Castile was an interesting guy. Now he's gone. <laughs> it's like, um, Jared Norris is a solid pursuit linebacker, but he's a lot like Blake Martinez in that I'll have like six or eight different guys above him. So he he'll get kind of he'll end up at he'll he'll hit a point where I'll I, it, it'll be interesting how I rank him because 
he'll hit a point where all the talent kind of blends in together because he's not exactly special in any one thing from everything I've seen, but he is solid. He can tackle and he can do a bunch of stuff to you. He just doesn't really have one thing that really excited me when I watched his tape. Um, and then Gianni Paul has done some interesting stuff. He's been more of a complimentary player. But, um, yeah, I, I don't yeah, – I'm not 100% sure. Um, and I think Hunter – is it Hunter Demick? Is he coming back? Yeah. Yeah, he's coming back. He's another guy, defensive line-wise, that uh, yeah, sort of a DN. I hope that he can kind of make up for the lack of Nate Orchard, possibly. But we'll see. But, um, yeah. But that, that's about it as far as he's talking Are you there, Bill? Yes. Yes, I am. So, that brings us to our final destination. So, we have, obviously, a state with two programs, as we have with, well, obviously, a couple of states here. Uh, the difference is that there is a clear, measured, obvious difference in, well, the talent level and expectations. Washington, as was mentioned, has had guys like New Heisel and has had guys, well, not New Heisel, sorry. Um, well, they've had guys like um, uh, gosh, um, who was it right before? Well, if you go back, Don James, right? National Championship type team. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? They've had you know, they managed to be solid and be competitive. Um, Sarkeesian built, you know, enough. Yeah, to, there's a Husky. Right, to move into, right, right. And they've got some guys, as always. Uh, they, they do a really good job, in, of, as always, in recruiting. They have NFL talent, not as much as they did last year, say, because they, they're another team that had some losses on both sides of the ball. But... Uh, a junior named Jeff Lindquist is the uh, most experienced quarterback they have on the roster. Uh, they have Jake Browning coming in as a as a kid that, if things don't go well, you know they could end up having to roll him out there. Sadly, Sather Miles, as we know, um, you know, has no has had to be forced to retire from playing the game. Uh, they do have KJ Carter Samuels, who of course is the younger brother of Austin Carter Samuels, is another guy that's been as high as number two at some points on the depth chart. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, they do have a good left guard in Dexter Charles. Um, they don't bring back too many catches at the wide receiver position. Jaden Mickens is the most experienced of their uh, returning receivers. Uh, they lost a fair amount on, on the other side of the ball. They Probably the best of their defensive players, or most interesting of the defensive players returning uh, well, they do bring back a couple of guys worthy of note. I don't know if they're guys that be drafted necessarily, but guys that I see making a team. Um, they do have uh, Joe Mathis, who was, you know, at times sort of caught my my mind, caught my attention. I so noticed him. Um, 
first of all, he seems to mostly be in the right place at the right time. Uh, Travis and Jones have at times looked good back there as well. Um, they have a young, interesting free safety named Bubba Baker, just a sophomore. And I think before it's all said and done, he might be the on the defense, the current version of the defense, the guy that ends up being the highest draft pick eventually uh, down the line. So Chris Peterson's now in year two. They, um, you know, eight and six so far. Uh, that's a lot of a lot of football for a college team, but uh, four and five in the conference, and they had a, a dramatic loss to. Um, Oklahoma State in their bowl game in the Cactus Bowl and they uh and because they played Hawaii they got the extra game on their schedule, so that is either an advantage or a disadvantage when you see it. Uh the most exciting player on the roster though, and a guy that conceivably, if he has a big year, could declare early, is Dwayne Washington. Um a guy that has terrific raw talent. But who are some of the guys that you like and why? Like Jim, for the Washington Ruskies. Um, I honestly, I just like Dwayne Washington. <laughs> um, everybody else is, uh, well, defense-wise, they're all seniors. They're already in the NFL. <laughs> you know, their top passers are gone. Kika gone. Shelton's gone. Hudson's gone. Um, all their guys are pretty much gone. But yeah, Washington's the only guy that if he gets the top running back spot and does a really good job, um, he could be that sort of sleeper dark horse running back that declares early and uh, does stuff. Yeah, well, that was an easy one. Um, so that that uh, brings us then to Washington State, the last of the uh, teams of the conference. So looking at Washington State, first of all, uh, this is, you know, obviously a make-or-break year for them. I think if they aren't bowl eligible, that'll probably be it for Coach Leach. But uh, who do you see, and what do you see? You know, who do you like? Oh, Washington State. Uh, the main, actually, the only guy really. Um, I'm a big <laughs> fan of Daquan Brown, um, oh. and I know he's like a pocket-sized cornerback and. That he's too small and he's just he just won't hold up, you know he just he won't. But he's really good. <laughs> he's really good. He really good tackler, feisty, uh, plays the ball in the air exceptionally well. Um, I think I, I just look at it like this: if Demarius Randall isn't going to go as high as he did, then why can't Daquan Brown go? Almost as high is all I'm trying to say because I think he uh, just played with much better, uh, just much better power. You know, again, he's a guy that does everything. He's feisty, he's aggressive, he's smart, um, and is just he's just the guy. Um, other than him, I wasn't really that enthusiastic about any of the passers other than Xavier Cooper, who obviously is on the Browns now, um, and on offense. It's just. Uh, Mike Leach bugs me, man. <laughs> I mean, he definitely he get wide receiver talent, and he does all sorts of stuff. But I just they all kind of mix and match, and I don't know. It's, I mean, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I, I, this might be Mike Leach's 
last ride, I guess, before he goes somewhere else. <laughs> you know, but we'll see. Yeah, but he'll have to go small. I mean, I don't know if there's another FBS landing spot, at least not another Power 5 landing spot for him anywhere. Uh, so I think if he shows up again as a coach, as a head coach at least, he could become an offensive coordinator any place in college football. But if he wants to be a head coach, I'm wondering, you know, unless he wants to go down, uh, where else he could go. Well, I, I'll, I'll mention a couple of people since, you know, you're not wild, obviously, about what they've got going at Washington State. Uh, but have you looked at Jeremiah Allison at all? They're a will linebacker. Oh, um, no, not especially. I mean, I'll add him to the list. I think he's worth checking out. They have, um, I mean, I hate to start comparing people to Wes Welker or whatever, but River Craycraft, of course, you know, because he's a quick little white slot receiver, gets called, you know, compared to that a lot. And then his former high school teammate backs him up, Kyle Sweet. So they have two of that guy, basically, Um, one the other one up. Uh, They don't have a lot of speed in terms of linear speed. Guys are going to run away from people. They have a a fair amount of quick guys. Um, Craycraft's a little bigger than Welker, probably about 5'11 and a half at about 199 or so pounds, but similar in most of the other ways. Um, they do have some. You mentioned DeQuan Brown, but wasn't he dismissed? He, he, yeah, he's kicked off. He's going to Fresno State. That's what I thought. He's going to Fresno. I was going to say. I thought you welcomed him into the into your bosom uh, recently, Jim. <laughs> oh, but, I did not know that. Yeah, no, he's he's a he's okay. a, he's at Fresno. So the his position oh, was his position. Yeah, well. <laughs> or it's pretty cool if you're a Fresno State fan, I would think. I guess. <laughs> but, um, so now oh, it's cool. That, it's cool that he's coming here. It's just now he's draft status is going down and all that kind of stuff. So. Well, I think he's actually got a city year. Oh, he might. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't know what his academic status is. He might have to sit. But either way, he's at, he's at Fresno. Um, a few other guys I'm going to mention. Uh, Cache, I think it's how she pronounced Palacio, has, has flashed some things at while, a while at at times at least. Um, he's a what whatever term I'm going to use. Another uh, sort of Leo type. You know, he's a hand stand up sometimes, hand in the dirt sometimes. You know, like I said, one of those hybrid dudes. Um, I mentioned Allison, who I, I think is, I mean, he led the team in tackles. He's instinctive, not super athletic. Uh, who else is worth mentioning? They have a good young corner named Charleston White who's just beginning to figure it out. So we'll see what happens with him as well. But yeah, they lost a lot of their best players. Um, Dom Williams is probably their biggest play. Well, he and Gabe Marks are probably sort of the biggest play type guys, but the leading receiver, I guess, is Craycraft, who does a great job working in the middle. I think he eventually does find himself into the NFL. 
probably as a late draftable guy or maybe an undrafted free agent like his hero, you know. But he's going to make a team somewhere. He's super courageous with really good hands, and, you know, he'll just produce. He'll find a way to, to make it somewhere. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough way for them. So they open with Rutgers. No, sorry, it was last year. They open with uh, Portland State. Uh, they open with Portland State. That should probably be a win. Then Rutgers. Um, then they have Wyoming, probably a win. Uh, California, Oregon, Oregon State, Arizona, Stanford, Arizona. Yeah, sorry, Stanford, Arizona State, UCLA, Colorado, Washington. Yeah, that's feeling like about three months again. So that that probably does mean the end of of Coach in his run there at Washington State. It'll be a tough way to go. Um, yeah, that's just. That's going to be be hard for them. Mm. Well, you know, um, we can remember the good times we had with Mike Leach at the Division I level. I mean, Texas Tech was the top ten program, wasn't it? Yes. Well, remember the night after they knocked off Texas, uh, or the day or whatever, whatever, whenever they re-voted, they were a top, what, top? They're not quite top five, but they're like six in the nation or something. They just just outside yeah. the top five. Yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, easily. So I, yeah, I don't know. Um, well, we'll see what happens. I mean, where? Well, here's a question though: If he does go small school level or whatever level, who would be a good fit? Oh my God! If he landed at some place like Sam Houston. Or Stephen F. Austin, Katie, bar the door. Because he already has a lot of connections and relationships established with a lot of those high school, you know, especially the sort of spreadish high school, uh, you know, coaching ranks in Texas. He loves Texas kids. You know, he's got a few even up where he is now, but pull. Pullman, and he still likes recruiting that area. And like I said, they they like his offense there. You know, basically in Big 12 country, they like that offense, and it works. Um, And he can get more speed athletes, which has been the real struggle for him since he's been where he is now, is finding the speed athletes. He has everything but that right now. He's missing that guy. But does he like Craig James' Texas player. Oh, man. <laughs> that whole mess. Yeah. Well, I guess the less said about that, the better. So, so Steve, you said you think Oregon still ends up standing on top of the heat when it's all said and done. Let's say, let's say you, Mr. Coburn. Who do you think ends up winning the Pac-12? Well, if Vernon Adams is the quarterback of Oregon – then uh, they take it. If he isn't, if they stumble out the gate with Jeff Lockie trying to be all cute and like, well, you're just an FCS quarterback, Brandon Adams, and then they, you know, drop a couple games and then they just can't recover, then the next team, for me, looking at, yeah, I mean, we just went through everybody. Um, that other team? It needs to be Arizona. 
or USC. So, at least, or in my mind. So, those would be the two teams. Arizona would, if their defense, you know, continues to be what they are and improves, um, and, and Solomon does his thing, and Caleb Jones has a great year, then they would be that number two team. If that doesn't happen, then you, if USC really does, everything goes right for them, then they could be right there. But there might not be a national championship team from the Pac-12. No. And I, I, agree. Say that I agree. Because they might lose a bunch of games. Like, they might – like, the top teams might be, like, two losses or three losses or whatever before they go into the the right. actual Pac-12 championship game because this is going to be a tipsy-tobby, tipsy, you know, sort of year, I guess, because there's not a – I mean, Stanford – that's Kevin Hogan, so you're going to lose some games. <laughs> um, and you're also replacing a lot of guys. I mean, Ty Montgomery's gone, and as much as people go, oh, Ty Montgomery sucks, he's this and he's that. <laughs> Ty Montgomery was doing stuff on a football field that most people would sell, sell their left, you know, sell whatever for, you know, like, Tom Montgomery yeah. was able to do stuff on offense for Stanford that they I don't see them having that. No, now, he was there. He was there. Cordell Patterson. He was there. Cordell Patterson. He he gave. But them a that. better version because he actually was productive. With the also football. true. Like, also you true. know Patterson. I, you know again, people will talk about Patterson like, oh well, you just you just go on screen. But when when Patterson was at Tennessee, he didn't have twelve hundred, thirteen hundred yards on screen passes. He did he not. He was kind of a, you know. <laughs> special team sort of guy, you know. So um, Ty Montgomery actually led his team in receiving and was the main guy. And does he have pot, Does he possibly have issues in terms of catching the ball over his shoulder? Sure. But if all you do is run comeback routes and, you know, different routes coming back to the football uh, and Aaron Rodgers is throwing you the football, well, we'll see what happens. So, but uh, <laughs> it's true to that. But um, I, I, just, I just think Stanford – has lots of issues. USC has lots of issues, but everybody has lot. What I'm noticing now is everybody has lots of issues. Oregon still mostly intact, mostly that position. Right. So if and I've seen Jeff Lottie play, he's okay. He's okay. So, but I just wonder. I just there might not be a Pac-12. I mean, again, because what we saw last year was if you lose any game, you lose one game. Right. You're automatically just in a tailspin of epic portions, praying and hoping stuff happens, you know. And, and it's like Baylor. When Baylor lost to uh, West Virginia. Yep, that ruined everything. Like, it was like over, you know. You know, TCU, when they lost to Baylor, it was like over. <laughs> right, you know? right. Now, I do agree that Ohio State, because, again, I was the one that Ohio State be put in because they were the better team, you know, and, that, and of course, they won the national championship. But my point is, is I think this might be the year the Pac-12 doesn't get in if team, if the teams aren't as good as I think they are not going to be, like you said, a down year. So, um, yeah, so that's what I kind of see. So, I think Oregon probably gets it again if not USC or Arizona gets it. Dark Horse might be be a dark horse. Uh, huh. Not Arizona. 
I don't know. I don't know what dark horse you mean. There might be this really no dark horse. horse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For me, the the dark horse candidates are UCLA, and then I guess after they make oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Stage. But I, I, mean, I saw Josh Rosen's spring ball. I, now, I mean, I'm making too much of a spring ball, but I don't know if he's going to have as crazy of a rookie first year as people expect. It's dumb. Oh, I'm trying to say. And right, UCLA well, has zero problems with defense and stuff. Correct. As as usual. <laughs> yeah, despite the defensive minded head coach, that has been the issue for them. Um in most of the games where they've looked bad, it's because they've looked bad on defense. I, I will say they they have imported one of the best defensive coordinators in college football. So I would expect that team will probably that schematically will look a lot better. Right. Uh, one of the best defensive coordinators ever in college football. So. Yeah, and they just have to see if they can just be be more consistent, and not give up. They gave up some, you know, easy ones sometimes. They gave up some easy yards and some easy scores at times, and you can't do that. It's a pretty high-scoring conference when you do things right. I mean, it's not quite the Big 12, but it's kind of close. So, yeah, I, I would say just based on my reading, I still think Oregon's going, going to be there with USC sort of nipping at their heels. Obviously, the winner of that game, to me, wins the, you know, Pac-12. Uh, I think that Arizona is, scares everybody, you know, as they did in the past. Arizona will be the everybody, – everybody's nervous about playing Arizona, and you should be. That's that's what you should – you should be nervous about playing Arizona. You don't know what's going to happen, and you should be worried. They could score 48 points on you and make you look bad, or if you stop the – I mean, that's what, like, what I always say about it. If you stop the run, if you can if, – if you can keep – Rich Rodriguez team from running the football. What they do in the passing game is not that difficult to control. If they if you make them throw the football, that's not what they want to do. They want to run the football and then throw based on you trying to overreact to stop the run. And yeah, like I said, the dark horses we just mentioned, and I think the the, the sort of bottom half. You know, Stanford, I think, is down this year. The bottom half of the, of the you know, the, the bottom six are probably as bad as they've been in recent memory in the conference. That's probably the, the biggest drop-off is actually the bottom six, who were, you know, have, there have been years when the bottom six were scary. They'd jump up and upset somebody and, you know, put a loss on somebody that had a chance to run the table. This year, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the, the best teams will be the best most of the most of the years that have looked the best, and then the bottoms will look like bottom teams. That's what at least I'm projecting. Yeah, it makes so, sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes it's not that cut and dry. So, Mr. Coburn, tell people what you're up to, what you're working on, what they can expect from you, sir. Well, I'm working on my criminal metric. Into yes. the future, character concerns will no longer, well, they might, will no longer be a peril for draft because you'll be able to look at all the character stuff over the last 15 years and 
and look to see if it matters or not, you know, um, in terms of different types of curves and stuff. So I've, I've started working on that, which did take a while. I've got through almost a year. I don't know. It just takes a while because you have to do each player and you have to double-check stuff. And you, have to, you know, it's just taking – there's a lot of double checking and cross referencing, and is this really the guy and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I've I've been doing that, um, and also making sure to keep sources and stuff. That way, if people are like, oh, where would you get that? Well, here you go. Here's the source where I got that. So, lots of that. So that takes a while. Takes a while. Um, but yeah, I've been working on that. Looking at tape, obviously. Um, which is probably going to go down a bit, but then again, again, once the season starts, that's really a big thing. Once the season starts, then it's tape watching, as it always is, you know, mm-hmm. for me. It's season starts, dang, watch the tape. Watch the tape all the way up to uh, January, and then it's just double-checking stuff, and then after that, it's full-blown metric stuff, and then people hate it because of it. Uh, <laughs> so, but, um, yeah. So Don't you ever watch that? I do watch tape. I watch tape from August all the way up to January, National Championship game. And then after that point, I pretty much watch – I watch everybody from the Pac-12 to the Big 12 to the to the Southern Conference, you know, the the Big Sky Conference to Division Two places. So, you know, and then, actually, actually – And then you I want to have – and then you wonder how George Farmer has a job and Shane Wynn doesn't. It's just frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep in mind, Shane Wynn is a five foot seven wide receiver. You know, put up really good production, tested like Sean Jackson, but who, who cares? You know, because he's five foot eight or seven, whatever. I mean, we don't have any five foot eight or seven guys in the NFL that are successful, Derek. But you know, we'll 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 see what happens. Uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised by that. Uh, Farmer, obviously, is because of physical stuff. You know, again, teams are – love them or hate them. That's my – that's the number one thing I usually see is teams tend to like size measurable stuff because they think they can teach them or coach them up when based on the metrics that's not actually the more successful route to take. But whatever. So, anyways, um, but, yeah, I'm – that's what I'm doing. So, that's going to take up a lot of my time, obviously. So I'm just doing that, and hopefully by the time August gets around, I'll have a large enough sample size of stuff to say something. I might not. I might, you know, just hold off on revealing anything until I have enough. So, um, to, or if it says anything at all, you know, that that too. But anyway, so that's what I've been doing. I've been doing that. I've, I did a like recently. I did a couple articles on my top five, James Coburn's top fives, and um, yeah, and then stuff like that. Uh, and then that's about it. And I just need to coin terms, you know, because everybody's forced players and this or that. I just mm-hmm. call them Coburn players. Hashtag Coburn players is what I'll just, you know, this guy passed all my tests. So, um, you know, because it's tests of production and age and it's a it's everything. So, um, character too. That might be another thing. Add a character part to it and see what that does. So, yeah. So, anyway, so I've been doing all that and, uh, and that's really what I've been doing. So um, you can find that work at allpurfocalsource.com. Most of my stuff that I've done recently in the past. And you can also follow me on Twitter at capital J, little M, little C, little O, little B, little E, little R, little N, one. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. So I guess, you know, this is it until tomorrow and the show in the morning or the afternoon or yep. Uh, yep. 
We'll uh, yeah, we'll we'll do it. I'll, I'll probably do it a little later than because I know that you're. I'm trying to be a, try a little bit, take a little bit easy on you, but yeah, I'll probably do it about. Uh, let me see. Probably start about eight your time. I hope it'll be a little easier on you. Uh-huh. Hopefully. Okay. <laughs> but yes, um, def- definitely we'll have a a good time because, amongst other things, we will have your friend and mine, Mr. Diamond James, breaking it all down from Elite 11. And Woo-hoo! I will see Elite yep. Well, right, correct. <laughs> so it's supersized this year. This year they've supersized the Elite 11. Uh, additionally, I will drop some more members of my all-emerging and uh, all-appreciated teams, or at least the watch list, and I'll have the teams probably you know right before the season, I guess. But the watch list is being formulated because I'm still you know watching tape of guys on the watch list to figure out who's going to be the actual guys. Um, so I'm not doing it quite like you do it, but I, I'm going back and looking at guys that I made notes of that I didn't, you know, it's like, oh, well, this guy's a freshman, this guy's a sophomore, I just make a little note, and then I'll come back later and watch more of him for next year. And so now I'm doing the watch more of him for next year part of it. But, yes, thrill, an honor, a privilege. Also, a big-time shout-out to, you know, at underscore or whatever, uh, or <laughs> Holistic Pickle uh, himself, Mr. Uh, 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 Lord. My poor brain. Steve? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Steve yeah. what? Um, well, Steve, too, but, um, yes, thank you, Steve. Oh, uh, but, but you mean Roy? Rory, Rory Calhoun, yes, right, right. Um, <laughs> yes. From Just Blog Baby? From Just Blog Baby, yes. Great having Rory on from Just Blog Baby. So, yes, there's definitely a thrill to having you know a little fresh blood, I like to occasionally you know have a little new little newness. But thank you all, it was great, and we will do this again in one week. Tomorrow, of course, is the uh, uh, Pro Prospects Radio Show, and we will have some really, like I said, exciting on-the-spot reporting from Mr. Donovan James. Once again, I thank you all for your time. I thank you for your talents. I thank you for your attention, and uh, I thank everyone who's ever been a part of this and everyone who's ever been a listener. And I will bid you all a good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.